Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dara here, aka Captain Brunch, your host is always being joined by co-host Destin Soglo Frasia. <laughs> Did hell freeze over? I feel that way every week when it comes to the things that happen on here. Sometimes I feel like it freezes, sometimes I feel like it boils. So it really depends on what you are referring to in this particular instance. Oh, but uh, know the one. Or two. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, maybe. Quite possibly. It isn't done till it's done, but we will definitely be talking about that tonight. Been a busy week, as I can see. I only come and check up on things once a week, and every time I come on here, it feels like a year worth of news has gone by compared to when we used to do this five or six years ago. So that's definitely exciting. Yeah. There were literally times that even though I was overestimating my ability, there were times when I used to think, all right, between 11 and 11.45-ish should be enough time after Raw. To be able to put together a program for a show And I, I started to think I'm getting worse But it's that the news is getting more That's really what's going on here Because it really does feel like it's been a year Since we were last here well, We're going to get into some stuff tonight Go over some results And thank you to everybody that is listening Across Spotify, our Radio, Apple Podcasts TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud And all other popular places podcasts Are found as well as, of course, those tuning in from our video feeds via Facebook and Twitch. Find all of our links at talkbrunch.com. Click them, follow us, do all of that wonderful, fun stuff. There is so much wrestling. I got wrestling on my phone. You know how I keep up with the week? We have it on our phone. You know, Stasis has it with her when she's doing her laundry. I have it on my, I have it on multiple screens. And I have this place rigged up where if I go to a different room, I kind of feel like the Bruce Wayne of the wrestling universe. It's like... I'll go to a different room and the screen will lower in that room and I'll be wrestling there. And I'll go back to the other room, finish pouring my drink and getting the ice and then boom, screen in this. I'm not even kidding anymore. It's like, that's what I had to do to be able to keep up with this ridiculous stuff. You can ask her. Like, we literally have it. We test it too. It's like, all right. Is is the screen lowering was exactly what I envisioned. Like, it's really crazy. People don't realize that our our new overlay is, is literally a very close reflection to our situation. And that's just one of the rooms. It's it almost mirrors it now, which is kind of funny. I, I literally do have like the screens triangled like that in front of me. And I do have to look to my right for that damn monitor still. Not even monitor, big screen. The only difference between mine and the one on the screen is that where you see our talk punch monitor, it's more to the left and there's actually two of them. So you've seen those shots before. I love how he. I'm looking at the stream and looking at our default screen and that's exactly what I'm seeing. I'm just like, yep, I can see it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like in my head, I was moving the scenery around the match. It's nuts. So we're going to get into some crazy wrestling news today. But before we do, I, I wanted to start. I'm starting a little bit different. Uh, I don't know what I would call this. Not even necessarily a Rick's rant because there's no ranting. But it's in regards to our, and I spoke to you guys on Gilded about this. So it's no surprise to anybody here. But I got to say, the amount of tweets and DMs and messages and stuff that we have been getting is absolutely overwhelming there are so many long-time listeners quote-unquote and i just want to start off by saying i appreciate all listeners uh all of you like honestly we've been doing this since i was actually younger at this point you can say it's seven years so it's cool that so many people when you don't think are listening 
reach out. Last week, or I think the week before the last two weeks, Destin and I mentioned an error in the Peacock streaming service. Not that we would need to. I think it was a big enough error that you'd have to be dead not to notice it. <laughs> a lot of people started reaching out for that IPTV hookup. Uh, people I've either never heard from before or people I ever hardly ever hear from in the first place. So like on one hand, it's nice and it serves as a reminder of the lurk listens that we get. Because like I told you before, our chat room is a humble place. As Americans, we are coming in here after midnight a lot of the time because I'm running late from all the production that I'm doing. So I don't expect there to be a big turnout. And we are coming into this as far as the live streaming in an era of saturation. Between Before even the pandemic hit, there were just so many new streamers popping up everywhere. Part of it is because it became more accessible. The tools and software that are necessary for people to stream became accessible to everyone. The tragedy in it is that the tools and software necessary for people to stream and podcast properly didn't become available. So now there's a pool of just shitty streams and, and, and podcasts. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but what I mean, I've said on here before, is many people believe that content creation is just picking up a microphone putting something to their mouths and, uh, you know, just talking, just whatever comes out of their brain, you know, out of the septic tank that is their brain through the toilet that is their mouth. And that's what a lot of these are. Not everyone, but that's a lot of what's been happening here. That being said, uh, the point I'm making is we came into the podcast game just before it got oversaturated with podcasts everywhere. And we came into the streaming game by the time it was already saturated. So with a nocturnal, as nocturnal as we are coming in here practically in the middle of the night for most of our streams, including the wrestling ones, the live thing was never really planned to be a big deal. And I guess we already were lucky enough to establish ourselves with an audience when it comes to podcasting. Because in the podcasting, that's still in the thousands. Those numbers work out great for us. We are more popular as an audio content than we are as a video content. I've seen some of the numbers. They are nuts. Yeah, so, you know, I don't mind that whatsoever, and I feel kind of bad, because when we do video content here, sometimes it's just us going, hey, man, check this out. Oh, wow, that was crazy. And, you know, I forget that not everyone's concluding the most popular demographic is not able to see that. So I apologize for that, and I do implore them, go to the On Demand on Twitch or on Facebook, mostly on Twitch. Facebook tends to be full of shit. On Twitch, uh, and see if you can watch the replay there, because the videos are there. You just scroll down to the video section. If you don't know how to get there, just reach out to me, and I'll uh, get you into that. But I digress. Uh, So a lot of people made themselves known uh, recently. And on one hand, it's nice because it serves as a reminder of these lurks and listens that we get. But then on the other hand, it's kind of nerving that they never make themselves known until something like that IPTV thing comes up. Now, realistically speaking, these are private services. You know, George was nice enough to thank us. He's a friend of our community. He's a big part of our community. You know, part of the live community. I consider those people family. If you're part of I don't the live think he's community, missed a show since he joined yeah. up. Yeah, like those. I, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I do the show for everyone, but the people that reach out to me in the chat room, and then the people who message me after the show, I'll cater to you in the sense that if I know there's content that they like or things that they're interested in, then my priorities are going to be with the people that are interacting. You know, and then I'll do the rest of it. Like if I know if you know, just, unless it's CZW, then you know you have to find another show. But, <laughs> no, no, no dancing here. So the IPTV thing became um, popular amongst our Gilded community. For anyone who doesn't know, most of our community has been sort of migrated um, into a private area. We used to be publicly out on Twitch and stuff. We're sort of more private now because we weren't really looking to grow in that sense. Realistically, I can't hook everybody up. It kind of comes off, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, 
but it kind of comes off like hi person i've never met before that never even bothered to follow me or interact with me that's that's uh quote unquote long time listener of the show sure i'll give you all of our hookups you know like it just you know, like, like literally i've gotten messages it's not one person i know everyone's gonna think it's them but it's like there were enough of you that we were joking about it and gilded um that the messages just kept coming in like hi i heard about the iptv thing hey i was just like hey long time listener and i don't really care no one's obligated you can listen i lurk a lot of shows honestly in all the years i've done this i can probably count on one one hand uh the amount of times i've interacted with a show um but that being said on the flip side of this because we always do the contrary side the devil's advocate i put hours of work time and money into our content i don't ask for anything in return But retweeting and sharing content that you support so that it'll grow is free. And more growth means more content. And uh, if the people aren't there, that's one thing. Because then it's like, oh, well, you know, this is our community and that's pretty much it. But when we know, looking at the numbers that are in the thousands, and when we know that whenever we mention something, and I'll deliberately wait until like fucking two, three hours into a podcast to mention something for 20 seconds, and that'll get picked out. And we'll get tons of DMs about it. So it's like, it's our people that are just fucking flipping through because we'll plant seeds in here so that you can't just listen to the beginning of the, or the end and get it. And I'll, and I'll be picked up. Like when you look at it, that IPTV was on almost a fucking six hour show, right? It has to be. I don't know if Destin yeah. fell asleep like about this. Oh, there he is. Oh, but yeah. yeah but that IPTV thing was like a six hour show. And yet people, a lot of people came forward. They wanted to know the, uh, the information. Um, the thing about it is I don't really ask for anything in return, but when you retweet and it makes us grow, that growth is free, whereas more growth means more content for you guys. And the reality is that the people that are known within our community have never had to ask for anything because they're in the know. They're in the Gilded. They know all of the access to the stuff because uh, they're in that community. You know what I mean? I didn't plan it. We didn't strategically do it, but it's like, and it's what this is more than just about content creation or streaming. This was about myself as an individual post pandemic, and I spoke about this on a previous show deeply for a long time. So I don't want to get into it. But I came out of the pandemic. Yeah, I I came out of the pandemic a rebooted man. And I gave a few select people a fresh start post that. Lots of them came through. Some of them fucked up again that are pretty much done with me. You know what I mean? And not in a negative way, not like an oh fuck that guy way. Like I will always and I and I revise all of you this Destin. Be cordial and be diligent and, and and nice and polite to the people that you want to fuck right off. Because it's more important that they don't know you want them to fuck right off. Do that now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's better than that than to have heat. Somebody messages you, oh yeah, sure, buddy, pal, whatever, chum. But really no. Because I think my biggest mistake as a youth was I allowed people to uh sort of violate principles and things that i think friendship stand on but then i would let them know i'd rather leave people in the dark like like moxley said i let my silence speak for me when it came to his departure from wwe it's what you don't tell people and the way you don't interact with them that i think says almost as much as the way that you do and uh i am by no means putting the people that ask for an iptv service into this this is just me shooting this is just a metaphor about my own personal experiences in life and things like that you know i'm not saying those people fall into this category but i'm just saying that i just changed the way my interactions with people are um and it's really because no matter how this brand the community the stream the product turns out week to week in my life and i don't mean this to sound fucked up my life is great you know my wife has the looks and bodies of a goddess at this point and treats me like a king. I'm newly married and have a great love life, outside world life. This whole thing can literally burst into flames and I still wouldn't sleep alone at night. 
<laughs> that doesn't change the passion and work that I put into this. As a matter of fact, the only thing in the world that I've ever put more of my own energy into than this community is my marriage. You know, that being said, I love doing it, but every little bit helps. So if you're a listener and you make yourself known to us, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but not just when you want a handout or a hookup, you know, and I hate to make it sound that way, but quite frankly, that's kind of how it is. You know, full disclosure, one of the main reasons we have less people on the air than when we had five or six motherfuckers on here was because they were more moochers than they were contributors. They really were here for those hookups and for those things that we would get and all of the different technological benefits. More people that wanted to get a hookup or get themselves over when they're on the air and on the mic rather than to put in the work of going over the content or going over the program or anything, you know, more full disclosure. I have a former panelist that was on here. I'm not going to mention names. Because even when people leave here, whether they leave here sweet or salty, I always hope that they go on to do other things just because I kind of feel like someone going on to do something else, even if it's in the name of fuck talk brunch, the way people leave WWE and go to AEW, it's still a compliment to me that they did go on to do that. It says something about they had to come from the fucking talk brunch academy, if you will. You at least gave them the tools to be able to do something afterwards. None of them. They're all X-Factor. None of them were (laughs) X-Men. But that being said... Just to give an example, I have a former panelist that went on to do silent streams, and I don't even think that he realizes that they're silent streams. He doesn't talk. He doesn't really go on cam or have audio or do commentary. It's just the game running, right? Like, literally, whatever game he's playing is just running. He's not even present in the stream. You can literally steal the content. If you want to make a a Let's Play channel, you can take all of his shit and just rip the videos and save it to your channel and put Let's Play, and there's not even a fucking watermark to prove that it's him. For most of these videos, content creation mistake number one. And uh, the HTML that this person uses for the links, um, it's quite obvious the talk brunch HTML. You know, there's little things in HTML that you could look at that you can tell, oh, that person's using some of my code. In this case, when you click on the link, it still leads back fucking here. You would have needed to change Ooh. that part of the code. Whoops. But, uh, <laughs> So I'm just saying, you know, there, there are things, and I'll show you later. That's I won't make it public. I'm blowing, but yeah, no, there's somebody. Oh, I, like, I, I, I was snooping around. And I, I have a feeling like I know who it is. I was snooping around. And I clicked somebody's stuff, and I was like, why the fuck am I going back to my home page? <laughs> Ooh, somebody done fucked up. If you're going to steal the code of the page, you know what I mean? Edit it. So what you're saying is on a technological note, somebody picked a whole bouquet of oopsie daisies. Yeah, I clicked it and it went back here, and I thought it was my bra. I thought it was my browser for a minute. It was like, did my fucking homepage? It was that? No, I looked at the oh, link. You know, you, you fuck can... up and hit the homepage button by mistake. <laughs> when you steal the code, awkward. And I'm not even trying to troll this person. I don't even think that they listen or are part of anything like that. It's from a long, long time ago. But uh, the point that I'm making is that my standard and that person's standard were so far apart when it comes to content creation that he had no business being on here in the first place and we were carrying him and to me that kind of solidified it when you're whole when you are making stuff and you don't even realize that it doesn't have any substance to it and i i'm, I'm trying not to be disrespectful and i know one of the times i'm trying not to i'm saying a lot of fucked up things when you make something that doesn't have it, you're almost oblivious to it you know what i mean and it's like i kind of feel like to me it wasn't about that he was making shitty content it's never about when someone makes shitty content 
it's when they're completely oblivious to the shitty content that makes me realize not that I care, but that they don't have any business here. You could be aware that you had a stinker, and uh, but it's when you can't smell your own farts that you don't belong on here. And that's something just sort of that I learned. That was a when I was hell this of guy. a fucking expression. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know where I was going, man. I really didn't. Wow. I don't know. This whole thing has been a strange journey for me too. <laughs> and uh, we have a saying back uh, backstage around here. Uh, you got to give something for loyalty. You know what I mean? You got to give something for loyalty. And uh, that being said, our community that's close to us, you know, I think that's the reason why they have the answers to everything. Whenever we say something or we call out another person or a podcast or something, suddenly everyone was listening. But when it's just time to like and share the fucking thing or retweet, uh, that's not really something that I really see from many people. And again, I'm just looking at the ratio of listeners versus interactions, you know, and it's never something that I... uh, I hold against anyone, but it's it's definitely something that I will I do notate. You know what I mean when that kind of stuff happens. And so, uh, and I advise people don't just handle this. I'm not handling this because there's anything to the content creation. This is just the way that I'm carrying myself in the world now. Don't allow people to be fair weather friends in your life, man. If you guys haven't learned by now, life isn't is too short for that. I don't give a fuck if it is somebody who blew Todd McFarlane. <laughs> if you have a friend and they have seen you. Six months or less in the last couple of years, that's not a friend. I don't care if they say they're a long friend or how busy they were or anything like that. You shouldn't tolerate that shit anywhere in your life for any aspect. And that doesn't mean you go up to these people and you come, oh, go fuck yourself, oh, go yourself. smile to them. You know what I mean? Pat them on the back. High five them. Too sweet them. <laughs> but really fuck them. You know, that makes any sense. Poker face. The most awkward thing where somebody is just coming in too sweet them, but really fuck them. (laughs) It's certain shit we say on this show. I just think to myself, what would have happened if somebody walked in right at that moment? You got to keep people guessing nowadays, man. I, I I play things a little bit more psychologically. And I was talking with, with a friend of mine. He was in the chat room last week, Cryo. He was in here. And we were talking about how, you know, we got, you get sick and tired of people only hitting you up when they need something or when they want something. Or, uh, or and, and otherwise, I'm not saying everybody does. I have a lot of great friends, you know, especially in this community. You know, people, you know, you're my friend and a lot of these guys are my buddies. And I appreciate that. But you get a lot of people that suck, you know, when it comes to that, that kind of thing, just using and uh, things of that nature. And by no means am I saying people that reached out because you guys saw the numbers of the people that reached out. Um, and by no means am I saying that that's them, but I'm just saying I don't want them to be that guy. Don't be that guy. Look at it from the content creator's uh, perspective, like when you hit them up. Don't hit them up for hookups. Same thing when I'm in the Fantasy Star community. I know a lot of people put out Fantasy Star videos and tips, and then people will directly contact the creators to, to, for help in the game. <laughs> you know, and it's like they have to put in their profiles, don't contact me directly for help in the game. Like, think about that. Like, this person's putting this, out, this shit out. Can you imagine the amount of people who, who if they, that, that feel that sense of entitlement to message these guys and, hey, you know, can like, you help me in this level in fantasy stuff? No, he can't. It's like thousands it's like of people. How many times that had to have happened before they were like, you know what, let me put this as a disclaimer in here. The best metaphor I can start that way. The best metaphor I can compare it to is the best Batman movie ever. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, animated movie. This is one scene. You remember this one scene where, like, this homeless guy comes up to Bruce Wayne and he's hungry, and then Bruce Wayne pulls out like some money, and he's like, "Oh, here you go." And the guy's like, "Thank you, sir." And then like another person comes on, he gives him money. He's like, "Thank you." And then before you know it, everywhere they're just surrounding him. And when he looks around, he just start, fucking starts realizing that he just doesn't have enough money in his wallet right now for all of them, and he just looks devastated. And then it just cuts away from the flashback. 
that's really the way that that's that's a that's a beautiful formula in life because that's the way things are you know what i mean like you can only extend yourself but so far and when you really look at it that's the story not to get too comic booky but that's the story and dilemma of a man like bruce wayne that he is a person who he's trying to extend himself to help everyone everywhere at the same time even those that don't deserve it and then coming to the horrible conclusion that even with that selflessness, he'll never be able to achieve it. You know, just food for thought here, right? Isn't it? Crazy. Poetry and fucking bullshit. <laughs> I don't even try that kind of good stuff. But yeah, That's guys. That's the funny part about it. <laughs> I was just thinking, it's just, just me shooting here, man, before we get into wrestling, because I know everybody's like, where the hell is the wrestling? You can fast forward a bit if you're on the on demand anyway. But and, and I'm, I'm, I'm by no means... Like take back there is when it comes to uh, shitty friends like me, y'all got seven days, all right? <laughs> you better enjoy them while they last yeah and I, that makes sense that's the kind of way i do i wait for a milestone like that i know exactly where you're coming from but see that's where i've been for a while where it's like i i, I went i went into this year refreshed and it's more like it's just more of a personal thing once i uh, i think once i married my uh my wife that was and we've been together for for years if not a decade before but i think that was pretty much the end of the of the soft reboot for the previous life if you will but uh yeah guys Getting back on track here, since this has been a story about uh, the moral of the story has been people interactions, I guess, superficial interactions versus tr- genuine interactions. Um, reach out. If you have a content creator and you're a longtime listener, not just of me or anything, and you want to support it, support it. Don't just don't don't like support it from the shadows. Support it. You'd be amazed how good that'll make somebody feel to realize that maybe listening to your stuff gets them through a tough day. Maybe just. Maybe it's just a highlight of their day. Little stuff like that makes quite the difference. And support doesn't necessarily come in retweets or shares or things like that because I'm the same person who's come on here and said that I don't believe that those things work. You know, a support could be a suggestion. Hey, Rick, what's your opinion on this? Or on the next show, I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Or hey, Destin, how do you think about this? Or we'd like to you talk about that. Support could come in, in the form of content because I've been on here many a time where I've said that I don't believe that when you retweet somebody else in most cases or when you share somebody else's content or when someone comes into the chat room and you give them a shout out and tell them i don't think that there's ever been a case where someone's gone oh let me leave this person's content and go and check out this other person's content that he recommended it doesn't really happen like that you know what i mean it's more the thought that counts i guess more the effort but i could speak from experience and saying and you guys can ask yourselves how many of you have been watching or consuming someone else's content and then they recommended something else and you went think i'll go get that now probably the same amount of you that have been watching wrestling and when the pizza hut commercial came out went and got pizza Hut because they told you to it doesn't happen that way you know somebody's either going to want something when they want it or or not or, or or not when they don't and it's become more prominent in today's society for people to want immediate instant gratification nobody wants anything until the moment that they want it no one's preemptively thinking about shit that they want no one's going to want a pizza until they want a pizza so commercials and advertisements have become completely superficial nobody's going to want a new pair of sne- sneakers or sketchers or any of that shit until they want until they look at their feet they don't care people want what they want in the moment so for me to believe that these expensive advertisements would add with, with, with freaking beautiful graphics and low, logos and all this other sponsorship and thought that goes into it, they, they usually they, they do surveys and all kinds of, 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 of meetings and stuff in order to determine which one of these ads and commercials is going to work best. And most of us use that time to fucking tweet or message each other about whether or not Goldberg's coming back. And we're just one community that happened to think about that in baseball and basketball and gaming. No one's actually paying attention to the fucking things. 
And when you are paying attention to the things, what you most likely talk about and remember about it with your buddy is the funny thing about it. Not even what they were selling. I love that commercial when he says that. You don't even remember what the fucking product is. Was it Sonic where they're all sitting in the backseat? Those are funny ass commercials. I don't need Sonic though. <laughs> I can do without Sonic. I'll take the laugh. I'll take the commercials. I was free. So for me to realize that we as people look at advertising that way, it would be a little pretentious for me to believe that if I went into a streamer's chat room that had a thousand people and went, hey, check out Talk Brunch, that somebody would? I don't think that 10,000 would if it was an animated Pizza Hut commercial. And that's a known franchise. You have to understand the way advertising and stuff works. I'm not even saying, oh, retweet, we're going to grow. But I'm just saying that when you make yourself known to a content creator, probably best unless you're really close to them to not, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, what, what's the way that I should put it. Is there a way that I should put it? Am I crossing I lines? I would almost say, yeah, just kind of like, I would be blunt for it. But I'd be blunt about it. Like, don't, don't look for the hookup. Just, I never you know, ask. about something, don't be like, hey, can I get that too? Like, what? I never ask anyone for anything, no matter what. It doesn't matter what's going on. Even if I needed help watching Raw, even if I missed all of Raw and had to start watching Raw at 11.30 in a replay and then start the show at 4 in the morning, I wouldn't ask for a shred of help. I don't ask for help in anything. And uh, the the less I ask for, the better it is. So that's the, that's the main thing. Be close to someone when you ask. It's a little awkward for me because obviously I can't give out that kind of information to that number of people. You know, I don't even know what the legal ramifications of something like that is, you know, and, and also it's a change with me too. like going forward. I'm focusing more on bringing out my own kind of content, whether it's popular or unpopular. I don't care anymore. The wrestling obviously does great, which means that if I just did wrestling every day, I'm guaranteed clout, but I'm not clout chasing here. You know, it's like I want to do content that I want to do. One of my things I pride myself on here is I like to do things different, different format, different way from everybody else, you know. I've seen streamers that clout chase either by sh- directly playing the damn pay-per-views or, or by doing all kinds of things. I'm not here for that, you know. But the point that I'm making is that whether it's popular or unpopular, going forward between my marriage, life, and talk brunch, I'm going to be busy, but busy by choice. But that means that, like, my days of tutoring people, teaching people, mentoring people, that has come to an end, you know. And I, and I mean, it's, 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 like, in the community, there's, there's more discussions. I don't really tutor anyone. Like, we all talk amongst each other. Um, but I mean, even really realistically within the community, nobody really asked for it, um, asked for anything from me anymore, you know, and, on, and if they didn't take advantage of it before, it's probably too late now, you know, which is another lesson on this thing before we get into wrestling. When the door opens, take them before they all close and all that shit, because doors open and close, you know, literally, what if a fucking meteor hit my, my place today and we were just gone? We demised from a meteor attack. Then uh, all of that knowledge and information is gone. So the point being, my office door, kind of like Vince, has always been open for anybody to knock if they need anything, want to learn how to do anything, and, that, and, and, and so on and so forth. That being said, I'm an older guy now. I'm a married man now. And more, most importantly, I am invested in making more content for our community, not necessarily wrestling. I am not going to be here Mr. Miyagiing anymore. That is over. You know, it's like the, the Mr. Miyagi era for me has passed. Um. If I can get a few people that are closer with the community and help them out with things, sure. But there's really no promises at this point. Uh, And again, this wasn't to come off dickish, but it's just like the overwhelming amount of messages that we got regarding that. It was just like we were after I was just like, look at this, you know, like Like, where the hell are all these people? Imagine if the people that heard that little part where we talked about IPTV did anything and i don't mean in the mean way i know everything sounds so bad i cringe every time i say but imagine just popping in the chat saying dude if we had that level of of uh 
or community in the surface, it would fuck a lot of people up, to be honest with you. You know, so it's just, it's just, I won't lie when I say it's a little bit frustrating to know that that's going on the way that it is. Just because, man, if you only knew, if you guys all literally assembled together instead of like privately whispering in our ears, you you have quite a formidable community out there that doesn't seem to want to come to light. And the truth be told, a lot of the guys that are in our direct community started that way. When we were on demand, the EB gamers and the Willie V2s of the community were people that were listening to a show that hadn't even developed into the live thing that it was. A lot of people followed us here from on demand. A lot more can, though. The proof is that when I've said things like this, people have come forward. There are people that we interact with that if it wasn't for that, uh, they, we wouldn't know them. So that's what I'm saying. If you're if you've listening to this, which you clearly are, I would not pay for those damn podcast servers if they weren't working. Pop in or do something. Make yourself known because the community is going through some drastic changes going forward. I am going to be bringing out more content. I am going to be looking for moderators for different projects and things that are going on. And I know you've probably heard from a thousand different streamers and content creators that they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And that wait, listen, I've never, ever said I was going to do something and didn't do it and didn't remain consistent with it. When it comes to if I said you were going to get a special, a new show, a new podcast, a new uh, uh, an extra episode, there's not a single thing that I've done since I've started doing this. So when I say that I'm going to be working on new projects, I'm going to be bringing people on board. You can ask Dustin. That means that it's fucking solidified. This isn't just like because I every stream I go into, I hear this, which is what's frustrating because it must sound like white noise to a lot of you guys by now. When you hear, oh, we're going to go, we're going to do this and I need a couple people to work on me with that. And none of them do shit. Might take Mean- time, but understand around here it gets done. Meantime, around here, no. Anytime I've ever said, go back to all, what is this, episode 471, 471 episodes worth of what we're going to do, we did it all. So when I tell you guys that be prepared if you want to be involved in something, there's going to be more content. It would be more content if I had to, if, if everything in here went up in flames and I had to do this with a stylophone cup attached to a fucking string, there would be more content. And it would still be better than the current content. By the time you're listening to this, there's already better content inbound. This is old shit if you're listening to this on demand. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I almost wish I could write that down. This is old shit. That was pretty much it. Disclaimer two eggs. Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Zerdurferus. Was that the name? Uh, yeah, Zerdurferus. Thank you, Zerd. That's what we're going to call you. We're going to call you Zerd. Yeah, that's and a again, wonderful name, by the way. You know and it, I love that fucking name. It's not like a fucking, it's not like a fucking apocalyptic spell. Zerdiferous. That's cool. Oh, that's oh, no, oh, that's oh, no worse. Asia. Holy shit! Well, welcome. Well, welcome aboard, my friend. Welcome. Uh, but yeah, no. I when I said that, I don't mean in in, in disrespect to any uh to any people that are longtime listeners. But I'm just saying that, like, as a content creator, I looked at that, and the point wasn't so much what people aren't doing for us, more as it is how many of you there are. Lots of people listening, you know, and and we don't talk about it. It's not the first time it's happened, but you make yourselves known and quiet. And really, like, we have a pretty strong damn community here in comparison to a lot of other ones. But there's a lot of communities that, that fake it till they they uh, make it. You know what I mean? They create the illusion of these strong communities. But then I can I, as someone who's done this for a long time, I could see that the backbone isn't really there. The community is not as strong. It's a front. We're by no means NBC and we're not strong, but I do see there is almost the opposite here. There's such a strong community, and it's not presented that way. And a lot of the fake it that you make it stuff is working around here. We shouldn't let that kick our asses. 
a lot more people's knees are buckling than you all realize. You know, so if you're going to be part of the community, now's a good time. Now was a wonderful time. Trust me, we're going into a new era with all of this stuff. Um, and then again, like I said, uh, the disclaimer number two on here was eggs. And I'm just doing this for myself. A couple of weeks ago, I made a joke. I made a joke where I said that you don't need to come onto social media and you don't need to post everything that you do. You don't need to post everywhere you go, everything you're doing. You're, this is me eating. This is my juice that I just poured. And I, as a metaphor, I try to reach because I tend to say things on here that will direct offend people and everyone will think that it's about them and it's never directed at anyone it's always my direct stream of consciousness but that being said i said let me go for something obscure so i won't piss anybody off and i said you don't need to post pictures of your eggs i don't want to see your fucking eggs just said it as a shoot thing and somebody posted eggs i kid you not i go offline i go on social media and i look and maybe a couple of days before someone i won't mention names but someone who's an associate or they actually did the one of the last things they posted was a picture of their fucking eggs I just remember thinking, oh, my God, he's going to think I'm talking about him. I had no idea that this person, I'm not, I don't even really look at them. I just I happened to. I was like, wait, what? Here's the thing. My social media is all set that when I press on it, I land on the landing pages of Talk Brunch. If I go to Facebook on my PC, it goes to the Talk Brunch Facebook. If I go to Twitter, it goes to the Talk Brunch Twitter. My homepage is TalkBrunch.com. The reason I do this is because I don't like to get distracted by other people's timelines or walls. So most of the time, I don't know what's going on with other people. Like, I have no idea what the last thing is that they put on their timeline or what's going on with them. So I'm usually, like, the last person to be able to tell you anything when it comes to, like, anybody else's content or what anybody else is doing or where anybody else is, you know? Just because, again, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't take interest in the things in social media in that aspect and i think it's a better way to live don't you yeah it's pretty nice so uh yeah you know the whole thing being i didn't see yeah the whole thing being i didn't see his eggs (laughs) write it down (laughs) i didn't that'll be name episode i didn't see his eggs i was literally on my and i just happened to and the other thing is and this is gonna sound messed up I'm, i'm really burying myself shit but when I add a friend or somebody on Twitter, first thing that I usually do is I unfollow their timeline or mute their timeline, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, so I don't see any of that stuff immediately after befriending them. And then I refollow people's timelines based on their interaction with myself personally or talk brunch. So when I go onto my Facebook, it guarantees that the only people that I see are people who have interacted with me recently. If I'm not liking your jokes or interacting or putting comments on your shit, it's because you haven't uh, interacted with us and we just kind of pulled our support, to be honest with you. So that being said, this person, I don't even follow them anymore as far as they're friends, but they're not followed. It's just that they, they also follow Stasis. And she, so I just happened to be in close proximity of her and saw it from her phone and was like, is that person posting eggs? <laughs> It was like, oh, shit, I just talk shit about people posting eggs, but I did it because I, I wanted an obscure reference. Did this scramble yolk motherfucker put this? Like, I wasn't trying to scramble anybody's eggs. Oh, damn. Damn, Jesus. Damn. Wow, I didn't even, I wasn't looking, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even looking at the <laughs> damn screen. I just happened to look in that direction. Damn. Dirty-minded wife. Hey, well, hey, you put a ring on it, so. We knew what this was. Unbelievable. What the fuck? Oh, usually people will follow if they want something, like they want to hook up or something. 
you know, what is this generally what will happen. I'm going to call him Zerd. That way I don't have to Yeah, pronounce Zerd will be easier. Hopefully Zerd. that's okay. It's just because... Zerd is the word, man. Means. That way I don't have to remember the rest of it. <laughs> right. But when I made the... You, you, you don't want us botching that name every time you come in here. We'll just call you Zerd. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't mean to talk about anybody. When I said, hey, you know, I don't want to see you making fucking eggs. I didn't literally mean the people on social media of mine that were making eggs. I just... It was a metaphor towards... Don't make eggs. Like, I don't need to see you always doing everything that you're doing in life. And this motherfucker literally just said, crack, I'll show him. <laughs> the eggs were there before, which is what makes it worse. They were there a couple of days before, but since I don't go on the timeline, I didn't know. <laughs> what do I got to do? Before I come on the show every day, the same way I go through the dirt sheets, I got to go over the timeline to make sure that nobody's fucking eggs are there? <laughs> Check, see if you'll strike any nerves. <laughs> you okay, know, that's a nerd check. All right, everybody cool? Cool? Okay, we cool. All right. Shit, eggs. But if anybody, oh, if anybody's hearing this, I wasn't talking about your eggs. Fucking <laughs> 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 that was wonderful. Now watch, now watch. Fucking, we go get off the air. Next thing you know, bacon. Yeah, maybe we should. He's this guy. I like this guy. He wants to make the bacon balls. No, 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 Dora. She has shit to do. <laughs> She, she knows we're not worried about her eggs. Just it just goes to show that I underestimate social media once again because I went for the that something that I figured would be unlikely someone would have the time to post and it was posted. You know, and it was like, oh, God, eggs. That's a phrase you never think you're going to say in fucking 2021. Oh, God, eggs. <laughs> oh, boy. I, got, like, I swear to God, I have a personal experience. I'm freaking, I'll probably want to tell you one of these days off the air, but it's like. I ever get had a situation where all I did was take a picture with my friend, and all of a sudden there's heat. Yeah, you get, but still, can't even. That's what you got. Social media done fucked up. You can't even snap pictures no more without somebody getting sensitive. I should start doing that. You know, it's I, I would feel too awkward even without all the shit that I've talked. I, it's just awkward for me to have enough time to be like, hey, here's a picture of me doing something. Here's a post about me doing something else. I really think this about this, and I really think that about that. I may get momentum where I do two or three tweets in one day if I happen to be in a tweet position. I'm I'm on YouTube and two or three right. funny things. Right. If I see you tweet twice in the same day, I'm like, oh, he feeling something today. All right. You know, or sometimes we'll be talking in the chat room and then I'll say something that uh, I'm like, yeah, that's a good tweet. And I'll put it out there, too. But not really. I don't really care. I'll say again. What the fuck, Stasis? What the fuck? <laughs> Your Stasis are rolling. But yeah, as far as the IPTV goes, we can't give it to everyone, obviously, because of core community members. But again. The more you you make yourself known, the more of you there are, the more stuff there is to do, the more things will happen. You know what I mean? And I don't just say that. I move the needle around here. So you can take me on my word. It's something that I'm, I'll always be good for. All right. Well, have some fun now. huh? You want to talk some wrestling? <laughs> see, just, see, there you go. Contributor. Ideas. Be like Get, Zerd, right? Like hashtag like Look at that. So much egg content. I almost That's, tried to put that together, and I was like, nope, don't fucking we, do it. We could just hashtag eggs at the end of every single tweet and see if it brings up momentum. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, wait. It ju- I just got it. What, what Was it last week we talked about fucking Sunny and her suggestion for her OnlyFans, and that ended with, do we could just end everything in eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to start off with one of my favorite clips of the week and this for me is a mark out clip i don't mark out very often for clips see what scares me is every time he says this i'm i'm sitting there thinking to myself have i seen this or not like this was a mark out pop clip right here guys 
for me, and if you're in the same kind of fan that I am, then you'll know where this is going. Let me, uh... This Wednesday in Dallas, Texas, I defend my championship title against Nyla Rose. And there is no way I'm losing this thing. Because not only am I the best, I walk with the best, and I talk with the best. I can validate that. Because she was a student before we opened up Cobra Kai. And I know that she knows Are you that mercy is for the weak. Here and on the streets, somebody confronts her, they are the enemy. And the enemy doesn't deserve any mercy. So make sure you come in and see the show. Because it's going to be a no show. Yours truly, Dr. Britt Baker, D-M-D. That was so cool. So for anyone who doesn't watch Cobra Kai, that is the main villain. Sort of a spoiler. I mean, it goes deeper into the episodes, but he's the original. If you've watched The Karate Kid, you will know him as John Kreese, the villain of the original Karate Kid also. He was the guy who uh, who was the, the leader of Cobra yeah. Kai. Cobra Kai being the, uh, the rivaling dojo of Miyagi, though. He's the guy in the famous scene that goes to punch Mr. Miyagi and he dodges and he punches and fucks his hand up in the window. And then Mr. Miyagi goes to chop him, but he winds up honking his nose. That guy. You heard a about that clip. When he does the DMD, fucking Britt does it regularly. He goes DMD. He spelled it. He literally drew it out on the screen. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. And Cobra Kai is my favorite series by far. Like I said, Cobra oh, Kai is great. Like I said, that that to me replaced wrestling during during a lot of the stuff that we were going through, just because that's the first time I've seen cool angles with heels and baby faces and with a lot of turns and swerves that you don't expect like to me that filled the wrestling gap so it's, it's appropriate that she would be there because yeah cobra kai is uh probably the best netflix show i've ever seen honestly and there's a lot of great stuff on netflix don't get me wrong i love black mirror i love love death and robots i mean you know netflix in general is good but cobra kai is that fucking good man yeah yeah, Netflix is banging right now. I actually—it's kind of funny you mentioned Netflix. I started playing. Uh, I, I, I love how I use this phrase. Literally started playing season one of Minecraft Story Mode on Netflix. Oh yeah, that's right. They did have the contract. That was one of the last Telltale yeah. games, which we used to do Telltale games on here. That's another thing we're going to be bringing back the uh, the Life is Strange uh, series when the new one comes out. We're going to be doing those. And uh, Seb and I have quite a few things planned as far as content goes. And of course, we got the Fantasy Star, which is our. Uh, our main thing that's free to everyone on pc and xbox don't forget to join the communities there we're in ship one if you decide to join a server and you can come to me that's something if you join fantasy star you can come and interact with me directly for direct help i can help you do everything in that shit but yeah life is strange we have a big community anyone who's been with us for a long time you remember sunday nights every sunday night used to be a different either telltale game or or, or the don't nod games the life is strange games the tell me why games the way that it worked was the chat room would vote on the choices. Everybody would type the A, B, C, whatever the, the dialogue choices were. Popular choice would win, and uh, we would go through every episode of everything. We're going to be bringing that back. We're probably going to go through some of the old ones again and do do-overs uh, once we got the right crew on here. But we're going to go back to bringing back the Life is Strange series and doing We did all of them. So if you go back and watch through our old content, you'll see every Life is Strange, the Before the Storm, the... Uh, what was it? The Captain, uh, Captain, Captain uh, Adventures of Captain Spirit, which yeah. basically wound up being a piece of a uh, Life is Strange too. 
Right. It was a small piece. Like, a lot, like a little it's, bit. it's basically a piece that you don't see happen while everything else is going on. It was a piece that uh that fit differently than I thought. I'll just say that much. When we actually see that oh, yeah. scene happen and play out, it was yeah, like, oh, okay. I was, I was half disappointed, to be honest. Even though I see what they did, they sort of shamalan us there because I was waiting to see what this kid was going to do. And when we saw it, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, still to this day, I think my first, my favorite of all the things we did was uh when we finished the first Life is Strange because we got heat for our choice, remember? Who was it? It they was, got. They gave us heat for that, that life of strange choice. Friend that got so tight that basically for anybody who hasn't watched it, we picked to um basically save the town and sacrifice Chloe, and we got so much heat for that. Chloe just didn't strike me as the type of character that would have departed from there and just let that whole town go to hell and just drive off with her yeah. gal pal and then everything's destroyed yeah, and blowing like up in the background. Said, like Chloe wanted us to make that choice. So it was like, the, the, like the whole theme of the two of them was about choice and consequence and the misuse of their powers. And then at the end of the day, this big thing's going to come and literally everything's going to blow up. It just felt like, wow. Like, can you imagine? Like, what a weird ending to get mad about us making where the two of them just drive yeah. off and everything's fucked up and everyone's dead behind them. But at least they get to Thelma and Louise it. Especially because if anybody who played the first Life is Strange, you know the universe was trying to take Chloe out all game long. We had to save that bitch I don't know how many times. Someone left the chat room, George, when we were streaming this for that part and came back like after the choice was made and was like, what did you guys do? What have you done? Like they lost it. It's funny you remember that shit too. That's the the it was like, look, I like the characters, funny. but that's why I made that choice. I don't think that she would have done that. Yeah, because it's so funny because like games that I like that I recently finished uh, Until Dawn. Games like that, yeah, they are fucking great. And yeah, that used to be Sunday every night. I think the only one I kind of regret though is Tell Me Why because that one was like that one was underwhelming tell, on like quite a story. Tell Me Why sucks. It Tell Me Why sucks so much that the last stream we did of it was longer than it needed to be. And if you listen to me in the stream, I wasn't even complaining. I was like, oh, that was a shitty ending too. There has to be an ending between both their endings. That's the real ending that we got to go back and get. And there wasn't. That's what really disappointed me. I yeah. was explaining, tell me why. I was like, oh, guys, we're going to get shitty ending A. And then when I was like, oh, look, the other ending also turned out to be shitty. So there must be a third. Nope. It's just that the writing <laughs> it was horror. It was like a horrible game. <laughs> you had hope again. See what it keeps getting you. <laughs> yeah, I got to start counting people out, right? Right. You really got to start counting people out more, dude. I swear to God, I do it all the time. It works fucking wonders. Nothing shocks you anymore. I like that shot of them. That's them counting people out. That's them counting WWE out. Yo, that might be the screenshot. <laughs> right Maybe. There. We got a few candidates already. Trust me, it's a busy night. Oh, I looked, at the, I looked at the program and I was like, man, there's a lot of different things that could be the screenshot of a lot of different things. <laughs> this is going to be all these this is a, are always fun. And when it comes to the wrestling world, this has become a choice of who do you want heat with. You should write that one down too because no matter what you say, about what you say, someone's gonna be angry. People were furious. Just just because. What I find funny without spoiling the main storyline, the headline that I'm sure you guys know that we're gonna be talking about, the big news of the of the big acquisitions, is I can't understand the hatred from the people on the other side. The people that have grown up watching the other product their entire life like myself. I get you, but I can't understand that level of hatred. That's like that's the equivocal of like if Destin came on here and he announced that Patrick Hewing is going to stay with him next weekend. And I was like, well, fuck Destin and fuck Patrick Hewing, too. 
Did he fucking Patrick Ewing turned his back? He's he's from the Knicks. He's a New Yorker. What the fuck's he doing in Georgia with Destin? He should have been here with me. That's it. I lost all respect for Patrick Ewing and Destin for that matter. Destin for letting Patrick Ewing stay at his house and Patrick fucking Ewing for being in Georgia instead of staying with me in New York. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what oh, is oh. the anger? I've never seen WWE fans so fucking angry. Spoiler alert, you know they're the ones that get angry in this story. But I've never you know seen them so angry. angry that somebody else is going somewhere. They're so pissed. You want to know why they're really angry? Because now when they chant that certain name, it means nothing. Without spoiling too much, because we're going to move on before we go into that white hot story. I wish that we could link the name of the episode. Yes, now, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Remember what it means. All you angry people, when you start yesing at Roman. (laughs) I was thinking about that today when I was watching the yesing on SmackDown. I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know what's so funny? It's like I remember there was always those fans where every Royal Rumble, one of these two guys was always the fucking the fucking prediction. And it was always wrong. And nobody ever believed it was gonna happen except for those little that little pocket of marks that show up to every show. And it's like, see, you were all wrong. You're stupid. I I saw all that kind of heat and rage and I was dying. Yeah, I saw it and they didn't know what happened, so it was even funnier for me. I was like, Jesus, what happened? Like the it first was so thing, funny. Full disclosure, you, I remember you messaged me, what was it, a couple of days ago about it was, that? I think it was last night. And it was so crazy. It was last night. And it was so funny because in my head, I was thinking of everything but that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that shit was nuts. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, I can't wait. I, I've, been, I've never been so excited for a big story on a Monday in I don't know how long. And we never got cooler to say, holy shit, because I never unbanned them. <laughs> I just decided to leave it that way. I was just like, bah. I mean, you, you know what? Let's be real. It works better for all of us. Better than banned, you know? I look at my phone like, should I? Nah. Yeah. Nah, I've, it's, it's way more peaceful. Oh there's, God, there's, there's, right after I ask for interaction, I will clarify and say that there is such a thing as too much interaction. Spoiling stuff in the chat room. Too much interaction. DMing Rick. Spoiler shit. Too much interaction. Hitting me up about stuff like I don't fucking watch the product. Too much interaction. But uh, yeah, without getting into the big story, though, one thing that I have to give credit to AEW for is they do have a lot of crossover power. And I do think Cobra Kai is just one of many instances that we've seen with them of just uh, things being cool, you know, where it's just like I like that they are open to doing business with anyone. I love how George is so happy about it. But yeah, like it's as much as we might criticize what they do when it comes to their dates or their shows and everything, the one thing you can't ever say about AEW is that they're not out to try to help the entire freaking business. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter where you are, what you do, like, how small your, your Fed is, how big it is. If there's a way for them to reach out and contribute to either get you exposure or get them some kind of exposure, they're all down for it. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the more I watch it, the more it is becoming kind of obvious that they didn't want to waste a lot of their stuff during the pandemic. I'm not saying it's up to you guys whether you agree or disagree with that strategy. But it's too much of a coincidence to me about how bad everything was and then how good everything's getting in such a short period of time. It really just feels like someone who was trying not to waste it. And like, we just got to tough it out through this. And then the end is going to be great. And to be honest, I'd probably be in the same situation as they were because I didn't agree with the WWE. I respect WWE for going forward and doing their own thing. 
But at the same time, what really stood with me about all of that, aside from having more content, were those moments where you had your Drew McIntyre standing in the middle of the ring with nobody there and his and his freaking Scottish shit playing in the background. You know, like those were like those moments instead of being WrestleMania moments, those were pandemic moments. It, it just those moments reminded me how shitty things were when you see that guy standing there with the title and nobody around to pop. You know, so it's almost like maybe they were right in AEW sense. Maybe maybe they Braun championship won. Maybe they were right. The same thing with Braun when he beat Goldberg. It was just to nothing. You know what I mean? You don't even remember remember it because it it happened happened during Exactly. So what I'm saying is that as much as we criticize these guys, a company that literally had under a year to fucking grow, develop, bring talent from overseas and hone their own talent and recruit talent. When you really look at it there's a chance that they were saving that. And you got to ask yourself, if they would have went in the other direction, would you have liked that? Would you have liked for Hangman Page to have his celebration in the ring that's empty in the Daily's place when he finally becomes the champion? Like, would you have been cool with Adam Page, his music and shit playing older man? Nobody's there. There's like a few people in the front. Even fucking Marco Stunt and uh, Marco Stunt and fucking uh, who else does they have out there? Everybody put in the front there. And, and, and Cliff Compton. In the front celebrating like fans? Is that what you would want to fat for for Hangman Page? You know what I mean? Cliff Compton, holy shit. Just speaking the contrary, they probably were just saying, let's do a bunch of filler. I said that last week. They're like, look, let's not do any of our big dramatic shit now. Because it would be awful if Hangman Page beats Kenny Omega in front of no one. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, maybe that's what happened. Yeah, and the difference is, when they said save big stuff, it wasn't stuff that just they thought was cool. It was stuff that people are actually going to think is cool. Yes, I'm talking to you, Bill. And if you want proof, then how come things got so much better? It's not like they had everything that they didn't have it before. If they were just shitty, then by default, they would still be shitty. Like right now, it would be like, oh God, another shitty AEW where everything sucks. You know? But it's not. It suddenly turned around. I hate to say it, but I can't say the same about WWE. Has WWE gotten better? 100%. But the parts that are shitty are still shitty for the same reasons. It's not like with AEW where it's like AEW has gotten better out of the pandemic, but they still need a little work here, here, and here. The girls' division still needs little work. Oh, they could have done that better or they could have changed this. Where you directly can see what the problem is. With WWE, it's more like, yeah, they got a little, they got a lot better. But what the fuck are they doing? Why is that that way? I don't understand what the purpose of this was. Why is this that way? What was the finish of that for? How come that's the match? Did they just, you know what I mean? It's a completely different vibe. Where one of them you you're, see the problems stuff and you don't know why it's happening. Yeah. One of them you see the problems and you go, Oh, well, you know, that girl's still green and she got or whatever. Oh, I see why that happened, or they needed to try or oh, the explosion didn't work. At least we know why the fucking explosion didn't work, which by the way, he didn't pay those guys. Right. You know? Yeah, but then on the other hand But then on the other hand, when you look at Raw, there's shit that happens on Raw that I don't have a fucking clue what they were thinking. Well, Where it was like, did somebody go to take a shit and let the computer take over? Because is this the game? Because here's something I think about, and I wish I would have mentioned this last week. Do we realize that Charlotte Flair lost her championship to a cross body? You know what it reminds me of? Sorry, I'm eating a sugar-free freaking peanut butter you know cup. The funny thing is the fact that I heard you chew in the background, I, my first thought was, oh, this is going to be good. Oh, my God. George, I asked the same thing last week, and I still haven't gotten an answer yet. This reminds me of when you're playing one of the WWE games. Have you ever done this, anyone who's done universe mode? I'll just give you an example. Like, let's just say, like, you look at the calendar. Because in Universe Mode, for anyone who doesn't know, you can either play in the matches that are booked and just select you and your friends to be whoever is in the match. Or you could go in and change up the card if you don't like it. But it's a fully 
simulated thing with pay-per-views and everything. You ever like get to like November and you like look at the calendar and you're like, oh shit, like something like Survivor Series is like the 18th and you're like, fuck, I got to play through all these Raws and Smackdowns. But instead, we've all done it. You just go, you just highlight the 18 and you press A, which for anyone doesn't know, it'll simulate the other days. It'll just one through 17. It'll fuck it. Now the AI is going to do what they're going to do. It's auto booking for you. You just want to do the pay-per-view. You have a friend over. You guys just want to play the pay-per-view match. By the time you get to the fucking pay-per-view, like Rock and Devon Dudley are tag team champions. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're like, oh, shit. I really wish. That's sometimes how I feel. (laughs) Fucking Cynthia Comtois, the number one contender. Yeah, like it's just all messed up. You know what I mean? Like. Brie Bella turned heel on Nikki and formed a stable with Natalia and fucking Naomi. And you're like, what? <laughs> what, what the fuck happened? You know, and in the old one, you would just pull the plug out, you know, so that it doesn't save. And the new one, that shit saves when you, <laughs> you in the old one, you would just well, yank the, you, the button that bitch saves. The old one, you would do like, you know, when baseball, when they when they go into like, you would slide for the surge protector. Oh, don't even care what happens to the system. And the new one, that shit saves in real time. Every time, you know, these new systems, every time you hit a screen, there's a spinning circle saving. So you're fucked. That's what it feels like when I'm watching WWE sometimes. Like, they, somebody just hit that booking button, and then they couldn't take it back. It just went. And you're like, shit. I just but thought this would have had... Is you can't just delete the tag team or kill the storyline here. I had everything so organized that I just thought that the next couple of weeks would have had some semblance of organization, and it didn't. You know? Then you got to take the lazy choice, which is you can literally go into the menu and literally edit the person and just equip the title on the person that you want and fix them back. Or... If you want to challenge yourself, how do you book your way out of it? You got to break up the Rock and Devon. You got to make Bree and Nikki get back together and turn on Natalia and Naomi. You see what I mean? Those are the fucking situations they put themselves in, and they're in charge. So it blows my mind when they do it. It's like, how the fuck? Just like somebody with Universe, they don't do the stuff that's going to mean anything to the crowd. They do the stuff that's going to look cool to them. Somebody out there is like, you know what? Rock and Devon make a good tag team. They, and you know what the they don't even bother to book it. They just slap the titles on them. Yeah, it's dumb. It's just really dumb, you know? I've always said, the thing I've always given AEW credit for is as good or as bad as stuff might turn out, at least there's some kind of an effort put forth to get to the start to the finish. Yeah, sometimes WWE, you just gotta... as I've said before, they don't think past the pop. They thought as far as, man, it's gonna be cool when Goldberg, Goldberg comes out with his pyro. Nobody thinks, wait a minute, he's gonna compete for a world title again? Yeah, no, they, and they don't let things happen organically. Sometimes you could just take an organic situation and you can make it something that you do. Like, just to give you an example, um, just going back to the game a little bit, I remember way back when I was really high on beer money, like I made beer money in there. This is back when there was no way that they would be in anything but TNA, and I made beer money. And then wouldn't you know it, fucking Bobby Roode turned on James Storm. Like, that didn't happen in the actual TNA, and it seemed unthinkable that Bobby Roode turned on James Storm. But I went with it. I was like, you know, as, as, as stupid as it seems, I'm going to go with it. And all kinds of shit happened. James Storm kept, fu- got, like, Bobby Roode kept fucking with my James Storm. I decided to take the role. I decided for the rest of the of the month to take the role of James Storm. Just to be, like, directly involved in the angle. And, like, literally, the thing wrote itself, man. They, they, had, they wound up having a match where they were still enemies, but they were in the tag team against, like, heels. And then it culminated with them and the other tag team that they were feuding against, and then the other, the other number one contender and top guy, all on fucking ladders. And then the last two up there was me as James Storm and Bobby Roode fighting for the fucking money in the bank. You know? It was like, dude, you can't write And I was thinking, I remember so excited. I was just like, wow, this is beautiful. This is, like, artistic, you know? This is like a fucking story for the legends. 
And then lo and behold, one day on on fucking TNA, Bobby Roode pulled out a beer bottle, and Rick said, "What the fuck?" Yeah, the only thing I don't feel like James Storm got his heat back. I feel like my James Storm actually did. Like he eventually beats Bobby Roode, yeah. becomes the top guy. I feel like the James Storm that we got never really did that. It felt more like Bobby Roode fucked him over, and that was it. <laughs> you I'm know, still made out clean. Bobby Roode then just went on to be a champ like for too long, and James Storm just just I'm fucked off. Champion for it, nine months. So it ended like the opposite of mine because mine ended with Bobby Roode becoming a good heel that eventually loses because of what he does. And then we get a really big baby face that goes on for a while. And there's it was just a, a heel and then fuck James Storm. And that was the, the story never went to them going on top of a ladder for like a final battle or anything. You know, more people should play the games before they go to work for the company is the moral of the story here. Yeah. Truth be told, sometimes you'll see more effort put through the game. Yeah. I think I remember once when we used to have the you know, old school bunch of remember this when we were still on Mixer and we used to have uh, the game running in the background. This was not too long after Rusev Day formed. We're sitting there watching the stream and fucking Aiden English is in the match and fucking Rusev runs in. It was like, wait a minute. What? We were like, what is going on? That is too much. So, the Olympics. Is there anything that you're excited about with the Olympics? I mean, they already lit the torch, so my excitement's over. You know, I never watched them light the torch. I think I've seen it, God, maybe a few times. Didn't they light the torch with an arrow once? I think they did. I can't remember. Like when, they had but somebody like an like an archer shoot an arrow and it lit the torch. Or is this in my imagination? I feel like it's not because I feel like I remember that too. I watch so much I stuff guess. and read so much shit. I don't know if I'm thinking fantasy or if I'm thinking something that happened in the Olympics. I feel like they shot the torch up once. Now, you know this wrong one. I feel like somebody did that. If they didn't, they should. Right, that'd be fucking great. You kidding me? Remember in Game of Thrones, they had like a. They had a funeral. If you guys don't know, just quick, quick uh, segue here. But they had a funeral, and the people in the Riverlands—the way they give them funerals—I know these they, segues are quick. You know that. No. <laughs> so the way they give them funerals is they send their bodies in the coffin, uh, down the river, off the waterfall. And uh, as the bodies traveling down the river, one of the people, one of the relatives, they basically have a flaming arrow and they shoot the casket. And uh, so it's going down the river. Arrow hits it. It's flaming, and then it's gone. You get the general picture. There was one one character, Edmir, who like, <laughs> as the casket of basically his father is going down the thing, he shoots the first arrow, misses, thunk. And like I the rest of the characters. I watched that the other day. And the rest of the characters are just giving this awkward look. Like, motherfucker, don't you miss? Funk, and he missed again. <laughs> I still lose it when I watch that scene. And then I think the blackfish, his uh, his uncle, he grabs the boat, give me that. And he, and he shoots and he gets it and they all relieve like, oh. I just thought it was just such a family guy-esque moment though that that shit happened. I was just thinking, <laughs> like the fucking thing. He almost, imagine in the Olympics if you missed a torch, you know, like that'd be the almost awkward thing. Or has anyone ever dropped the torch? Anyone ever look on YouTube and see if they dropped the torch? Like, oh shit, and then somebody has to relight it, like with a light, like wouldn't that be some shit? Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? They get one of them long-ass fucking old down-south barbecue liars. The fucking... The one that never goes on the first click. Someone should Google Olympic Torch Botch. I wish I would have thought of this before I came on here. Give me a minute. Because I, I, like, I feel like this has happened. I feel it had to have. I saw someone asking the other day if in the Olympics, during the Olympic wrestling, if they use the wrestlers from WWE. <laughs> Like that's real. That's not a joke. Like that's somebody. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say name, but they were talking and they were like, "Hey, um, does anyone know if the, do they use the W? I think I don't know anything about it, but do they use the WWE wrestlers in uh, in, in the Olympics?" Uh, wait a minute, stall. Give me a minute. I might have found one. 
an Olympic botch? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm about to look now. Speaking of botches, did you notice that uh, Cedric Alexander's new logo looks like he's ice skating? It looks like somebody that's landing after yeah. a fucking triple axel. They gave him that one back, apparently, yeah. Why, though? He's not ice skating. Like, literally, you know the way you land at the end of a triple axel? You got the one leg on the ground and the one leg fully extended out with the arms like an airplane? That's his fucking logo. That doesn't look like anything that he does. I saw it today, and it distracted me the whole time. It was like, what's his dream, to be an ice skater? Unbelievable. Did you actually find an Olympic botch? That's not where this story was going with the Olympics, but I, but I have oh, no God. problem. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm look through this one now to see if it is, because I think it might be. Dun, 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 dun. And it just drops on the floor. <laughs> oh, someone fell. Someone Sweet took a bump at the... Christmas it is. It is? You got a botch? Yeah, let me see if I can find the exact spot where it happens. I just got to get the times there. Oh, oh, God. Oh, I just saw the. I saw one of your messages here. Just now, not that one, but got the other one. That, that, that's if we get to that. But yeah, I just shot it to you. Yeah, you gave me the other part of that. I'm gonna grab this first. They're like these bastards are doing production during the uh, during the thing. And yeah, do you don't understand the concept that we do it live? All right. I don't care anymore, man. I I I, I put take, out okay. way too much free content for people to talk shit at this point. I don't care. Exactly. And I mean, hey, you know, honestly, that's kind of a credit that you can pull some of this stuff off on the live show. The only thing that was stopping me before was technological limitations, really. You know, point, like we had... the way you broke that shit down to me, it's like fucking ultra instinct. Yeah, no, nah, we're going to turn the fucking PC on. All you hear is ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> fucking loading up pages. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> What's the timestamp of this? I swear to fucking God. This is a family show, damn it. What's the timestamp of this? Uh, about one minute, 15 seconds. All right, give me a sec here. Do I want to know why it seems like it starts with a cartoon? I don't know why it does that. I'm going to preview it here real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I saw the title and I was like, yep, I got it. <laughs> it's so unrelated with wrestling, yet it's so much fun that we have it here. <laughs> I feel like some of the best stuff we do something related. Henry, I'm too fast oh, forwarding my. to it. Okay, this is going to be awkward real quick. Where, where's the fucking wasted meme when we need it? Oh, you gave me an idea. Maybe we could pull it off. <laughs> do I have a wasted meme, though? Did I ever have one? I feel like, oh, oh. Damn, I, if you... Oh, I feel like you might. You would think after all these years we would, but no, I don't see one. Not the bad part, because there's so many buttons we say we're going to get and never fucking get them. Because it's funny in that moment. <laughs> nope, that's another that's one on the list that we need to make. New Japan. Holy shit. But yeah, let's enlarge this since the... Wow, is the quality really that bad? What was this, the Olympics yeah, this, from the this 70s? Like older Olympics. Sheffield. Her parents are here. Perhaps the proudest oh, of all in this 25,000 crowd and a moment. <laughs> you know what I love so much? I love that it did, it fell and like it broke apart. That should be the screenshot. <laughs> that might be one station that might fucking be. Oh, an awful moment because the flame has gone out. Helen Sharman 
took a nudge there. And she now runs around the track. <laughs> the flame extinguished in the torch, but she was encouraged to continue her run. Her mind will be racing. Well, she must have gone through some nerve-wracking moments in space. And there indeed were a few nerve-wracking seconds for the girl from Sheffield. Is she running with a flameless torch? Yes. Well, in any this ceremony, is fucking there are bound grand. unscripted moments. Yeah, this is very unscripted. The most <laughs> unwanted moment. Yeah, this is quite unwanted. Someone should put an ice cream in that shit while she's running. <laughs> <laughs> and the question now is, how is she going to light the flame? I love that the question now is, how is she going to light the flame? Shouldn't there be more that than one person scrambling for this? What is she, yeah. fucking Link? That you said you one person sets out to fix the this? The flame has gone out in that manner. Where's she going? The crowd is she leaving? Maybe she's going home. She's embarrassed. Look at her. She's running down the fucking road. This is gold, man. Under the Where the fuck is she going? Towards the huge bowl. Really? Well, Did they tell her to do this? That was. Somebody sent her in that direction. A moment she just kept nobody going. in Sheffield would have wanted. No, what I wanted. I'm, I'm completely. But wait a minute. But, but. It will. How does it light with no flame? It roars into action. This is a gimmick. That's a worked fucking torch. <laughs> Even the Olympics are our work. I, hold on, let's go back a little bit here. Fuck that. I was running. Now we have to hold on. What kind of sorcerer? What is she? She's a force, like on Fantasy Star. It will get out of here with that. There was no flame, and he's gonna pop like if they did something. You liars, and everybody applauds that shit. Same people that call wrestling fake. Now we have to wait. I can't believe she ran all that way. They didn't even try to fucking. Fix the torch. I love how far she had to run. I thought she was going. I thought she left. I thought she decided to just vacate. She's like, "Fuck this! I'm leaving." So she's the motherfucker who tries to finish the COD mission with no ammo. See, like I'm not melee my way into this shit. Fuck you guys. Look at that! It's a Harry Potter torch. It rolls. She Wingardia Liviosa that shit, right? She was like Wingardia Liviosa. Bring it on, man, <laughs> I didn't watch anything past her dropping the torch, so that was just. <laughs> I yeah, just killed. So <laughs> yeah, they 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 hit her. I don't know how far she would have ran. We need a wear live pal drop after that shit because that's what they hit her with. They hit her with the wear live pal. <laughs> they nobody nobody did shit to help her. They were all they were all very hopeful. That's all that it was. Oh, it was real. You drive <laughs> the Olympic torch. What the fuck is anybody going to do at that point? They were all very you hopeful. That's that's all that they were going to do. They were practically earth, earthlings in the Z world. You know, they don't. They all had their hands up for her for energy for her, but that was about it. <laughs> oh <God>. oh. <laughs> they were <all> really. <laughs> that's awesome. That was great. What caused the bump, though? I don't. I hate to stay with this so long, but I what caused say, that bump? It looked like somebody. I don't know. The, she should kick that person's ass. Let, like let's that. go back a little bit here. Here, perhaps the is the Did somebody bump her there? Looks so to it me looks like, like yeah, it looks like the guy. The one that looks obnoxiously hanging over the ledge. The it, guy yeah, looks. It looks like he hit. I guess tapped her hand or something, and it tilted the torch. 
Yeah, he's lucky this is old. If this would have been WWE security or AEW security, they would have tied him in a fucking knot. Look <laughs> at Jericho when he walked over and just. She would have been running in one direction and he would have been being dragged in the other. He's so lucky. Like, if that shit would have happened in wrestling, he wouldn't have even known why they were kicking his ass. Until <laughs> he saw the flames on the ground. Oh. And this 25 Look at that, he crowd. dipped his head back in, that little bass. She looked back at him, too. An awful moment, because the flame has gone out. Helen Sharman took a nudge there, and she now runs... I love how the music is. Why is, why is the music... Why the fuck is the music Superman? <laughs> they thought it was going to be a super moment, and it was not. Like, at that moment, it hits the peak of the superman music isn't that the worst time we listen to this shit it's worse than the to be continued listen to crowd and a moment an awful moment because the flame has gone out helen charman took a nudge there (laughs) with a fucking flameless torch (laughs) they really couldn't relight it you're right george they really couldn't relight it yo so I sent Willie the screenshot of this, but apparently the the theme for the for Canada, um, and I didn't realize this. The only reason I realized is because I was on Facebook. But the theme for Canada's Olympics this year was the Fantasy Star and Lion Two music, because there were people yeah, on the, <laughs> there were people on Facebook on the Fantasy Star group I'm a part of, and they were like, "Have I been playing too much Fantasy Star because I was watching the Olympics and I heard <laughs> Fantasy Star?" <laughs> <laughs> I think I did send you the screenshot of them talking about it. They were like, I think I've been playing too much Fantasy Star. I turned on the Olympics and I heard Fantasy Star there too. And I looked into it and I was like, oh shit, they really put they put the Fantasy Star music as their thing. <laughs> so I guess Superman is okay. I guess you can use whatever you want, huh? Is that how it works? George. I didn't even know that you do that. I mean, we're hearing Superman, so I guess that proves you could do if, 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 not Superman. Why not Fantasy Star? And it's not like Olympic people would know, so it just seems like it's like really nice music because Fantasy Star does have nice music. Oh my god! It completely would go over their heads too. That's a good idea. Maybe we could start opening to anime music, right? Can you imagine that? You have like Russians coming to the fucking thing. You hear? Get out of my fucking head! Somebody. Somebody dropped the torch. Somebody dropped the torch. And you hear the fucking song from the end of Evangelion. <laughs> All you hear is, tumbling down, tumbling down, Yeah, this is so funny, man. Please they should use Brett's song. Can you imagine that? George said he used DBZ powers to light the flame. No, man. Avatar The Last Airbenders. Firebenders. Oh. Okay. So anyway. We didn't even get to this, what this, the reason why we segued into the Olympics, because there was just too much fun happening. Apparently, Dwayne Johnson was who opened the Olympics. He appeared in a promotional video introducing the United States Olympic team. Ooh, and, uh, I heard about this, but I have not watched the video yet. I kind of feel like if you're going to get somebody to introduce something, you can't beat The Rock or LL Cool J. You know? You really can't. Like, what was it? I think it was a... I can't remember which... Super Bowl it was. It might have been the last one, the one before. He had the fucking the rock had the rock introduced one of the teams. Yeah. And uh yep, this is a case of that. So let's check it out.
right now, some of the very best athletes in all of America are gathered underneath the stadium where the show you've been watching has been taking place. But in a matter of moments, everything changes. The longest wait of their lives is over. And the culmination of their blood, sweat, and tears finally arrives. This is the moment that we all have been waiting for. It's not easy to bring the entire planet together. And it certainly wasn't easy tonight. But here we are. Finally. It's finally here. The Olympics are finally here. Yeah, I'm hyped up. Can't wait to show the world what I got. Tonight, we are all so lucky to witness the hardest workers in the room. The athletes who are a brilliant tapestry of talent, commitment, and drive. And now, what was once considered unthinkable just one year ago has become a glorious reality. We come together united to celebrate the Olympians who exemplify the very best in all of us. Legs are shaking, hands are aching. It's Simone's party and everyone else is just a guest. She's absolutely the greatest gymnast the world has ever seen. But even if there's nothing left to prove, there's a chance to launch herself even higher into the rarest air of immortality. The most dominant swimmer in the world. It's just ridiculous. She swims like a machine created to wreak havoc and decimate with impunity. Candy Ledecky smashes her own world record. But in reality, she's about the nicest person you'll ever meet. And kindness matters. Always. He makes running as fast as you can look the way it's supposed to look. Damn fun. On dry land, he's impressive. In the water, he is simply lethal. Gold medal winner, world record holder, and makes dominating in small trunks look cool as hell. I know. They're kids from Minneapolis, Kenny Harrison, Raleigh, and Honolulu. They're working moms with unfinished business. This is what makes all the sacrifice worth it. They're barrier breakers who've proven the power of their platform. I can't begin to tell you what this means for the sport of swimming in the United States. And they're teams that have dominated for generations with no intention of changing the script for this one. Get the gold medals ready again. These awe-inspiring, multi-talented athletes are taking on the world. They really are the best of us. They're bringing us together. That's a near world record! And they're about to give you, at long last, the greatest two-week spectacle the world has ever seen. It is their games. It is our games. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so grateful to have the honor of presenting to you, Team USA. Now that's dramatic. Oh shit! I'm about to watch the Olympics. I love that they took wrestling out of the Olympics, you know, and then had The Rock introduce it. <laughs> they took it out and put it back in, all in the same shot. You know, like there is no Olymp- there is no wrestling in there. But hey, let's use The Rock. But yeah, that was cool, right? 
Yeah, the Rock really is cool. amazing. Every time he does stuff like that, it always comes out amazing. You know, a lot of you guys may not realize this, but The Rock is a really good promo guy. One of the best. You know, <laughs> if not the best. <laughs> it took him far in life. That's when you know you're a good promo guy. When people go, hey, I think you could be champion. And then they go, hey, I think you could be a movie star. And they go, hey, I think you could be president. Just like, you know, the funny thing was, we joke, like, he won't probably really do that shit one day. Yeah, right. Like, one of these days, we will be talking about President Rock. Oh, yeah, for sure. Be careful. So much to the point we're fucking back in 2K20 in the the fucking my career mode, The Rock is president. That's the reason I find it funny when I've been hearing lately, like, about, like, issues. Have you heard about the issues? Oh, God. Which one's now? Um, Basically, Vin Diesel's issues with The Rock. Apparently, there were issues on the set. I think we've heard about this a few times over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I remember hearing about these. Yeah, which is kind of weird, you know, because uh, point being, let's see what we got here. So there was an interview that was done with The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, apparently what happened was at one point in a previous interview, Vin Diesel talked about The Rock's character. Um, who was The Rock again in this thing? Hobbs? Yeah, he was Hobbs. Okay. Talks about the character and Vin Diesel's words were... It was a tough character to embody, the Hobbs character. My approach at the time was a lot of top, a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be. So, to start, what are your thoughts on that comment? Uh, is that just Oops, a, yeah, wrong I, thing there. Say what was that? No, hit, hit the wrong thing there. But go ahead. Oh yeah, it's just when I first heard about the first about them having issues, it threw me off for a second because I'm like, first of all, how do you have issues with the Rock? But I mean. I don't know if maybe this is just me that's always kind of got this vibe with Vin Diesel. It seems like he can have issues with you for a weird reason. He's great. Stri- like, have you ever looked at him like you're kind of striking as that kind of person where it's like, I feel like if you ever got pissed off at me, it wouldn't be like a common reason. It'd be some weird shit. George said the rock is not family. That's why. <sighs> George, get out of my head because I was thinking about it and I was like, no, don't do it. Yeah, it's kind of strange, I guess you could say. His head is more skinny. That's all. That's, that's what you get out of that's what she took out of this whole thing <laughs> that sheen heat, man. That sheen oh shiny I read it wrong but even if oh so that makes it better that's my that's, that's <laughs> j- journalism at its best I thought she had like feedback what I meant was in the comment of Vin Diesel saying that the Hobbs character was a tough character to embody and that his approach was a lot of tough love getting that performance where it needed to be a Hobbs character almost doesn't really seem like a hard thing for him to get, but... But he's not the Hobbs character. The Rock is. Right. Isn't it kind of pretentious for Vin Diesel to be like, it was a tough character to embody? My approach was tough love and getting that performance where it needed to be? But The Rock plays the character. So he's basically taking credit for the performance. Like, in other words, The Rock, he had to get The Rock where he needed to be. You know what I mean? Like, think about the wording here. They asked Vin Diesel about The Rock. Yeah, that's just like, just want to read this one more time. I can't touch that trunk. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough character to embody, the Hobbs character. My approach at the time was a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be. What? There's so there, That's one of those comments. This is what I talk about. That's what I mean when I say that weird shit. That's one of those comments where it's like, I come out of that with way more fucking questions than any kind of answer. So here, so The Rock spoke to Hollywood Reporter and he was asked about Vin Diesel's comment. And The Rock is quoted in this article saying, 
I laughed and I laughed hard. I think everyone had a laugh at that. And I'll leave it at that. And, and that I've wished them well. I wished them well on Fast 9. And I wish them the best of luck on Fast 10 and on Fast 11. And the rest of the Fast and Furious movies they do, that they do will be without me. Just thank God he was there. Thank God he carried you through that. Um, his co-star of his current movie. I forget her name. I can't pronounce that name. Felinska or whatever. Felinsk. So they sarcastically responded. But yeah, he basically said, oh, yeah, that's what Vin Diesel said. Ha, huh, that's hilarious. Well, good luck on Fast 9, 10, and 11. Because I won't be in them. I'm going hit him. Okay, bye. Yeah. You know, he hit like to me, that was some real classy. Fuck you right there. Because he said, good luck in the next three movies, which apparently there are there are two more movies that are coming out. Like that's like the, apparently the franchise has two more movies to conclude. I thought that this ended already. I guess it didn't. But uh, yeah, I feel like any other franchise would have ended like six movies ago. He might have burnt the bridge there when The Rock said, "Good luck in nine, ten, and 11. I've been like, "All right, you want to play this game? Let's fucking play this game. We'll see who does it next." He's a huge star, man. Even if like even Vin Diesel should be careful about saying shit like that. You know what I mean? Like he is we, we always heard rumors. We always heard rumors that there was some issues with them. But when you hear shit like that, you know what I mean? Without a shadow of a doubt, we know now. Yeah, it's just. That's just weird to take, like, to just basically take credit for somebody else's movie role. Like, like if they were in that role, they embodied the character, not you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've heard there's issues with him. We've heard he could be weird. Yeah. Anyway, hope they didn't lose the rock over that shit. But at least right. have John Cena. That's be who, a huge hit to that movie series. Well, at least have John Cena, who, according to Vin Diesel, Paul, he feels Paul Walker sent them John Cena. That's some deep shit to say. Oh. Dang. There's a lot of Furious in this. Do they still do fast stuff? <laughs> I don't watch it. So I'm just wondering. I know that I can definitely c- confirm that there's Furious. There's Fury here. You know? I mean, fuck. The Vin Diesel, he is a Furian, right? Get it? Oh, the Fast and the Furian. That could be the crossover from Pitch Black. If anybody doesn't know the race of the character Vin Diesel was in Pitch Black, he's an alien race called Furians. I can't you find, you spun that like that. That was you find, you find out in the second movie, Chronicles of Riddick, that Riddick is actually not human. He is a Furion, which is a badass race. I really love those movies. But that being said, um, yeah, the Fast and the Furion. How haven't we had this crossover before? <laughs> I mean, hell, the fucking last one I saw, I watched Vin Diesel jump from one skyscraper to another in a fucking car. There's no limit anymore, people. The, Dom might be more badass than Riddick. Fucking like, yeah. Yeah. And that says a lot because, because Riddick. human and does the crazy shit he does. And that, and that says a lot because Riddick has done shit so over the top that, that there's games with him. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was wondering when you were going to mention the game. Yeah, man. Riddick killed somebody with a teacup. Remember that shit? Do I remember that shit? He killed him with a fucking teacup. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't forget that shit. He, he telegraphed it first, too. The guy came in talking shit in that prison they were in, and he went, I'll kill you with my teacup. And then he, <laughs> and then he fucking did, like a second later. It was like, oh! That looked worse than I... Oh, that sucks. It was a little teacup, too. You wouldn't have thought... But, hey, now I'm cautious around everyone. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. This show's fun today, I gotta say. Anyway. It'll be a fun one. Moving along, moving along. We're going to jump into a little bit of Raw ahead of time. You might be wondering why, and that's because there was a wardrobe malfunction during Raw. I kid you not... But Eva Marie, it happened again. Eva Marie's top came up. 
it wasn't like the old gimmick. Remember they had she had a gimmick before she left where just before she was about to wrestle, like her bra exploded off of her and she couldn't didn't get to wrestle after no, this was real. Like the, the back of that thing possible. came off. So uh Yeah, and I look at that, right? Whoops. Come on, come on, bitch. Get it together. All right. You're gonna be you're gonna invade my fucking TV screen. At least make sure you do shit right. George says he called it before it happened. And of course he loved it. Oh, Stacey said she called it before it happened. And yes, she did say it. I actually she was sitting next to me saying that thing's gonna come off and it did. <laughs> Luckily for her. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, apparently she wasn't the only one that happened to because apparently that happened to Carmela at house show recently. You stole my fucking segue. <laughs> you ruined my segue, damn you. You know, I'm gonna just ignore strike Destin's thing off the record. Pretend you didn't hear that so that my segue he, still he, works. He, 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 <laughs> we still have to make the segue work. <clears throat> so anyway, lucky for Eva Marie that it didn't completely break off and cause a true dilemma because that would have been a problem. Unlike yeah. someone else, Carmella, as Destin has informed you, it's where it baby. came off. Like, came off, came off. I will say this. For the safety of the community, I made sure to review the footage before getting on here. Up there with shit like Henny Omega wrestling a doll, I have to give both her and Bianca Belair a lot of credit for that. Because I can't even explain that. This was like some shit up there with Jackie Chan levels of... Because it looked to me like what essentially happens in this clip is that while wrestling and in a pinning combination, she's trying, Bianca's trying to fucking reattach the bra to her back. And then when they realize it's not happening, they just decide to continue wrestling the match anyway, while strategically always having a way where her tits are covered. And I I was impressed because this wasn't planned, but more shit like this should happen. If they could figure out how to make this a thing that happens, then, uh... Why not, right? Right, like they never broke momentum at any point. No, they didn't. That's Every, experience that right the there. Coolest, that was the coolest part of the whole thing. Like, tits aside, yes, that's a phrase I actually had to use. It was tits the fact that no point did they ever <laughs> have to stop. Yeah, I'm putting this on the actual large screen here so you can take a look. That was so cool. <laughs> so it's starting to come off the back there. It's okay, be quiet. Okay, so look here. Now, after the backslide, this is where it gets crazy. So it's off. Now look. It's still off. Comes off more here. Puts in the code of silence with the, with the bra completely off. I love the kids. Like they haven't stopped moving at all. Look at that. Into the fuck. You can tell she started to go. Wow. Yo, like they never. Fuck it. Hold. (laughs) They never stopped moving at any fucking point. 
they if they would have gone if they, if even if it wouldn't happen that would have carried through the exact same way the only thing that was different is you could tell at the end she thought to go kod and then instantly decided against it like that was nuts that's talent right there and nothing was, was exposed nothing was exposed there right like damn and it's not like that's something you can just plan for not at all like all the that shit was on the fly. Like, okay, we're just gonna keep with pin combinations, and then we're gonna roll out for three, and then we're just gonna go home. Like, yeah, that is some improvisation right there. That is you know what I mean? into the, in the ring to the highest level. Yeah, and she stood calm, so everybody stood calm and kept it going. Yeah, that was the coolest thing. Is that at no point did you see any kind of panic in either of them. Like, and 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 I know to many young, a teenager's dismay, there was no boob exposure either sorry guys but i think what was more worth it was the talent that went into being able to do that right i got porn for that come on a green girl would have probably freaked out you know they would have had to stop the whole match for you yeah a green girl would have freaked out but like she stood in there not only did they try to they were seeing if they could get themselves into a position to reattach that thing you know like they were trying different things to do that and then it just wasn't going to happen like look at that that is so cool to see the fact that, like, at no point is momentum ever being broken. They're go, they're realistically going as if it didn't happen, but due to certain adjustments, like it's kind of obvious, like they're aware of it. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. It was a house show. Yeah, of course it was a house show. Yeah, they wouldn't have probably now. What would they, what do you think they would have done on Raw? Cut the feed. Just turned the black. That thing I was in Peacock. They right? did it for just a middle finger. They just cut the feed. I need a beep sensor for when I say Peacock around here. We don't speak. We don't speak that whore name. That way it could go people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see what else we got going on here. Oh, WWE apparently has been accused of promoting violence against essential workers, according to the Daily Star in the UK. There was a woman named Sabrina Fitzsimmons. Is this a real story? <laughs> Sounds like some shit that you would write like in an episode of WWE Crossing Over with Scooby-Doo. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Sabrina Fitzsimmons claims that WWE's latest action figure, the Reckon Slambulance, encourages violence against essential workers. So then she says, uh, See, right when you say that, I'm like, yep, it's fucking real. Because that level of stupidity really exists. She says WWE uh, has a huge following. From little ones right up to adults, including my 13-year-old son. I think it's just such the, such the wrong message. I just found it really offensive given the pressure. I know the services have been under and the sacrifices they've made. Is this good at any time, not just after the pandemic, to advocate violence against emergency workers? It's never a good thing. Can I ask what the logic is in advertising a toy which encourages the destruction of an ambulance? <laughs> at a time during a pandemic where there are active campaigns to reduce violence towards essential workers, and you're considering what the NHS has done for us over the past year, I find the toy and the ad referred offensive and inappropriate. I would like to know why your company felt this was a good toy to get behind and advertise. So, there is a commercial of this toy. Slambulance. Let me see what the fuck is going on here. That's kind of strange, right? Why y'all so mad and shit? In WWE, the action doesn't stop when you step out of the ring with the WWE Wrecking Slam games. 
tear the slambulance apart for the ultimate brawl and send your opponent busting out the back on a spring-loaded stretcher. Smith Toy Soup Stores. If I were a toy. That, that was it? The fuck? Let me see it one more time. Right, In WWE, right the action doesn't stop when you step out of the ring with the WWE Wrecking Slambulance. Tear the Slambulance apart for the ultimate brawl and send your opponent busting out the back on a spring-loaded stretcher. Miss Toy Soup Stores. If I were a toy. I see the misunderstanding here. Not, not often. I get it now. It took me two times to watch the commercial to understand what she's talking about, like from a psychological level. But you, you do have to understand that uh, her son is 13 year old. He must be stupid, you know, and she he must be one of those kids that's in a suburban neighborhood that's not exposed to like the real world and shit. So everyone around him is stupid, including her. So unfortunately, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, if you're 13 year old son is going to be influenced by a toy ambulance and a wrestling thing then you have a bigger problem than what the company is doing you're a shitty parent like you know how bad of a parent you have to be at 13 years old for your kid to just think i'm gonna fuck up an ambulance think about how advanced i think about myself at 13 or anybody at 13 years old could you be fucking influenced by a toy even let's look at this logo does this logo even look like it is designed for a 13-year-old. The kid in the logo is not 13. <laughs> He's a little kid. You think your 13-year-old son is going to get the message to the attack a fucking ambulance? So here's a couple of problems with that logic. First of all, problem number one is that he's 13. You really think that he's going to go and fucking attack an ambulance successfully? <laughs> what situation is your son or people below him going to be in that they're going to have an opportunity to attack a fucking ambulance, you moron? It sends the wrong message to attack. So you think your kids are going to attack them? What are they, the fucking children of the corn? Barely <laughs> <laughs> care. What the fuck is the matter with her to think that, oh, they're going to be influenced to attack a fucking ambulance? Even a grown man wouldn't be able to attack a fucking ambulance like that. Just because it's a fucking so WWE commercial shows you. It's one thing if something influences you to something that you have to advise people not to try at home. When would they be able to try this? You're not that. That's the part that always kills me. It's like, what situation are you going to be like, you know what? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. House on fire, ambulance, lock and load. Like, what? And it also doesn't promote attacking essential workers at all. It, t- it promotes attacking the ambulance, which would not be easy to do. Those things were not meant to be attacked. What are you going to do for long attack an ambulance? And it's certainly not a 13 I'd like to think that by the time the person hits puberty and becomes of age, they'd be of sound enough mind to see the WWE ambulance and not destroy the fucking real one. You never know. People fucking stupid nowadays. But I mean, yeah. In a toy which incurred the destruction of an ambulance. Are you thinking about who this would influence, though? Well, it's like it's weird. People just think that the human mind is way more fragile and influential than it is to be stupid enough to say that. You could say that about anything. It's just so weird to me that that would be her logic. Oh, you know, you're giving a message that the kid will attack an ambulance. <laughs> Lady, I could pick up your stupid son and beam him against the fucking ambulance and it wouldn't make a dent. (laughs) The fucking ambulance. You kidding me? I could pick him up and chuck him at that fucking shit and go boom. And he would just come right off the side of the side of shit. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
I threw your kid dead at the fucking thing. Kid won't even put a fucking thing. I think your fucking kid is Bruce Banner. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking attack an ambulance. Special, I have a very special set of skills. I just love the fact that this, like, her whole worry is that a 13-year-old kid and younger, let's not forget she emphasized and younger, are going to fucking attack an ambulance. And <laughs> <laughs> do what? Fucking, I remember watching Survivor Series when Kane fucking threw Shane into the ambulance. The ambulance didn't fucking budge. She shouldn't let them watch Avengers Endgame either. They might try to fucking time travel. Or fight Thanos, one or the other. <laughs> you know, like for, that's one of the best stories I've heard, man. She's worried about the message that this that this toy is gonna send to destroying ambulances. Was it the same lady who called about about selling NWO shirts at one point? No, come on, don't tell me that it is. It, it can't be. I doubt it. <laughs> Man, that is all kinds of crazy. People just don't think about things. I shared that to social media. <laughs> Not proudly. <laughs> Oh man, that is so. That's perfect. That is fucking perfect. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no harm in this. You know what I'm talking about, man. It, our, our time and resources in this world get wasted by shit like that. You know what I mean? Like no one had that. She could have invested that into doing anything, and literally found a problem where there is none, and then demanded a solution. What happens if my 13 year old son and a bunch of other kids decide that it's okay to attack essential workers, even if that that was the message, which it wasn't. It was the ambulance. They can't succeed it either. There's people that just make shit up that only would happen in their own head canon, and then just try to project it onto everybody else like it's gonna happen. Essential like, no, workers the work like that's stupid. Essential workers have to deal with people. Like, do you understand the kind of people that would be in an ambulance? You think they're gonna be overrun by a child? They'll be able to restrain the child. If you have a child stupid or crazy enough to attack an ambulance, they'll sedate his ass. One if they even have to, second, that's all it takes. He's gone. if they even have to, they could just palm him like a football and just crouch down like if there's about to be a play and wait for the fucking cops to get there. That's what I would do. I would just palm him like a football. I'd be in hike position until they get there with this motherfucker underneath my knee and arm without killing him, by the way. You can restrain people without killing them in this world. That might not be a known thing. But yeah, I just found it funny. Oh, I'm going to attack, attack the ambulance. Oh, oh my god. I know, right? This kind of bums you out that some people out there are parents when you hear crazy shit like this. Yeah, they just that's the problem. But you have to think about the fact that if the if the mother has such a low IQ that she didn't factor in the improbability and impossibility really of this thirteen year old or younger kid attacking an ambulance, then maybe she's right. Because if that's the level that her mentality works at and she reproduced, then what? who knows what the fuck came out of her? Maybe the thing would attack an ambulance. I mean, if the parent <laughs> believe, if, if the parent's stupid enough to believe that it's possible, why not the kid? If I'm going to play devil's advocate here, which I probably shouldn't have because neither side works in their favor. If the parent's so stupid that they think that the 13-year-old can, can attack an ambulance, then fuck. Maybe the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and the kid's so stupid that they also think they'd be good at this. Oh God! <laughs> Practice safe sex, kids. You don't want your kid attacking ambulances. <laughs> we as public service announcement, I had to make it two thirty-seven in the morning. But you know what? Hey, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. 
I just can't believe it though. Like I like I said, I didn't read that one before I got on here. I didn't know what the complaint was. I'll see what the commercial was. But the more more I thought about, it, the more him. I mean, your child is not going to attack an ambulance. Your child could it couldn't attack a fucking big wheel. Remember big wheels? That thing that Bobby oh remember Bobby's world? The thing that he's riding in the beginning, that little ass bike. That's a big wheel. You're going to fucking kill a big wheel with a thirteen year old. <laughs> Fucking big wheel, my God. She must have some big kids. They have that R strength, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a bit for you here. Oh, I'm frightened. This will bring back memories and people people in the chat room will get a visual for it too. Thirty seconds, kid. Go. <laughs> Start punching. Yo, you talk about anxiety. <laughs> you don't understand. I never knew the fucking panic that people had in the beat the clock challenge before. You had to do that shit. Oh man, this is such a funny episode. Just for no reason other than the unplanned shit that we're seeing here. Anyway, moving along from the bonus stage, Street Fighter Two ambulance. <laughs> That's where this show is taking so many segues this week. But you know what it is? That's how much fun we're fucking having. People are pissed that the punk thing didn't come up yet, but don't worry, it will. I promise. Yeah. Don't worry. So, yeah. Trust me, that one will not slip through the cracks. No, it won't. But before we get into that, Pat McAfee was on That's the Pat favorite. He was on the Pat McAfee show this past Monday night, and he had Michael Cole call in. Did you hear that? I did hear this, and I tell you right now. For as long, for as little time as he's been doing this, I think this had to be a career highlight already. Yeah, let me pull it up because I found the transcript online, and then I decided to go listen to the whole podcast to find the exact spot of this because I was like, I want to hear it from him. So let's get that up. There we go. I do want to say this is that um, you know, you've and I've read a lot about this online as well, but it's absolutely true. You have completely revitalized my career oh man i've been doing this for almost 25 years now and i've seen and have been a part of everything in wwe and um you know you go through different partners over the years and everybody i've worked with has been great and they've all uh, brought a different style uh to the product um jbl unbelievable partner Corey graves incredible talent um but you're different than all those guys because you're a, you know, not that they're not fans, but you're a true fan and you bring that enthusiasm to the product and seeing how you've been acting um, over the past couple of months has really revitalized what I do. And I realize I have to step up my game to keep up with what you're doing from an enthusiastic standpoint. And that's what I'm trying to do. And it's been a lot of fun for me and it's been really different. And I just want to thank you for breathing some life into this old body oh. again so maybe i can hang on for a couple more years <laughs> no 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 hey i want to let you know that was incredibly cool of you to say and uh i think as a fan for a long time i think the general thing was like okay michael cole is going to be wwe's driver okay he, he is driving everything he's answering why things that none of us truly understand are happening because that's what michael cole is and I think it has been an honor to kind of get a chance to, I don't want to say fuck with you, but almost like <laughs> remind you like, hey, this is, 
hey, this is a fun thing. Like, you know, like I, I think that is something that I do on a regular basis is like, hey, let's remember that this is fun. I, I got a chance to do it in football. I've got, I, I get a chance to do this. And with you being as good, I, the only reason why I could do it in football is because I had Adam Vinatieri there in a team that was much better. The only reason why I can do what I'm doing is because I have you there. You are the biggest safety net and harness that anybody could ever have. So I think the fact that I just go out there and have a good time and the fact that you're like saying like, thank you or whatever, you don't have to do that at all. I just am honored that I get a chance to see you have a blast. Like, I think you were having a good th- last night when that when that hey that was so cool because you have did you call every single one basically at John Cena's like you and Cena same exact kind of time so, frame right well so Pat you know it, it was there was just so many emotions going through last night on so many different levels for me I mean it was obviously it was an incredible weekend and starting Friday in Houston with a sellout crowd and the reaction that they gave the WWE superstars. And, I mean, it popped a great rating for SmackDown. And you and I had so much fun. I mean, we couldn't stop talking about it all weekend. And then, you know, last night I thought was just a step up from what happened on Friday. The fans were great in Fort Worth. It was an emotional night all around. You and I talk a lot about calling pay-per-views because we have to split with the Raw team. So it's really hard to get into a groove because you're not calling a full show, especially since we called the first match of the night and then called the last one. And... But it was really cool, though. A, Roman Reigns and Edge put on an absolute oh. master class in wrestling psychology and how to put a match together. You and I were on the edge of our seats. It was a roller coaster. It was incredible. Is Edge going to win? Is he going to pull off the miracle? Is Roman Reigns going to continue to dominate? Here come the Cousins. Here come the Mysterios. Now Seth Rollins, who's got a beat, gets involved. Referee goes down. I mean, this is old school 1999 WWE. And... Then, of course, the moment at the end, I mean, it was a really emotional moment for me. You know, John and I have been through so much uh, in our career together. Uh, You know, we really both broke through at about the same time. Um, I was here a few years prior to John. You know, many times over the years, people have said Jim Ross had Stone Cold Steve Austin. Michael Cole had John Cena. And it's true. I believe John is the greatest of all time. I have no doubt in my mind that that man is the greatest sports entertainer because he did it longer than anyone at the level that he was at as a 16-time world champion. And to see the emotion he had, the smile on his face and the high-fiving of everyone, um, to see how excited he was to be in that atmosphere, I just reacted like a little boy again. I mean, yeah, that was cool. They do bring out the best of each other, you know that? That is true. I didn't think about that. Like, yeah, that is true. Like, J.R., had Stone Cold, yeah, Cole had Cena, but that's got to be a feather in the freaking cap of Pat McAfee to know that like somebody who's been around as long as Michael Cole has been, and to hear somebody say like, "Hey, you make you in a sense you make me feel like I'm young again." Yeah, and Pat McAfee did turn out to be a really, really valuable acquisition for them. He's proven himself in every single role that they've given him to. He's knocked it out of the fucking park. Whether he was wrestling in NXT with Adam Cole or whether he was here doing this, like he's knocked it out of the fucking park. Talk about a superstar. You know, he's an all star. I have never been so happy for somebody to prove me wrong as that guy. Yeah. I didn't know anything about him and I I felt like he was an outsider and I was critical in the beginning. But yeah, that's, that's what I want, though. That's the whole point, though. When you're critical of someone and then they break through that barrier. It proves that they that they belong. 
So there's nothing wrong with when you have that barrier up and you you demand that standard because when they prove it, then you then you know without a doubt that they that they belong here. So in McAfee, I like the fact that we entered this with an attitude of who is this guy, and he told us. It's, there's nothing wrong with someone saying who the hell is this person, and then if the person has a good answer, then checkmate. Exactly. We need more of that instead of it being who the fuck is this guy in the next world where are, are, even those expectations are disappointed. And he makes a good point. It is supposed to be fun. There's so much of the fun that's being diluted right now in wrestling. Like, wrestling, look at this whole thing right now. Everything. The show we're doing, everything, the positioning and the landscape of everything. Like, wrestling is taking on more the position of a fucking battle zone than it has something that should be fun. Like, look at what we're doing and where we are right now. You know what I mean? Like, where is the fun? I mean, we have fun, sure. We do a lot of satire on here. I was going to say, it's right here. (laughs) We're doing the middle of a fucking battle zone. Everyone takes themselves really seriously all the time. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad that we got good old Pat Mack there. Oh, yeah, those two are a great team on commentary. Mm-hmm. That's about 22 minutes in. I still recommend. I'll share the link with the exact timestamp on social media and in the chat room. But I recommend listening to the whole thing. But if you just want to start from Michael Cole's appearance, it's 22 right there. Since it's a YouTube link, you can literally click my version of it and it'll just start, start the timestamp for you right there. But if not, just bring the dial back. Watch from the beginning. Highly recommend it. Okay. And no, not yet. Everybody got excited. <laughs> More excited than I am. But uh, Malachi Black, Alistair Black, was on Metal Injection. And uh, he spoke to them a little bit about WWE's booking, apparently. And uh, he had a few choice words here. So I figured we'd bring it up. I haven't heard it myself yet. To know so was AEW always your, like, All right, this is this is going to be where I'm going to go? Was that like your, when you heard the news about the release, were you like, well, I think I'm going to go to AEW? Or what was your thought process? No, that was the immediate thought process. Mm-hmm. There was not, there was not, a, you know, like, and I was sick of it, like, before everything went down. Like, Loved my time in NXT. I felt I did nothing of importance on the main roster, or at least not much of importance, too much like bipolar 50-50 booking. You know, they would push me, they would, you know, pull me off TV. And like, honestly, that's that's the entire product right now. There's nothing really consistent. Everything changes week to week or is done to the point of like beating it to death. But as soon as I got released, it was funny because my wife cried. And I actually kind of started laughing because I just kind of went like, well, you just, you know, you just built me for like five, six weeks. You made me come back and now you pull me off TV. And I don't know, the whole thing, the whole thing to me just felt like I I couldn't, I couldn't just take it serious anymore. And I was like at the edge of like my, like, this is just not worth it. You know, this is just not worth it. And um, I felt like this huge relief and I kind of, I I just started laughing (laughs) And um, I immediately knew then I, that that was the feeling of like just the freedom that I had and uh, not having to deal with it anymore. And I just felt it was time to go. And I felt there were better things for me on the horizon. And I felt that for a while. I want and I, I said this to my wife a couple of times. If for somehow for some reason this is not what they promised me it's going to be for the for the for the third fourth time then I'm done then I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to look for different things because it's again it's just not worth it every single time I have that like. 
that mental, that mental blow and the disappointment and that, you know, and this was my final attempt with them and they, they made the decision for me. And I just, I just don't feel bad about it. Like I'm very, very grateful for all the things that I've done and great people. Like I said, great connections. Like I said, I, I got a chance to like sit down with Vince a lot of times and have a, have a strong relationship with him and uh, same with Hunter. I'm very appreciative of all those things, but you know, sometimes things don't pan out and when it's time to go, it's time to go. That was a nice, honest answer from him, right? Yeah. I mean, once again, it's another person now. They were they left and just wound up feeling better afterwards. Wonder why? <laughs> I couldn't imagine why. Exactly. All right, top of hour three. Time to talk about Alicia Fox. No, I'm kidding. Finally, we will talk. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you talk about we would have lost people. Alicia Fox, remember that shit? I guess you're a crazy bitch again. Like, no. What's this guy's problem? Nobody wants to talk about Alicia Fox. All right, wow. There's been a couple of interesting developments in the world. Am I right? Am I right? Um, interesting, game-changing, earth-fucking-shattering, something of that nature. Where yes, to begin no, here? Be. Where to oh. begin? Okay. Well, I think. How I open the show, I guess hell's frozen over. No, so uh, basically, as you can see on the screen, Daniel Bryan is apparently all elite. I guess that's Not one of like, the best ways oh, to start it. To sign him, I believe what he's already basically there. What basically happened was last week, or the beginning of this week, about five six days ago, during the Wrestling Observer, Melser was quoted as saying that in May. He was told that there were four signings, two somewhat big and two huge. None of them were signed, but there was confidence that they would be signed. He knew two of them were Alistair Black, whose clip we just played, a.k.a. Makali Black, and Brian Danielson. And he knew and, and he knew they were two that were being talked to that AEW really wanted. The other two were CM Punk and Andrade. He was pretty sure that it was Punk. His name had been floated around and fit the category. And as far as guys that fit the category who are also available, and as far as giant names, there aren't a lot that are free agents. So uh, he said that it's CM Punk. Um, he said that out of the free agents, he could think it was really CM Punk, Batista, Brock Lesnar, and he knew it wasn't going to be Batista because of Hollywood. But this was, again, the story came out last week where we found out they were targeting four people, Alistair Black, Brian Danielson, Andrade, and Punk. That rumor got half confirmed and it sort of added a bit of validity to the possibility of the other two being uh, part of this. So, Daniel Bryan apparently, according to Bodyslam.net, who first broke the story, were trying to bring uh, they were trying to bring him into AEW since May following his contract expiring. But there was no discussion or negotiations. It was just purely conjecture at that time. They didn't begin with actual negotiations until sometime within the last couple of weeks. So basically both parties showed interest, but they were very careful not to really do anything. Um, Now, the reason behind this is because Tony Khan's extremely careful about that kind of thing, not to breach anything. Or mess with anything. They're very they're very cautious about that kind of stuff going on. I guess obviously so that they don't get sued. 
So uh, there's been some hatred, obviously. I've seen on the internet. This isn't in any report. This is me observing for myself. People, especially on the WWE side of things, I've seen shit like, how can Daniel Bryan do this after all WWE has done for him and his family and that they never want to see him again? Um, There are people that kind of feel like WWE, that he owes his life to wwe because he they basically made him a big star here he met his wife here everything that he has he sort of it all to them and then he sort of thanks them by doing the selfish thing and leaving the company and basically giving the the competition quite frankly the biggest advantage that you can possibly imagine them getting what are your thoughts <sighs> oh now i get to have my fun so um if i meet my wife in the back of a TGI Fridays, does that mean I owe TGI Fridays my life? Like, like if I if I meet my wife in the red light district, does that mean I owe the red light district my life? Um, no. Some people meet their wives there. Some people meet husbands. It just happens to work out that way. Yes, they gave him that WrestleMania main event, but let's be real, that's not because they wanted to. That's because the crowd made them do it. And at the end of the day, if he's Daniel freaking Bryan, I'm pretty sure he can go wherever he wants. And this is one of my problems with a lot of wrestling fans. If you're a real Daniel Bryan fan, it doesn't matter if the motherfucker goes to CZW. You will support him if you are a real fan. I, I, it's funny when you when you say all that. I think back to I'll never forget we made this joke when he was going through his heel run, and we were talking about him rolling up in a McDonald's and giving people and he, and he called people McFickle. You're all being McFickle. <laughs> It's crazy in the wrestling world how people will turn on you on the drop of a dime because of one decision. It's like we talked before about with uh, when it came to WrestleMania. He didn't want to be in the WrestleMania event. They just threw him in there. Do they owe, does he owe them a life because of that? Yeah, the guy had a fantastic run. He was one of the two people, I find funny how we're talking about these very two people, that we've said a thousand times, basically changed everything over there. So, yeah, he had an amazing career. Yeah, he had God moments that will probably live on forever. But that doesn't make him obligated to stay in one place if he doesn't want to. That's not the case with anybody. There was a time when we didn't think AJ Styles was probably going to be anywhere but TNA, or at least I didn't. Guess what? Now he's thriving in WWE. Does that mean he owes TNA his life? No. It was great while we had him there. It was fantastic. He put that company on the map. But eventually, sometimes you got to move on. And if you're a real fan, you're going to support that person no matter where they go. Yeah. But what's weird to me about fans is when it comes to the fans, it really depends on whose side they're on. And it also depends on the wrestler's status. Because the same thing can play out both ways. And on one hand, people will be like, well, damn this wrestler for leaving this company to go to another company. They fucked them over after they build them up. But then on the other hand, there'll be people, if it was a different wrestler, that they'll be like, oh, you know, uh, how stupid of this person to leave. You know what I mean? Because because they're not going to do as well. And that's to me what I find funny. Just to give you an example, I don't want to jump too far. I don't even know if we'll have time to get into it today. But Slammiversary, okay? So, like, the Mm -hmm. pre-show. I was half watching, whatever. Fire and Flavor, I believe, are the tag tag team champs in that, the two girls. Yeah, Yeah, they were. And they lost the titles right at that pre-show, right? Yep. So, some shit must have gone down. Because Kiva Hogan tweeted after that, basically saying that she was on her last Impact tapings and that she was going to see what else is out there for her because I guess they split up Fire and Flavor after they lost the tag titles and now she's done. So she left and then 
everybody had the literal exact fucking reaction that they had to Daniel Bryan. Like, instead of thinking that she's going to go somewhere else and make a big difference, like there were a bunch of fans saying that she made a huge mistake because Impact built her from the ground up. Yet I remember, I don't even think she was in Impact when she used to complain that I think she was saying that Sasha Banks stole her hair or whatever. When we used to report that shit, like, like I'm pretty sure she was from the Indies. I don't know how much building Impact had to do. Like, sure, they gave her that fire and flavor shit if you want to. I don't know if that's anything to brag home about. Like, that that did happen. The only thing she did before that was be basically Ali's sidekick. But the point being, Daniel Bryan's a big name. He decides he's going to leave and go somewhere else, and then everybody else gets angry at him because he's going to benefit the company. Kira Hogan decides she's going to leave to go somewhere else and leave Impact. And everybody basically says that the Sasha Banks imitator, she is ungrateful and she's never going to go mount to anything outside of Impact. It's just crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a double standard for a lot of this kind of stuff. And uh, in the case of somebody like Daniel Bryan, there is a level of unnecessary hate there, I feel. Uh, should there be a gratitude to WWE for everything that uh, they've done? It really depends because at the same time you're acting like Daniel Bryan didn't make WWE a lot of fucking money. You know what I mean? Do you really think that they came in here? You act like this is just some empire of gold and they brought him in and just made him a wealthy man and then patted him on his ass and sent him on his way. You don't think that they made a lot of money in business together? You know what I mean? You don't think that he helped bring up pay-per-view buy rates? He helped sell shirts, games, toys, was on the cover of things. Like, you don't think that that was a lot of money making on everybody's behalf during that? Remember the old locker room etiquette when the main event guy that comes in and the other mid-card guys will come into the locker room and thank him for being there because he's a draw and that draw makes everybody else in the locker room more wealthy? Like, at one, at some, in, in some capacity, Daniel Bryan was responsible for that, right? Not just like on house shows or Raws and SmackDowns, but at shit like WrestleMania, even Survivor Series, shit like that. It's safe to say he would be considered like a draw. Like, you can literally place him somewhere and say that these ticket numbers would be otherwise lower without this human being, right? Would you be talking about WrestleMania 30 anywhere near as much without that person? Right. So then this mutual, they both benefited each other here. It's not Daniel Bryan. You make it sound like he was some fucking, like like he's Oliver Twist and they took him in and they gave him some fucking porridge and a place to sleep, like a cot to sleep on. And they brought, you know what I mean? Like the guy, first of all, Brian Danielson was a gigantic hit in the Indies, where may not might not have mattered as much back then as it does now. But I think that there's a certain inevitability to him becoming something. Worst case scenario, Brian Danielson doesn't get picked up by WWE because he's too small and he doesn't fit the criteria of what they want, and they actually see him as a B plus player, which they did. Alternate universe, Brian Danielson. What would have happened to him? He would have. Probably went back to Ring of Honor, who usually has some sort of a partnership or trades people off with Impact, who tends to have dealings with New Japan, who tends to deal a lot with the Bullet Club, that would have made him wind up in fucking AEW. I think that a Daniel Bryan that doesn't ever go to WWE because they don't like him winds up in AEW in an alternate universe anyway. The only difference is that they don't get to make the money or have the yes movement. Like, do you really believe that if everything would have happened exactly the way it is, aside from Daniel Bryan, that this guy wouldn't have wound up in AEW? He definitely would have. He would have been one of the first people. Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are literally the whole reason why indie people, they opened the doors for indie wrestlers. There was no indie wrestlers here before them. None. Zero was the amount. But once they made it, they flooded in. 
The best we had was ECW, which you can hardly call indie because everybody who's who who was my age and even younger always knew that Vince was paying Paul under the table. There wasn't one fucking person who was a true wrestling fan that thought that ECW was this independent functional thing. There was always talk. And back then you didn't have the internet. You just knew from people. There was always talk that Paul took money from Vince to keep ECW running. So I almost don't even consider that indie. It was different. It was edgy. It was hardcore. But it was fucking funded. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I feel that Brian Danielson, one way or another would have found his way to AEW. Just like Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Hangman. And honestly, a lot of other people who didn't have to come through the WWE system. Right. But you don't see those companies that they left for AEW playing the same thing. It's weird. It seems, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you ever know, doesn't it seem like it's only WWE fans that get salty like this? Yeah, and it's weird because I look at people like Samoa Joe, for example. Look at how up in arms everybody got about how valuable Samoa Joe is. Where did they get that impression of him from? It certainly can't be from the fucking product I've been watching for the past five years. <laughs> right. Why are there so many people that are talking about Samoa Joe's valuable? Where? What clips have you seen of a valuable Samoa Joe and Samoa? They must be talking about fucking the Samoa Joe of Ring of Honor, right? The 4CM Punk, you know? What, just because he chased AJ Styles around and fucking harassed Wendy? Is that what they're talking about? Is that Samoa Joe? They have to be talking about the one that almost killed fucking Christopher Daniels on Impact once. That's what I mean, you know, like the, the yeah, monster Samoa Joe. One. Like, what I've noticed in this this Daniel Bryan thing almost confirms it for me. WWE fans aren't even pissed at the fact that he left. It's the fact that him going to AEW shatters their little perfect reality where everybody wants to go there. There's some people that still sit there with that mentality of this is the place everybody wants to be. And there's still that double standard also within wwe where it's like nothing that you did before here mattered but we're gonna make you debut as a surprise in the royal rumble so that we could get a pop for something that didn't matter like with aj styles that's a good example nothing that aj styles did if you go by wwe locker mentality nothing he did is canon that's the way vince thinks you're rebooting with we heard it from jericho you know it doesn't matter what what happened it doesn't matter if you were champion or the greatest whatever here you're a reboot you know what i mean and when you look at that, at the end of the day, AJ Styles, if you really believe that AJ Styles is someone that doesn't have any notoriety before he got here, why would you risk somebody like that coming out as a number in the Royal Rumble? That must mean that you're full of shit. You want people to believe that their value and their stock goes down when they come to this company because that gives you more of a power level over them gives you more power over them their pay their contract all that other shit but the reality is it's the royal rumble there's only 30 slots in that i either believe one of two things you believe that this person is going to get a reaction when they come through with no warning no advertisement nothing whatsoever or b you're 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 fucking you're full of shit (laughs) you know when you really look at it because uh if they really believe that somebody like aj styles or daniel bryan or somebody wouldn't get a reaction the point being why would they put them in spots where people are supposed to pop it's because they know. So the proof, again, talking about this a little bit, because I don't want to talk too much about the fans. We'll be here all night talking about the way that they see oh things and the way God. WWE sees things and who was who fucked who, even though at the end of the day, you couldn't do that with anybody else. 
You know what I mean? I couldn't tell Destin that he's a dick because he didn't go try to get go back to GameStop or anything else and that you should or I don't like that you work here or whatever because of that. Well, how could you do that? And you couldn't go up to a regular human being and just ask them that shit like, oh, why, why are you working there? Fuck you. But somehow we can go up to professional wrestlers who are on the road 300 days a year and say, how dare you lose this company? No matter what you do in life. And I'm not saying wrestling is the most dangerous thing in the world. I'm just saying that when you look at a profession, you have to think that no matter what you do in life, there's a high percentage that when you walk out the door in the morning, the risk factor of you dying is lower than them. Your mortality rate on a daily basis is lower than them. You would get offended if somebody questioned why you're working at fucking Wendy's and somebody who walks out the door every day with a lower mortality rate gets shitted on. And I don't mean lower where like he might die. I'm just saying that like if you walk out the door to go work at a White Castle's, and there's a 2% chance that you could die on this walk by whether it be car, getting struck by lightning, natural current, whatever. Just saying if you had to add a some numerical ratio to it. Then imagine a wrestler who might not die, but is going to jump off of a ladder or off of a turnbuckle, do a backflip, do a kick, take a bump. Those things by default, although possible but not probable in the probability of it killing them, definitely raises the mortality rate. Where by statistics, we would have to say, what's more dangerous, you working in white castles or them taking bumps? And it would always be them taking bumps. And you wouldn't feel comfortable asking somebody why they're working on white castles. Why would somebody be comfortable wishing Daniel Bryan death or any other shit because he made a career choice? Some people need to just understand the reality of like, not everybody is going to want to do things that you want them to do. And I'd like to think of a world travel veteran. And I he hate to go where he wants. And I hate to say it. And I know I'm going to get SJW snowflake heat for this. Oh, there he. But I'm going to. But I'm going to say it anyway. I can't help but notice that whenever I see motions like that being conveyed, where this person made a decision that's either in the storyline or with their career, where we've gone as far as to wish that they're dead, it's always a woman. Every time I see these tweets, where it's like, "How could you do this?" or "Blah blah blah." blah, blah, blah it's always female tweets. And I'm not saying that the guys don't criticize them for these choices. But if you read the female tweets, there's something about the verbiage in them where they almost criticize them like they fucking know him. Like, what do you think? That because you watch fucking Total Divas, you know this guy? Because you've seen him with his baby? Because you've seen his fucking dog? Because if you really read those tweets, they, they almost sound like they know the guy. Like they hung out with him. And that's the that's the boundary. That's the boundary that that's that's to me what the marks are. These marks, that boundary, where just because you see somebody all the time, you think you know them. And they're kind of like the guy who thought Nakamura was happy just because he gets to surf and wrestle. Yeah, and Nakamura's like, you don't know shit about me. He basically said in a nice way. How you know I'm happy? When I first my first year of doing this, I would get random tweets from people. Um, not really tweets, but DMs of people. And sometimes they would start off without a beginning. Oh, what I mean is it wouldn't be like, hi, Rick, talk bunch, you know, I, I, I listen oh, to this yeah, thing. It would just exactly. be like if they fucking know me. And at the time, I was like, what? This is kind of unusual. And I remember I spoke, if you don't know who it is, don't worry about it. But I remember I actually spoke to Joey Numbers about this. And he said, essentially, the psychology of it is these, these people, they're listening to you on a regular enough basis that they feel on their side like they know you. And it does make sense. But the point being, there's a limit to that shit, too. You know, you can't just like act like, you know, somebody when it comes to their job and their life and stuff, you know, fans get a little obsessive and it's crazy. 
And sometimes I don't know if it's if if it's the, the sport of wrestling that causes it because of the fact that it blurs the lines of reality and fiction so much that people get caught up in the shit. <sighs> I know. I know. With, with the way some fans are, I don't even know. I almost don't even know if I can give it that much credit. Like some people just have to understand that, like, just because they don't see the purpose in something, it's not that there's no purpose. Like we see so many of these fans that like. They talk about everything that's happened to Daniel Bryan since he's been in WWE. But it's like, I wonder how many of these fans remember back when he was in Ring of Honor, when he was in all these other fucking places. Like, things happened there too. And it's not like Ring of Honor fans are jump or freaking clawing at the bit for this shit. Like, it's the most agitating thing. Because, like, example, we talk about Daniel Bryan. As somebody who we all know, a longtime Pentagon fan, I follow Pentagon to the Lucha Underground, Impact. MLW and now AEW at no point was I like remember what that place did for you why'd you leave and it's like okay this is where you're going on to the next place eventually you do all you can do in one place you don't hang around and get stagnant and your connection to the fans shouldn't change because of your location right if they're your fans they'll follow you wherever you go do you not change the channel you know you have other channels right I know some of y'all at least got basic cable Jesus that logic is the equivocal to like if I couldn't call your cell phone to tell you at something because I knew that on your TV at home you were watching sci-fi at the same time I was watching TBS. Like, what the fuck? What? Why can't, what? Like, why would you not just be able to change the channel if it mattered that much? If you like Daniel Bryan so much that you feel this hatred toward him, wouldn't it be easier to just pick up the remote and click to the other channel where you can see Daniel Bryan doing something else. It's so fucking weird. I'll never understand it. Yeah, it's just a really strange mentality for people to have. It's such broken logic. Like, in reality, and a lot, I'm probably getting heat from a lot of fans for saying this shit, but it's like, if that bugs you that bad, you're not that much of a Daniel Bryan fan. You're a WWE friend that just happened to like Daniel Bryan. You are not the same as the other ones. There are people out there, I guarantee to you right now if i said hey if daniel bryan went to fucking czw's tournament of death would you watch it and they go just for daniel bryan because that's a daniel bryan fan the only common factor there was daniel bryan's gonna be there so i'll watch it to support him when mixer went down there were people some of them peers that we know that do all the streams that acted like a real place went down you know like they added they acted like the command center just exploded and they lost their zords like when mixer <laughs> that's an old school reference but <laughs> damn you went back with that one when mixer went down i had people talking about how they lost some of their audience there that they weren't going to be coming along with them they're not going to be coming across we haven't seen them and then they started talking about going to twitch and they were like it's going to be so exciting to go back to twitch because there's so many people that we haven't seen in so long because we've been away at mixer I'm like, are these actual fucking places? And I've had to tell them a few times directly in their head, like on mic with them, be like, guys, we're not our platforms. Like, we are not the physical platforms. There's nothing stopping. It's just clicking a different link. Your community shouldn't be based on what platform you're on because the platform is really just the means in which you get your content out, really. I've never once looked at our community as platform-defined. I've never once incorporated a Facebook, Twitch, Mixer, MixLR back when we were there logo. We're not our platforms. 
so it's fun. weird when I see people acting like when someone leaves somewhere, they they physically go somewhere. They're not physically going anywhere. They're where they were. You're just clicking a different link. And if someone's not following you because of your platform, then they weren't a fucking fan. Those Daniel right. Bryan people aren't fans. You know how many times we've moved the chat room from Twitch to Mixer, from Mixer to Twitch to YouTube, blah, 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 blah. We don't give a fuck. We were fucking Mix LR before that. Like, we never once pandered and put like a Talk Bunch logo with like a little Twitch thing on the bottom or a little nothing. It's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're grateful to those platforms. But at the end of the day, we're not advertising for them. We're advertising for us. We never let our platforms define us. We're not on a platform. We're broadcasting to the platform. Until people try to be on platforms, they limit themselves creatively. Doesn't make any kind of sense. It's so funny that you. <laughs> oh God, I, I, I don't get people. I, it's funny you mentioned the fucking uh, the mixer thing. I it I, I remember so vividly because you told me this. I remember a certain somebody thought, "Oh, mixer's down. Top runs lost their whole audience." No, we didn't. They just came with us to another place. We've moved audiences a lot. It was funny that they thought that. I'll never forget that as long as I live because I was like, "Yo, you're fucking stupid. Like you traveled with us. What do you mean?" To be fair, that was his biggest audience, too. And now it's just him and the cats. They lost their biggest platform, but the reality is we were his biggest platform. Oh, man. Maybe at the end of the day, as an actual Daniel Bryan fan, I am ecstatic for him getting a new opportunity. Because, I mean, one of the first things that pops into my head when I hear this news is how many guys are in that locker room that he's never been in the ring with. Like, there are crazy possibilities. And in case you need more proof that this is going on, uh, WW2K22, what was that slogan again? It 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 hits it, different. It hits different. It I, I imagine it will because uh, WW told the developers of the game not to include Daniel Bryan in it. You know, so I mean it'll definitely hit different. What would be yeah. their reason for doing that unless this was like gonna happen? They'll do like 2K Battlegrounds and release him as DLC later. No, I'm kidding. They don't want him to be on both games. <laughs> wow i never thought we would be back to this again huh all right the only Two. reason i even mentioned it then is because they fucking tried to get out that game for a playstation plus game this month 20 years later we're back to two wrestling games coming out again you see what you guys did you fucked up you got weak you got fucked up <laughs> wwe you know what wwe is <laughs> they're like the uh oh. the, they're like future Goten and Trunks. You guys got soft and shit. It became so peaceful. Now you, <laughs> now you suck. Now you're out, now you're out on the grass field getting your ass kicked because you 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 fucking slept on it for a while. You know, you know you got soft during times of peace, and now look at you. You let you 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 let another company come. Now there's two games. We're back to wars. TBS is back. Is Ted Turner still alive? I'm sure he is. Right. Right. He's somewhere out there. He's probably turned young again, like fucking Garlic Jr. Thanks to this shit. <laughs> I thought it was so funny because I know we probably all heard that like the AEW GM game is apparently like popping. I think I've seen over like a hundred thousand people have downloaded it so far. Isn't it kind of funny how many WWE games where they kept asking for GM mode back and never got it? And then we have a GM game. And one of the first things AEW did, AEW did was fucking GM game. Which I streamed here, by the way. You guys can look at it on demand. Um, I didn't. It's not really. I've never been a GM game person though. Yeah, but it's getting a lot of like a lot of people. A lot of people are liking it from what I'm hearing though. Yeah, I saw a lot of the bigger podcasts started copying my shit and started streaming it, too. Yeah, they actually did, a, I don't know if you saw over YouTube, they did a whole tournament with a bunch of streamers. Oh, yeah? 
That's yeah, cool. uh, Poles wound up winning. I think Poles and Orange Cassidy made it to the finals. Wow. Hopefully, um, Xavier would stream some of it. You know, wouldn't you mind like to see some AEW general manager on up, up, down, down? Yeah, and then they're going to fully break up the New Day. It's technically a game. <laughs> but you know but you know what they're going to do? They're going to try to exploit some random bullshit in the contract. Like, hey, um, do the paragraph C, subsection Q, Russell, 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 you can't stream the AEW game? What the fuck? I'm sure it's in the contract. I mean, hey. I'm sure it's in the contract. G4. G4 is barely alive. I love G4 and everything, but if they're going to go up against the E, they got another thing coming. <laughs> Shedron hasn't even granted the wish yet, and he's still trying now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> remember, what was the word? I can't remember. It might have been the Boo Saga. What, yeah, it was the Boo Saga when fucking Paranga actually needed time to gather a wish. That's yeah. number G4 right now. They're trying to get everybody back. <laughs> Yeah, they're wishing away. It's like the fans in WWE, they're wishing this shit isn't real. Well, welcome to the reality. We got fucking Daniel Bryan. You fuckers got Goldberg. You know what we should do? I don't know how much Ooh. heat we'll get for this. I welcome it. <laughs> but we should uh, put up a, uh, a thing for WWE fans. Get their hopes up. And they'll have a picture of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. And then the article will say, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, AEW, rumor killer. And, yes. then when they, and then when they click it, never gonna give you up. <laughs> no, so can you, can you imagine the hits? Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, AW, Rumor Killer. Ha! I knew they weren't gonna go. Click. Never gonna give, never gonna give. <laughs> Rick, all I'm saying now, I'm not asking for a birthday episode next week. But if you want to be fucking wonderful. Oh, people will hunt you down for that shit, man. Like people would, if they, if they could find it, people would hunt you down for that shit. <laughs> they won't Daniel find Bryan, me. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, rumor killer. I knew he was I knew he was saying with WWE. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Speaking of that, you know what the funny thing is? You mentioned that I don't have to remember something next week. Oh, buddy, I hope I can find it again. Now we can figure out who's actually listening to this show. That's the kind of little Easter eggs that we put in to see if people are paying attention. Because now if we do Rick Roll you, it's because you didn't listen to this part where we told you that we were going to Rick Roll you. <laughs> right. We call that, and I found this out recently, we call that the No Brown M&M. <laughs> what? No Brown M&Ms. Wait a minute. I think I get it now. Do you? I want to hear if you, if you get it. I, I wonder if that makes sense. Oh fuck! So th- this is this is literally only my head can. God forbid me if I get it wrong, I probably will. But I guess, at least in my logic, if you see a pack of M and M's, somebody just poured M and M's out in a bowl. Nine times out of ten, one of the first ones you're gonna notice is probably the brown ones. If you don't see brown M and M's, that means somebody's been in your shit. Not exactly. In the ball field. So the way to know brown M and M thing works is in the seventies, Van Halen used to play shows. And they had a contract that had a rider attached to it. On that rider, it outlined specific things that the promoter that signed the contract would be responsible for. Usually these riders include things like sound and lighting requirements, how to set up the backstage area, whatever security they need, or what kind of food they want, you know, in their buffet. And uh, 
It could be stuff like the weight of speakers, the brand of toilet paper, whatever. Just stuff to get the show running. Uh, In Van Halen's contract, they had a stipulation that there were to be no brown M&M candies backstage. If any brown M&Ms were found, they had the right to cancel the entire concert at the expense of the promoter. So if there was even a single fucking brown M&M not picked out of the pack, they were gone. For years, people looked at this situation and they saw the band including the lead singer David Lee Roth, as a bunch of sort of self-entitled pricks that were just being divas, wanting M&Ms that are colorful, no brown M&Ms. They don't like the way brown M&Ms look. Remember, this was back in the 70s. In 2014, David Lee Roth revealed in an interview that basically what was going on was that uh, Van Halen had to load a bunch of staging and sound equipment, lighting equipment, and that a lot of the time the places that they were going to weren't designed to accommodate rock bands of that scale. They didn't have the guidelines or the building codes or whatever. There were potential for the floor to to collapse, um, for beams to form, people to get knocked over. You know, fans could get hurt. People in the crew could get fucked over. This is the reason why these contracts and these writers are specific about measurements, the size of the things, the cords, the safety, so that there's no fires, no hazards, or anything like that. So what Van Halen would do was to guarantee that the promoter had read every single word in the fucking contract was they would put no brown M&Ms. It was considered a canary in a coal mine because it would indicate that there were fucking... If you found brown M&Ms in your dressing room, it would mean that the guy who signed your contract didn't actually read your contract. So who knows what other shit would happen. So essentially, whenever Van Halen would find brown M&Ms backstage, they would immediately do a full check of everything. That's inspecting the sound, the audio, the lighting, the stage, making sure that there was nothing else. David Lee Roth would also, and the rest of the band, they would get together and they would fuck up the whole dressing room. And that was to prove a point. Back in the 70s, though, it looked like a bunch of fucking rock stars demanding no brown M&Ms and then when they found brown M&Ms destroying the whole fucking dressing room as a bunch of babies but what it really was was a bunch of people saying no brown M&Ms in their contract as a precaution to test the promoter to see if they fucking read that contract fully and if they found brown M&Ms their mentality was well if the motherfucker left brown M&Ms what else did he fuck up did he check the lighting is there going to be a fire were there any safety precautions so then they would fuck up the stage because at that point their thinking was we're never going to deal with this asshole again he didn't actually read the fucking contract so for years They kept that secret and they allow people to think that they were just a bunch of pricks when really they were looking out for everyone. Who knows what lives Van Halen saved by making sure that they put no brown M&Ms in their fucking contract? Because thanks to that, it was always a sign that they could use when people weren't paying attention to what they were saying. That's an Easter egg. And just for the record, wrote it down. No brown M&Ms. You got to listen to the whole episode to know why is that. It came full circle. (sighs) Ah, Crazy, right? You know, I feel this because at least I was a little in the ball field, but just not. Cl- I was like on the very edge. I used to know that was a specific story, but that's pretty fucking nuts. Man. Yeah. The no brown M&M contract clause, it was to protect everyone. We need a clause like that in talk once every time somebody tries to join up. Thank you for the follow. I'm Santi on Facebook. I'm trying to keep everything down at the same time. You- we have such a disorganized yet organized 
show. I've always kind right of felt it's like organized chaos. It's organized in the sense that whenever we choose to, we can go off program. And then whenever we choose to and get bored, we can go right back to the program. But disorganized in the sense that that means who knows when the fuck it'll end. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, organized chaos. <laughs> it's be- it's condensed perfectly, but it's fucking clown shoes. <laughs> you know what? I used to feel bad about it and be like, man, I hate that these shows are so long. People must think they were crazy. But then I realized, you know what? And first of all, not to sound like a brat, but it's it's all our shit bought and built from the ground up if you don't know what it feels like for there to be nothing and then for you to create something in its place don't talk shit and the second thing is because we're so busy doing this i don't really have the time to look at other podcasts as much as i'd like to anymore but because of research i had to check out pat mcafee's today and you know what not for nothing but he does a weekly show every week just like us and it's just as long three and a half four hours very casually you know, it's not that most people, if you're, if you're listening to podcasts and you're going three, four hours, maybe you don't understand podcasts. It's supposed to sort That's of be like time. just a hangout That's session. You know? Somebody tried to make fun of us for having six, seven hours worth of shows. And I was like, you know, when it's six, I mean, we, we did a show a couple of weeks ago that went running six hours. I told some coworkers at work about that. And he was like, well, how do you guys do six hours? And it was like, cause there was six hours worth of shit to talk about. And like I said, that's very rare. Normally we're about Pat McAfee size. It's about three and a half, four hours. Yeah. I never once heard anybody define Pat McAfee as a long show. It's just a show. And what about all those daytime shows and shit? Or even the the late night shows? Whether you go to daytime or late night, all of them pretty long. Yeah. Some long ass shows out there. Or what if you go to to Sabato Gigante on fucking the Spanish channel? That shit lasts forever. It never ends. It's still going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) You be reaching for some of these, man. Holy shit. Yeah, I know, right? Get back to the talk. You fucks didn't even talk about the CM Punk part of this thing yet. I should get the thing. Yeah, so Daniel Bryan sounds like he's in, man. They, they, they're taking him out of the game. You know? Like, if that doesn't sound into you, like, if that doesn't sound into you, I don't know what would. I want to say I've been hearing that game was looking like it might be coming September or October, so. Well, we will see. hope the hair actually moves this time. And that brings us over to Punk. Philip J. Brooks. Mm-hmm. I got to throw his whole government out there. I'm sorry, punk. Chick Magnet Punk. Or Chicago Bay Punk, whichever one you believe. Or none of the above. Uh, so apparently a whole bunch of news came out. Like last week, they were in talks for certain dates, according to Melser. WWE, they already spoke to somebody inside WWE. They're under the impression that punk is AEW bound. WWE has zero interest whatsoever in doing anything with Punk. They they didn't care. It's not like with Daniel Bryan or with anybody else. Like, let's just say that CM Punk wasn't doing this and there was an opportunity for them to get him. The word going around is that they wouldn't. They they simply wouldn't. The answer is no. It's very interesting, and I've always found that very interesting, that there seems to be this the one thing that CM Punk and WWE are able to agree on is that they don't want anything to do with one another. Well, who do you think's influence within WWE is the reason why specifically Punk, out of all the things that you've seen, that guy, it seems like they just don't want him back. It doesn't. They, this isn't even a money thing because obviously they make money. They don't want him back. What do you think? Who who do you think is the person yeah. out of everybody? Because obviously he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Who did he rub the wrongest that it looks like that door's completely fucking done? You know, you know because the funny he ain't. Thing about it is he stays his red my mind on that one. I feel like because of that last interaction 
and the fact that he said, I don't need to wrestle you, you need to wrestle me, I feel like Triple H has to have some kind of a hand in it. Because that's not, not like a comment you just let slide. Yeah, they don't, because that seems that I've never seen such a closed door before, like not in years, you know? And it's like when you really look at it, all of the doors that we thought were going to be closed forever all opened through over the years, all time and wounds healed. But this, when you really, when you really look at it, think about all the things that you never thought that you would see in your life. Hogan in WWE. I never thought that I would see Hogan as long as I fucking lived ever again after that NWO shit. Like once that blew Warrior up, when I thought Warrior is another one. Hogan and Warrior, when they left, I thought they will never. Hogan more just because of how big the NWO thing blew up where it was like, yo, they'll never after this. Look what they, the whole company pretty much put. Like when we go back and look at Nitro, not even, I wasn't even called Nitro. Go back and look at World Class before the NWO. You, it's almost amazing. I was watching, I t- tweeted that I was watching it the other day, one of the pay-per-views. It's amazing to think of what they used to be post and pre-NWO. So I thought Hogan could never come back. He fucked up. Basically helped with the Monday Night Wars. There were so many people. I thought that uh, Bruno San Martino, that was another guy who I thought there was just like, this guy's never going to fucking deal with them again. You know, if you look at a lot of the people Jared. that are in the Hall of Fame. Hmm? Saying, oh, Jeff Jarrett. After, oh, dude, that was the one they where it was like. called him on live television. It was kind of like, no matter how that story is told, it always sounds to me like Jeff Jarrett refusing to go on a pay-per-view until they gave him a whole bunch of money. You know what I'm saying? And he's back, you know? Again, the NWO guys were all able to come back. So many, look at, I mean, Eric Bischoff hugged Vince McMahon on, on Raw. On Raw, you know? I never thought that they would exist in the same fucking time and place in my lifetime, let alone under the same umbrella. Bret Hart came back. Bret Hart was another one. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels being in the same ring and nobody dead. I wouldn't have even given that a chance. Even if I was there and I was they in charge hugged. and the two of them hugged backstage first and they both promised and it seemed really good, I would never have trusted it, no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. It could have been, he could have, he could have made one of them the godfather of a fucking child. I wouldn't have trusted them in the world. I would have felt like this whole thing is an elaborate scheme just so that one can get the other when they're on television. I would have never believed it. I would have had to put collars on them like fucking mutants to make sure that there was no way that one would kill the other. And those guys hugged and they made up. It may not be great. Brett still seems salty. But I literally thought if he ever saw Sean again, he would fuck him up no matter how much time went by. I thought he hit him on his kneecap with his cane if they were if they were senior citizens and came across each other. Those, those fences were mended. CM Punk does not seem like him and WWE will ever be all right. Ever. There were there there was those allegations allegedly, and I will say that 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 fucking macho fuck Stephanie. We don't know the validity of it. There's been no proof, but he he would sooner if it was confirmed be allowed back before CM Punk. We'll probably see Steiner back before we see Punk. Bagwell, Virgil, no, Kennedy. Kennedy. You know? <laughs> Think about it. How low can we go, Snitsky? <laughs> That's the kind of trolling that I would do if I if I had a company like WWE. Like when Bobby Lashley says who's next, I'd have Snitsky come out. It wasn't my fault. And I would demand, and it would be awkward for them, I'd apologize later, but I would demand 
than my commentators mark out. Just to add to the general heat in the area. <laughs> it's Nepsky! <laughs> Can you believe? Like, I'd have the mark like it's unbelievable the jobs would depend on that shit because i would just want to create like a general frustration in the world you know because no one you know when i when i want people when 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 people go why the fuck did that happen i really want to make them go why the fuck did that happen like to a point of rage <laughs> you go snisky i'll lower the fucking bar i'll go biker chuck palumbo Who is it that one of them? You will remember me. I feel like one of them is dead, right? Is it Sean O'Hara? Yeah, Sean O'Hara died. Yeah, that sucks. Remember Palumbo and O'Hara? That was like the only tag team that we acquired from WCW. Yeah. That goes to show what bad shape they were in before they fucking merged that. That, that was the tag team champion, Palumbo and O'Hara. <laughs> you know, and then we got, oh yeah, that's right. They, he did become Chuck and Billy. Didn't O'Hara start hanging out with Piper? Yeah, um... When they repackaged him, he uh, Piper was managing them, and that's when they were feuding with uh, Zach Gowan and Hulk Hogan, aka Mister America, at that time. Yeah, see what I mean? Never say never to anything in WWE except Punk. Ooh, that's what I'll do. They'll ask who come back. I'll bring Zach Gowan. Have him hop on over, right? You know, what's so funny. I watched that interview. Um, he did. It might have been with Van Vliet. And he talked about uh, the night oh, Lesnar opened him up. He he apparently said. The only thing she didn't know about was the blood. And if you watch closely when it's carried out on the stretcher, she's giving him shit like, you didn't tell me about the blood. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> yeah, Zach, right, Zach, Zach Gowan, though, that would be like a little bit unrealistic, though, just because of the fact that you got to think about when he first debuted. And it's already 2021, man. Like, by now, they must have given him mechanical parts like a cast from Fantasy Star, right? Nah. Like, he wouldn't be one-legged. He would have like a robot leg. Oh, no, that it's the future now, man. He got that Bluetooth leg. This man just came on here on podcast radio and say a Bluetooth leg. The insiguri leg. Remember he kicks the you with the, with the, the remember he kicks you with his bionic leg. I just remember the, all kind of like fucking what was it Chris Mendez used to do in fucking TNA. Yeah, was who was shit it? Because the leg never straightened or bend out when he needed to. Well, who was it about the forearm? The, the bionic forearm? The metal forearm? That wasn't, I'm that, that wasn't, that wasn't Cowboy Ball, I don't think. That was just a cast. I know Brandy had the bionic shoulder and it. Was it? I feel like it was. I don't remember who it was who actually had it. No one. Someone's gonna message me tomorrow. Watch several people message me and say who it was. Why am I brain farting on that? Anyway, they're angry because we segued so far away from CM Punk going to AEW, which yeah, is what right. WWE believes, and the bridge burning that was caused probably by his relationship with Triple H, which is something that I definitely agree to. Because Vince doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I think he would make up with anybody. I've seen it. He makes up with anybody. I heard Macho Man punched him once. <laughs> I seen Brett spit on him. And guess and what? I didn't see Brett. I didn't see Brett punch him too. But I also heard and saw afterward what looked like Brett punched him. <laughs> you know, so he came so out of the room and he was wobbling. He came out of the room rocked. Yeah, so he forgives a lot of stuff. Not and, punk. And, and, and just because people have been memeing the shit out of it, if you look closely, you can see Joe Rogan coming around the corner. Oh man, he's hurt. That's what we need. That that's what we need. Whoever, that drop. Whoever, he's hurt. Whoever made that meme? You ain't shit. Your family ain't shit. You <laughs> and uh, there's more breadcrumbs out there that this is happening. Some big ones. Ones like this. If you look at this, this is the band in Living Color. For those who don't know, Living Color, one of their biggest hits, with CM Punk's theme, Cult of Personality. They followed AEW. They also followed Joe Biden, which means that Joe Biden 
if you look at this literally it's on our screen Joe Biden and AEW are the last two people that means that Joe Biden's probably also all elite oh my you still you see on her thing it says lifelong educator military mother grandmother sister wife to Joe Biden and then after where it says the period after Biden it's going to be comma all in <laughs> too sweet me that's the next pay-per-view all out too sweet me Joe <laughs> Oh my God, yo! See, not, God damn it! Here not come the conspiracy theories. A situation where I will never get my reality of watching Joe Biden two tweet somebody. I think he will. You can get him too. You get one I'm of the both show up at the White House. You can do it. I'm not going to rule out somebody get. I'll do a giveaway. I don't even know what it'll be. If somebody can get Joe Biden to two tweet them on the internet, even just over just a screenshot him two tweeting. Fucking, I'll give you something. I promise. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I had somebody two tweet me at the drive through at work. It, it can happen. All right. Were you wearing a wrestling shirt? No. No, really? I was. Wow. I just happened to notice it. Oh, you see, but somebody, you see, when it's a shirt, it's easy to too sweet when there's a shirt involved. Wait, wait, wait what did I think of? I, I think it was, it, was, it was a whole Marty, it was a Marty Scroll shirt, too. That was the funny part. Like, I, was, I was like, ooh, Marty Scroll. He goes, yep, too sweet. And I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. That was so bad. One of my poor co workers goes, is that a gang? And I was like, no, no, I'll break it. <laughs> He's lucky he was in the right side of, side of town, you know? Hanging out with you, he gets a too sweet. Wearing Marty Scroll shirt, certain parts of time he get a too young. Oh my god! <laughs> At least according to. <laughs> wow. Too young, me bro. Yeah. Oh my god! It was a different time. A different place. But yeah, it's kind of funny. I, like when I when when I saw that dude, I was so excited because that that's one of my favorite fucking bands. Like that. When I first started really doing karaoke, Cold Approach and Island was the first thing I did. Yes, I do karaoke. Judge me. But, uh, yeah. But to, to me, that indicates, uh, and you know Tony Khan, he loves buying music for his guys. You think he won't buy Cold Personality? Bitch, are you crazy? Of course he will. He and probably you know already did. You know what the funny thing about it is? Without even me jumping the gun and just assuming when he shows up, if I was Tony Khan, I'd give him the original version. Because the only issue I ever had with WWE is that they c- cut out the beginning. The beginning is one of my favorite parts. Yeah, but it's a really long beginning, you know? Yeah. But I feel like for the sake of... Because I guess if, if they're doing this, I know um, I, I had listened to that Soul Monster link you had upset me. The plan might be to have him because All Out's going to be in Chicago. I feel like if even if they only did it that one time... I feel like that beginning, the roar that Chicago crowd would get, because anybody who's ever know, who knows anything about Living Color knows the intro of that song. So I yes. feel like you get like a road warrior pop with, with, when, when that um when that hits on those loudspeakers. Hmm. I mean, it couldn't hurt. It's kind of like Omega though, the way he uses the dramatic version in Impact, but then in in, T, in almost a TNA and AEW, he he doesn't. Yeah, they yeah they originally used to have him, but yeah, now they just shortened it up. But I guess it's for the sake of, which is why I actually work out, it's for the sake of the big matches where he'll use a longer one. And I guess for his first appearance, I would almost say it'd be a smarter move to use the full version of Cult of Personality. Yeah, I mean, it depends on exactly how it is that they're planning on debuting the guy, too, you know? Yeah, because that's, that's up completely up in the air. Because, I mean, what, All Out Weekend, they have three shows in Chicago. So, like, that's three different places he show up but that's also cool because that gives that makes it to where everybody's gonna pretty much try to at least tune into all three shows yeah which that's what we're hearing we're he- the one where he shows up yeah but we're hearing it most likely well, we're hearing a couple of things apparently because let's not forget so much damn information here 
But apparently, the original plan was for Daniel Bryan to debut at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in the show they're going to do out here in Queens. That's the final thing that we can confirm. As of as of a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer, Daniel Bryan was penciled in for that Arthur Ashe debut, which makes sense if CM Punk does a Chicago debut because you have All Out happening in Chicago, which I think that's going to be where it is. But the difference is now that, like, you know, the speculation that because CM Punk's debuting in Chicago, maybe Daniel Bryan will no longer debut at that Dynamite in Queens and Arthur Ashe because that's sort of having the two guys sort of change his plans around. It's still very possible that Daniel Bryan's debut would be at Arthur Ashe, but the consensus going around is that, like, no matter where they debut, they're guaranteed to be at that Dynamite in Queens. But the only thing that might shift is the fact that maybe both of them, I'm assuming, could debut before that in Chicago. Or maybe they would keep it the same. And it would be CM Punk for Chicago so that they have two big things and then something big for New York. But the point being, since the CM Punk thing wasn't planned from the beginning, that's apparently what's sort of changing things around. So there's still dates are still up in the air. Um... CM Punk is sort of taking advantage of this, though, because he's been fucking around on Twitter. He followed AEW, then he followed Shayna Baszler, then he then he unblocked WWE and followed them, then he followed Tony Khan, then he followed Vince McMahon. So it's starting to look like CM Punk is just fucking around his Twitter account to just get a lot of the marks to just look at it and just make them go crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Which he's done before. <laughs> That's the funny part about it. But according to, uh, to Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, he says that he's confirmed that CM Punk is 100% going to appear at AEW in Chicago. We don't know which Chicago, like you pointed out, but we do know that he's going to appear at Chicago. So, uh, and apparently with this news, it sort of changed everything. You got to sort of take everything that I've said before about tickets and prices and everything, and you can just crumple that shit up and throw it all out the window now because gone are those. And uh, once the punk rumor started, all of those prices boosted up. As, as far as the all-out pay-per-view now, the quote-unquote get-in price is now $141. 18% increase since the news of CM Punk has come out. So you could pretty much guarantee that any tickets you were looking at before this weekend, whatever the prices were, jumped up additional 18 to 20% as just the get-in price. When it comes to the secondary market right now, hot tickets, all out September 5th, has an $141 get-in price, like we were saying. But uh, the September 8th AEW in Cincinnati has an $118 get-in price because that's John Moxley's hometown. But, and maybe it's because people haven't put two and two together yet, or maybe it's because the plan changed. As of this writing, which could change by morning, the get-in price for the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens it's still only at $43, despite the report of Daniel Bryan's potential debut. But they have sold 17,000 tickets, but there's a lot more out there. But all of the good seats sold out almost instantly, according to reports. So like you mentioned, I think you were the one who said that they have block seats or something, right? Yeah, they had originally had some seats that were all blocked off. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, the tickets, the ticket sales and everything are in a in a state of crazy flux right now because of this. 
Um, and it's not just this. Wrestling across the world at this point has a huge ticket sale boost. According to WrestleTix, um, John Cena's involvement with WWE boosted their ticket sales. And uh, I think we actually, do we have a photo of that? I don't want to jump too far because we're still going to stick with Danny Bryan. But let me see if we have this. Yeah, everybody's shit going up. Good Lord. Yeah, because we actually have a chart for this one here. If you want to take a look at the chart I'm bringing up on screen now. This is the ticket sale we increase in regards. Yeah, we do have chart. How fancy, right? This is the summer of Cena. Coming up. The first seven shows. And when you can look at it here, this is the margin Fuck. increase. Cleveland, Ohio went up. Look at that. They went from 8,700 to 9,400. Uh, over in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they went from 6,442 to 7,226. Louisville, Kentucky, they went from 3,835 to 4,532. Uh, oh, 4,532. And then what do we have? Kansas City, Missouri, is that? Yep, went from 5,348 all the way to 7,020. So you can see on here in general that these ticket sales are being significantly boosted. You know, good lord. So WWE, they're also getting a bit of an advantage here as well. So again, across the board, you got wild ass tickets right now. You got rumors. Every company, every company is doing something crazy right now with the way that you look at it. And uh, but this this CM Punk thing, this will definitely be a big deal. You know, like both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, that's a game changer. Yeah, and for anybody that was wondering about Thunder Rosa, like apparently Tony Khan just bought out her NWA contract. Yeah, which oh, yeah. she she is all elite now. That opens the door for a lot of crazy shit, though. Not for nothing. Like that's Pandora's box that Tony did there. He he tapped into something he probably shouldn't have because it just leaves open for interpretation. What other company would uh? be willing to do that what if Vince decides he wanted to buy somebody's contract you know what I mean anybody could do that then if Tony Khan could take someone who's on the contract and just buy the whole contract you know yeah it's an interesting little ball to play with it's weird because Fightful Select was reporting that Tony Khan is careful not to court tampering with contracts but how do you do that how do you buy a contract without really doing that you know yeah you'd have to know what you're buying right I guess, yeah, and in this case, with as much as we've seen Thunder Rosa on uh, on, you know, on just AEW in general, because even after the feud with Britt Baker, and she was still wrestling on Dark and Elevation, so. Yeah. You know, she's never really fully gone away, so. Mm-hmm. Well, Kenny Omega did speak on Wrestling Observer, and he did give a bit of feedback in regards to uh, what he thinks of CM Punk, if, if, of Daniel Bryan, uh, and CM Punk wind up joining AEW. So I got that clip, and I'll link you guys in the chat room. Now, one thing, because mm-hmm. it's obviously what everybody's talking about in wrestling this week, and, and that's the the perhaps whatever of what CM could Punk. could it be? Daniel yeah. Bryan. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I thought you were going, but I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe you're going to surprise <laughs> this one. But yeah, no, yeah, we've, heard, we've heard the ramblings, absolutely. So, so in theory, uh, if they're if they're coming if they're coming in, one if uh-huh. not both, and probably both. I mean, okay. the matches with, with you know, for, from your standpoint, those matches are the obvious matches. You're the top guy, and even even if you're if, whether you're champion or not champion, whenever they, whenever these guys show up, if they show up, you know, whatever the story is, 
the bottom line is is that you and and Dan, Brian Danielson is like a dream match to a lot a lot of wrestling fans, and and you and Punk would be in a very different way, but it's still. You know, it's still one of those matches where, you know, five years ago and everything, it's like something or, you know, where people will go, oh, my God. You know, it's one of those matches that it will never happen. Wouldn't it be great, but it will never happen. And now right. there's, you know, I mean, it, it's it's funny because of all the matches, if, if that match is to happen, the Danielson match or the mm-hmm. Punk match, I feel like it's in some ways like the first Jericho match at the Tokyo Dome where, it's it's gonna cause and maybe the maybe the the first Moxley match I think had some of this too. Um, but oh, that's true. It's one yeah, of those, it really did. Yeah, yeah, but it's one of those things where Ooh, it's it, yeah, it's it's like yeah, the, the buzz, but just the the dream match thing, you know, like you've watched yeah. these guys for years and years, you never thought they would ever cross paths, and now whatever. I mean, is that like from your standpoint, if this stuff is to mm-hmm. happen, either or both? I mean, what are your kind of thoughts on those two guys? I mean, like you said, they're two very different athletes, two very different performers. Um, I respect both in very well, similar, but also different ways. I mean, Danielson, um, I still call him Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan. Um, I, I am always, I always knew that he was incredibly intelligent. He is ridiculously smart, especially as it relates to professional wrestling and for him to kind of create a movement, an actual legitimate movement with the yes movement and all that, you know, Oops, sorry. I think I screwed up my audio, my own audio there. I'm sorry. Oh God. No. Yeah. They're like, we were listening to Omega. I hit the wrong How thing. How dare you, you bastard. How dare yeah, you cut off me. Kenny? Bye, now, God, one thing know. stuff is to happen mm-hmm. either or both yeah, legitimate movement about... with the yes movement and all that, you know, for him to come up with that, he created it. Um, and I, there's no, absolutely no way. And you could find written documented evidence saying that, Oh, we always plan to have you have your WrestleMania moment, be the champion. I wouldn't believe it. Even if I saw it in front of my face, I don't think that was ever the plan, but he made it the plan because he's just that smart. Right. And right. Oh, did. absolutely. From his standpoint. Yes. It was never the plan. And he made it. Yeah. No, yeah. there's no way it was, but he was able kind of turn everything around and, and emerge as a mega star because he is smart enough in a, in a wrestling sense, in a business sense. Uh, and just like in ROH, how he was able to have those fans in the palm of his hand, he's able to have the entire WWE universe in the palm of his hand with one word. Um, I love no the matter, Omega said WWE universe. And really the only other person I can think of that did that was, was maybe Austin was the what, you know what I mean? There's really no, nobody else I can think of who had that much power with one word and, um, you know, wrestling ability, of course, it's second to none. One of the, uh, most crisp, one of the, uh, most technically sound athletes to ever step foot in the ring, especially in the current age. And, um, you know, CM Punk, a, a guy who's just has, again, he probably has a different line of thinking than, than your current day performer, the average performer. Um, and he has this incredible reputation, um, of some of the, he has, and he has fans to this day who would fall into the ends of the earth, a very dedicated fan base. And that fan base believes that he is the best in the world and will be the best until the end of time. And if you're able to have people like that follow your career so passionately, you probably have something very special about you. 
And it just goes to show you that the way that he prevent, presented himself and the way that he spoke about himself, the way that he spoke to his opponents, how he performed in the ring, um, entrance music, um, his image, it was all very meticulous and he was very intelligent about how we, how we went about it. Um, two extremely intelligent people who found a way to sort of, I don't want to say cheat the system, but it was, it was a system that was not created for them there. And they're able to break every ceiling that was placed in front of them and emerge as an actual legend that will never be forgotten. Um, so it's, it's cool for me to think that I, I'm going to be able to get in the ring with these two possibly, but I think, you know, because they were so prominent in the WWE and a lot of that is featured with segments, angles, character work, you know, for me, as exciting as the wrestling part is, the ability to tell a story is more exciting for me. Hey, if you're a big fan of wrestling and your thoughts on that, uh-huh. I, I couldn't agree more with them. I mean, you know, that's another thing I didn't think about. Yeah. Like the yes chant was his what chant, I guess from making me the fans. It was something he gave. He's something he put onto himself. And the fans just adapted with it and they carried it to everything else. The yes chant was always his what chant. I always felt that everybody felt that way. I'm going to link you guys yeah. to that, by the way. I guess it's one of the things where I always felt it, but I never actually took time and thought about it. But yeah, but I do like, first of all, I like that he was very careful to say on whether they signed or not. Because I figure if he know if anybody knew by now, he'd be one of the people. But uh, yeah, that's one of the coolest things about the potential of these two showing up. It's not just hey, we got Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. It's kind of like uh, Meltzer alluded to, the fact that we all, when Jericho showed up in New Japan, that was a match we never thought we were going to see. How many times are we going to get that with both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk now? Quite a few times, for sure. Like, there's, there's some people here that they've faced before. There's some people here they've never faced. So it adds a massive element for AEW if they can grab the both of them. It was like I think I told you when we talked off air a little bit. Just them getting one of them is massive. If they get both, that is a game changer. Yeah, that is definitely special. These are huge acquisitions. I haven't really given my opinion as far as it goes yet, and I probably should. I'm so busy reporting all the information. But yeah, um, this is actually, I wish they would have... Uh, not made such a big deal out of all those other acquisitions because this is actually the acquisitions that they would need to put them on the map. Like, this is their Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. You know what I mean? Like, this this is something that could spawn something really big. And the fact that WWE asked them not to put Daniel Bryan into the upcoming WWE 2K22 game is very telling of their thought process because they don't want somebody that influential that's promoting another brand to be accessible you got to think about their their way of thinking and then apply it towards other things and the thing about them is that a lot of the time to justify their unjustifiable actions they'll use and expose their actual way of thinking about things and uh, a good example of this is when triple h said that the main reason why china wasn't in the hall of fame is because he doesn't want people to google her and then when they look her up they're gonna see other places she's worked right right that logic has to apply across the board then Logic has to be universal, otherwise it's not logic. The very definition of logic is that it could be applied across the board. Once that rule is broken, it's no longer applicable as logic. So if Triple H is saying that he doesn't want one superstar to be Googleable by his company, then what makes us think he would want another one? 
And it may not be for the same reason, but the point being, you got to think you're giving Daniel Bryan exposure while he's going to be the top guy in the competition. It's smart business when you really think about it. This is true. But the point being, it's a big enough deal that they would do that. Like, they didn't, I bet they didn't say that you can't put Malachi Black in the other game. They don't give a fuck. You're, right. I, bet Mur- I bet Murphy could still be in it. They don't care if Zack Ryder's there. You know what I mean? JTG's probably in that shit. They don't give a fuck. You know what Where's I mean? The they have to think that you're really highly influential for them to make a preemptive mood. Like, look, get this guy out of the game. Which, to me, indicates that they knew ahead of time where he's going. Maybe out of respect, he told them. Why wouldn't he? Danny Bryan doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who was in a position where they had him by the balls enough that he would have to be quiet about his moves the way other people have had to do and then silently get out of the company. He was in a really good position. He was smart about his contracts. He had a lot of creative control. He made sure to give himself an out when he came back because he wanted to be able to be with his kids and his family and shit. And there were a lot of times that we heard him on Talking Smack and it just didn't sound like the kind of guy who wouldn't just honestly tell them that he's going to a freaking AEW. Like, I don't think he'd have any problem saying it. Right. So I think that maybe he walked right into Vince's office and said, hey, I'm going to be going to AEW. Yeah. They probably don't like it. Come on, pal. I'll owe you one. No, thanks. But look, I just just something I want to do. And apparently part of the deal and part of what sweetened the deal was the fact that he gets to work in New Japan, which means that you're going to see Daniel Bryan working with people like Okada. And Naito. Maybe even Abushi, who also, I know you heard of about him, uh, get well soon, Abushi. Yeah, he had pneumonia, right? Yes, yeah, so, so it's a certain type of pneumonia. So he was gonna As, asphyxiation the- pneumonia, I believe I read some. I don't have the story in front of me, but I feel like I read yeah, today. Kota Abushi, asphyxiation pneumonia. They originally mistakenly COVID, then they sent out an apology release confirming that it was asphyxiation pneumonia, I think. So, yeah, definitely get well soon, Kota Abushi. But see, yes. that would be a like like that's a that's a Wrestle Kingdom main event right there, Abushi and Daniel Bryan. Right. Yeah, of course. But that's what I mean. Can you imagine Daniel Bryan in New Japan? It's gonna be great, man. They got him. They got us closer to the to the promised land, even with this AEW stuff. Yeah, and that's one of the things with AEW. Like they'll let you go to other places because first of all, it's just better for them. And two, it gets them as much exposure and then gets other people exposure. It works both ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas sure WWE does. is just like, hey, we're going to put our, your stuff on our network. Oh, do I get to wrestle on Raw? Nah. But we're going to put our stuff, your stuff, on our network. So Mark Henry on Busted Open Radio had this to say, which I'll link the you to. The best thing that could happen for pro wrestling right now, as I see it, Mark, is, is by 2022 on TV. And this is an actual possibility that we see CM Punk, Daniel Bryan and AEW. And then with like Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, MJF, and the list goes on and on. Mark, by the time 2022 rolls around, the landscape of professional wrestling could be unlike anything that an entire generation has seen. I have right. absolutely no clue about anything that's going on, and I don't want to. I don't want to know. Why would you? Because I'm still. I'm even though I work for the company, I'm not working in the planning. I'm working in the building of the company, and that's where I'm going to keep my my head. How to make the community of pro wrestling love AEW more, how to make the talent 
inspire and study to be better than they are. To not get caught up in the politics of pro wrestling, but understand the process of pro wrestling. That's what my job is. So I creativity, organizing the, the, the show plans, that's on AEW. I'll reinforce what they want, but I'm not one of the people that's that's orchestrating it. And well, that's 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 where that is. Like I I want to be a fan. I want to just like everybody else, when they find out is when I want to know. <laughs> when 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 wrestling writes it in real action and everybody finds out, that's when I want to find out. And the guy makes a good point like this, like it's just got spoiled super, super early. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows um, there's no such thing as a, as a secret anymore in this company. You know, yeah. it leaked all you over the damn place. Happen and nobody knows it's going to happen. You know what I mean? That's just the way that things are now. Like it can't really be helped. Apparently Mark Henry and Big Show still being as old school as they are. Uh, we never got to play it on here. Maybe next week we have time because we are late. But uh, they actually both were just lying to each other about both going to AEW. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, both... we're hearing about that, and it's like it's good to do it that way because I'm kind of right there with Mark. Like when it comes to certain people showing up, I almost don't even want to know if there's somebody showing up. But as but as a podcaster, it creates great content to have that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, so it's a double edged sword because it's like on one hand you don't want to know what's happening, but on the other hand you know what's happening and you want to be able to tell somebody about it. Yeah, so it's like it, it's so it's the constant struggle of knowing whether or not you want to find out about an appearance or a debut before, like through dirt cheats or through rumors or through the rumor, or you'd like it to just be like a complete and total shock. Right, but I will say in some cases there's sometimes in this might even be one of them especially for punk coming home in chicago there's some cases where even knowing sometimes doesn't soil the pop like there's knowing that's going to happen and then there's the moment it happens if there were ever a time for it to start off being teased and there being a rumor mill it's with daniel bryan and cm punk like i don't think you would want to waste the ratings and the potential that you could get with that having them just suddenly come out i think christian should have just suddenly come out Big Show should suddenly come out. Mark Henry, all these guys should have just suddenly come out, except CM Punk this, and Daniel This is Ryan. one you build up to. Yeah, now's the time for building, and they already did. I mean, it's all over the damn place. Yeah, because at this point now, especially with those Chicago shows, nobody in their right mind is going to miss that show because they don't want to miss when those guys come out. But are they going to utilize them properly? It's not exactly like everything's been perfect in AEW. There's a lot of imbalances there and a lot of guys that have showed up, including the damn founders and vice presidents, haven't been used the way that we want. Like if we were to give AEW a quick analysis, because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but from the top to the bottom, how many people are the way we wanted them to be? Like if you were to really look at booking just from a creative standpoint, this is probably not the best Kenny Omega that we've ever seen. Definitely not the best Young Bucks that we've ever seen. Um, who have we seen at their best here? Like in AEW, what are examples of people who are better now than they were before that we've seen the best of them here? Ooh, that is a very tough question. I'd say 
I almost want to say Moxley with that world title run he had, but like it felt like more of a meaningful one than when um he was WWE champion. But do you really feel like AEW John Moxley is is bigger and had more notoriety than the Shield Dean Ambrose WWE champion? Oh, see that's a tough one because I feel like he he got to ride a lot longer with the AEW championship. Oh man, it's a, see that's a tough one for me. Because while I did enjoy being a WWE champion, there were some things where I'm just like, why the fuck are we doing this? Like the whole, we all hear about it a thousand times, the whole leaving the belt in the cab thing. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, why do we have that versus when we had John Moxley, where it's like, you wonder if the thing ever even left the site. So. Yeah, but you see what I mean? There's not many examples of things being better here, though, than they were there for anyone who's who's jumped over yet. Miro's not a good example, right? Yeah, he's just now starting to kind of hit some kind of a stride, but he's still not better than what he was yet. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Brody Lee, Stasis brought Brody Lee up as a name. There's someone who we saw the best of here versus in WWE. It's true. But then I guess it's also partially because he did get the opportunity to be more than just that guy who was in the Wyatts. Have we seen a better Cody Rhodes here than we've seen in WWE? Oh, yeah, definitely a better Cody. <laughs> like, cause, but yeah, we had Cody had... A couple of runs with the Intercontinental title, and he had, of course, some of his um, more noted feuds, like stuff with his brother, uh, the Big Show feud, with the Sandow stuff. But it almost feels like they put it on more of a higher scale here in AEW. But then again, he also did kind of handicap himself with the whole thing about the World Championship. But at the same time, in WWE, he was never going to get anywhere near that World Championship the way they did things. But at the same time, a lot of these guys... Like Cody, you didn't see the best of him in WWE, but you also didn't see the best of him in AEW either. I think the best Cody was in Ring of Honor New Japan. A lot of these yeah, guys, that, the best yeah, version of them was Ring of Honor New Japan. Neither company got it right. So I can't say for certain they'll get it right with, with Brian Danielson or with CM Punk. The only thing we could say is obviously they'll have some creative input and that uh, at least it opens up the door for there to be flexibility for them to work with other people. And they're going to do great on pay-per-views. You know the pay. I haven't seen shitty AEW pay per views ever. No, they. they we, the one thing we can always say is they bring it when the pay per view lights are on. Yeah, definitely. Certain things might go haywire here and there, but then again, when I also look at it, if they're giving creative freedom, well, at least a degree of creative control, then at that point it comes down to like what we we have to ask ourselves: what do they even want to do? Because then if they have a level of creative control. It can't the, the blame can't go solely to like oh AEW did this AEW did that. It could also come down to okay apparently Punk wanted to do this or Brian wanted to do that. Yeah, well, let's hope that there's some sort of creative collaboration here that works well because so far I haven't seen many examples of things within where it's been better creatively. That being said, uh, there was an update from WrestleTix about three days ago where uh, they had to open up four new sections for the uh, the Queen's Arthur Ashe show. They sold 16,403 tickets, um, and they opened up additional seating, additional 2,289, with a new capacity of 18,692. 16,403 of those tickets, 88% of them distributed. Four new sections, $25 ticket, 400 plus sold. What a difference a rumor makes. I'll be a real kick in the balls if it all turned out to be bullshit at this point. Wouldn't that be some shit? But no one's denying anything. You know? And Punk and Brian haven't said really much, if anything. Mm-mm. No one's really said anything. 
No one's saying anything at all. All we know about WWE is that they're interested now in bringing back Braun Strowman, which at this point is literally who gives a fuck status. He's been that way for years for me. Like, think about it. I had to, I guarantee right now, nobody remembers that he was Universal Champion, and even less people remember who he beat before I mentioned it. That's going to be their counter to everything going on. Right, like, like Braun, I feel... After Shane called him stupid. He should have been more, but he was just a big guy with a beard. Like I said, this is after Shane called him stupid. Right. Like, Braun was a failed experiment. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and on top of that, if I'm Braun, I'm not fucking going back. That's the problem with a lot of these guys. Like, they'll let you go like that, and then you go back, and it's like, no, make a statement and prove a point. If somebody's going to fire you like that, don't fucking go back. Don't be easily bought. Make them pay for their sins. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, yep, the landscape is changing. The AEW is making some aggressive pushes. Like I mentioned before, Thunder Rosa, that was a big acquisition where Billy Corgan was the one that confirmed that her deal stretched until the end of 2021. Uh, but then this is when Tony Khan decided to just buy out the rest of that deal. Because let's not forget, Billy Corgan's the one that runs the NWA. You got your Billy Corgan in NWA, your Tony Khan in AEW, and WWE on autopilot. No, I'm kidding. All right. Well, speaking of NWA, uh, minor congratulations to Nick Aldis, a.k.a. Mad- Magnus, who has passed over 1,000 days as champion. Can't remember the last, I think Okada might be the last person I've seen hit that marquee with a world championship. 1,000 is a long time for a belt. Who the fuck competes against Magnus in this, uh, in this NWA? I mean, they rotate like it's usually still, it was even before they brought power back. He'd been defending it, I guess, but they, 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 they've been rolling out the challenges for him, I know. So, yes. Yeah, wow. Well. George, even, you know, it, 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 come on now. It, it, Impact needs to get a bigger building before they talk about getting bigger wrestlers. Because, I mean, for God's sakes, fucking the GCW show where fucking Matt Cardona was that had more people than Slammiversary. Like, come on now. That didn't really start bugging me until I watched Slammiversary. And I was like, why are there so few fucking people here? Right. Oh, God. Y'all, y'all need to call. You need to call somebody up there, Jordan, and tell them to get a bigger building. All right, we're gonna do a few flash stories real quick that we're gonna burn through before we. Uh, I don't even know what the hell's gonna happen after that. We're as late as it is, but a couple interesting notes. So, Karrion Cross, when he came out during NXT, the taping about this. This was great. These are the tapings because don't forget NXT happened and then they taped the next two weeks already to run on Sci-Fi. So those are done. Those are in the can. Apparently, during the Karrion Cross intro. All of the fans that are well that are back, welcome back fans in the Capitol Wrestling Center started chanting for Jeff Hardy as he was walking down. Because you know they watched when you jobbed out their champion. And they couldn't get them to stop. So the whole time Karrion Cross was going down the ramp, everybody's chanting for Jeff Hardy. It was like really, really noticeable. So like what they decided to do, and I'm loving this. This is great. I like this again brilliant. I love I love how it's becoming a battle zone right here. So according to a fan fucking quote, this isn't even like a Roman is a quant a fan. So they he says they even lied to us and they said that something special was gonna happen so that we wouldn't leave. A crew member told me that the show wasn't over when we tried to leave and he told us that there was a surprise. So the surprise after they told everybody this was literally just carrying cross coming out and then them reshooting that intro. So that they could then splice it into the beginning of NXT and record over the intro where all of them are chanting Jeff Hardy. So what they did was they had this 
person from the crew go around and tell everybody stick around for a surprise surprise you're just gonna get their intro reshot fuck you and they left <laughs> see <laughs> you know what's so funny about this right they didn't lie technically there was a surprise <laughs> It was so funny about this shit, Rick. You know how they even easily could have avoided this whole situation? No. Not job the NXT champion out to oh, a guy you mean, who's been oh, losing you mean for like, three fucking months. You mean like on a different day how they could have avoided it? But like on that day, no. Like at that point, I don't know. I have to admit, considering the, the whole day, Doug, it was rather clever to just decide, fuck I it. Mean, hey, We're so you, underhanded you that we're just going to lie. Situation, they wouldn't have had Karrion Cross job. Which they just lied. noticed as well when it comes to the main roster, what else they did. Because basically, from what I've been hearing, that thing with Cross losing to Hardy in, by the way, like 100 seconds. Apparently, that was supposed to be a message to NXT. It wasn't that it was a message. According to John Alba, it was reported that at the end of the day, the office, WWE, everybody in the main brand, they look at NXT as developmental. That's just what it is. It doesn't matter what Triple H has been saying about it being the third brand for years. The sources at the top of WWE, they see it as nothing more than a developmental brand. And yeah, it does seem like they've been going out of their way to just show and just make a point of we don't give a fuck one way or the other about this developmental brand or any of the things that are happening. And they seem to be distancing themselves from it as a third brand. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it is a developmental brand and they don't care what the rest of you think. Part of the reason for this, and it was also reported by Mattman, is that uh, they basically said that uh, every single analytic indicator that the company uses shows them that Goldberg is a big draw. And the point that was made was that we may not like him returning, but the majority of WWE fans too. And that the reality is that when it comes to people who are podcasting or that know the difference between like an arm drag and a springboard moonsault, they are the minority when it comes to the numbers in wrestling. You have to remember that the people who understand it at that level of a fundamental are actually shrinking, not growing. And that at the end of the day for WWE to stay alive, they need casual fans because there are way more casual fans for every hardcore fan. There's like four or five casual fans. They triple and quadruple you, if not more so. So really, it's not like WWE is just going, maybe we put Goldberg out there. No, they have a bunch of professionals and analytics and surveys and polls and a bunch of statistics and shit that are done that determine to them where exactly it is that their demographic is and what it is that they're looking for. So at the end of the day, you can't blame them as much. You have to blame the demographic in this case. That is what the fans literally want. And if they didn't want it, they wouldn't do it because it wouldn't make the money. And I know that's not good news, but that's really what it is. It's sad for the state of wrestling. Think about how many people watch Marvel movies, right? But don't really know anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But see, you, you, you think there, there wasn't, you think there were more people that were watching going, oh, the Infinity Gauntlet or people going, oh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Like that, it may sound normal to you or like to me, people, it's a story from fucking decades ago. But to believe that there isn't a good majority of moviegoers out there that don't know, that didn't read comics, that didn't know what the Infinity Gauntlet was, or that there was a fucking gauntlet. Why would you think that? If you didn't speak directly to somebody, what would make you think that? You could literally go your entire life talking to somebody who's a Spider-Man fan, a Deadpool fan, a Punisher fan, a Daredevil fan, a Jessica Jones fan, a Nick Fury fan. And you could go your entire life having hours of conversations with them. And the fucking Infinity Gauntlet would never come up. Think about it. There are things in wrestling that work very similar to that. It's like just, 
you know, just because you know about something doesn't mean that you know. You know how many people don't understand the difference of just basic things in wrestling? They take things for graphic. Even people who understand it on a moderate level don't may not understand it on a hardcore level. You know, like there, there are people who just it's just there's different tiers and it's OK with that. How many times have I seen people see a fucking sunset bomb and call it a Canadian destroyer because they don't know the difference? You know, there's a very close similarity between them. We see doesn't Goldust do like a sunset bomb? And John yeah, Cena also. So basically, yes, yeah, the Code Red because Amazing Red used to do it. And it's basically a sunset flip power bomb. That's a Code Red power bomb. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, people see that shit and think Canadian destroyer. Not realizing that that angle makes a huge difference. Yeah, one one puts you in pile driver position. One puts you in basically freaking uh gut wrench power bomb position in a sense, or sunset flip power bomb position. So, but the point being, no one gives a fuck when they're watching it. The most fans just want to see Goldberg. I know it's gonna hurt you. You're gonna hate hearing that. No, but, you know what the sad part is. It's a reality that I've accepted, but I still hate it, especially because I could justify somebody not knowing the Infinity Gauntlet. I just refuse to understand the concept of a man who can't even hit the two moves he does in a 30-second match, and then everybody's like, that's the fucking guy. But, it's, I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're the minority, so hey, we're, Every, we're never supposed to understand it, unfortunately. Everything is going exactly how it's supposed to go. The only thing that has changed is us. You're smartened up, and now as a smartened up fan, you're going to have a different perception of things. When you really look at it, it wasn't that different. If you went back and you looked at Nitro, and you and you really looked at WCW back in the day, and you really looked at people like Dean Malenko, and you really looked at Eddie Guerrero, or if you really looked at the Steiner brothers or any of these other teams and you watched them, they were wrestling their asses off. And it's no different than watching amazing people like that have incredible matches. You don't think that the Rey Mysterio Juniors and the Eddie Guerreros and the Malenkos and the Benoits of that fucking era were being sort of washed away to the mid-card while ironically... The Goldbergs and the NWO were at the top. And at the time, you don't think that there was that mid-card wrestling that was going on that was amazing. Yet, if you look back at the attitude era, it was still the Goldbergs and the NWO that were really the thing. You know, it's not like they discovered incredible technical wrestling like in the last three or four years and the rest of the shit has always been around. Oh, it's always pretty much been that way. Some of the greats come from these eras where they were completely dominated by guys that can't wrestle for shit. As much as I love the outsiders, tell me what Nash really what does that defines him as that much of a technical wrestler. Is he a good wrestler? Elbow. No, but by, by, by the definition of what makes somebody a wrestler good, he is good because he's over. He's a draw. He, he's a sell. He, you know what I mean? And then he does do the things in the ring, the nuances that make a match work with the selling and with the moves that he does have and with his moveset. But if you're going to talk like what a wrestler is, a, a technical mat wrestler, a ground wrestler, the kind of wrestlers that we're talking about, who the fuck in the NWO had that? Like their top guys were who? Hogan, number one. I mean, the, really, at the end of the day, the, the most technically sound and gifted wrestler that they had in that entire NWO is Scott Hall because he is actually a fantastic <laughs> wrestler. He's a fantastic wrestler, but, and I'm not even going to get into it, but there's a problem where if you're going to make Scott Hall your most technically gifted and sounded wrestler, he have to make sure that he's also of sound body and mind. There's a big problem when everybody you know, underneath you know. him is not as good as Scott Hall. Is Kevin Nash as good as Scott Hall in the ring? Hell no. Is Hogan as good as Scott Hall in the ring? Fuck no. Is Scott Norton as good as... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep going, so I just end the bit there. <laughs> Shortened bit for sh- for short time. So uh, the point being that, yeah, a lot of the time, and you guys aren't going to like it, but fuck, that's where we are. These guys, there's more people out there that know Goldberg. I can't stand this, so I'm not by defending this. I'm just explaining how the numbers are coming out this way because I know a lot of people don't get it. 
it almost seems like bizarre world but that's just because you don't oh boy is there anything else relevant going on here let's have a look and no that's not me typing if you can hear it in the background i never that's never me my keyboard doesn't do that my keyboard just glows you didn't come here with a casio typewriter let's see uh aiden english joining the new japan pro wrestling commentary team good for him uh lana lana added to the cast of surreal life good for her it's gonna include dennis rodman august alcina stormy daniels tamar braxton frankie munez kim coles and manny moa i only know a few of those people is there a name i haven't heard in years good lord i don't even know who the fuck that is Oh, he was like he was a child actor way back in the one of them Disney kids. Yeah, I know Stormy Daniels. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> you know, and I know Dennis Rodman, so there's two there. <laughs> you mean WCW Dennis Rodman? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's true. Look, another person in the in the in the, in the thing, you know, another NWO member. Maybe he'd out wrestle somebody. My God, so I wrestle fucking Goldberg. That's for sure. But now nah, that's a different story. <laughs> But yeah, Stormy Daniels hanging out with CJ Perry. I guess I'm gonna have to tune into the surreal life, <laughs> just in case, you know. Like if you found out that Lana was gonna hang out with Stormy Daniels, would you would you not be somewhat invested? Well, I, I just want to see. Alarm. I just oh, want to see that interaction more than most interactions. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> okay, what can we skip? What can we skip? That's what it's come I down mean, to for the rest of this. Honestly, we kind of hit a lot of the big shit, really. Yeah, we're just going to skip a lot of the nonsense, really. Yeah. Jeff Hardy tested positive for COVID-19 after his match with Karrion Cross, which is the reason why they did not have the rematch that they were supposed to have tonight on Raw. Just a quick FBI before I forget. One of uh, our friends was like, is that Universal Karma? And I was like, that's fucked up. It could be. Nikki Ash is getting booed by the crowds at house shows. Mm-hmm. I mean that's not good. We did. I just. I certainly uh, did not want that for her. But I, mean, I didn't want any of these things that happened. the The sequence of events that have happened to her, whether you think they are good or positive, I don't think were a great idea. Not at all. Like, see, the problem is, is like, I, I think they. I don't think they've accepted yet. They're not in the Thunderdome. You can't just do whatever the fuck you want and pipe in cheers and shit. You know, the last thing I wanted her to do was to run around in a superhero suit with the title getting booed by live fans. And then, you know. of course, what happened to her tonight, too? Oh, God. So, you're going to have to fill me in because I honestly, I watched tonight, but I was still putting the show together. I wasn't fully listening because I was I was clicking so. through podcasts. But but I'm imagining when she came out that, uh, well, was there more bulls? I guess there were. I, mean, I did sort of, oh, no, I did sort was, of hear the bulls. It wasn't, it wasn't the crowd. It was basically that her and Charlotte uh, closed the show tonight and they had a match. Where they're basically doing, I've noticed they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw that, yeah, but I also, I heard booze as well, a little bit, you know? Oh, I, I didn't hear booze, surprisingly, but then again, I was too busy watching the ass whooping, so. Yeah, well. Like, how do you win a title and then get ragdolled in your first match back? You cash in the money in the bank. She, what? It's designed for you to cash in, you know? This is why, you, this, is the, this is where money in the bank kind of backfires, because it shows that there's some people where realistically, they are only going to be a threat if they have that briefcase. I mean, it's like a safety net. Like the second it goes away, then you have to start fighting for your life. Smart booking and wrestling. A lot of the times is you never put the title on somebody who can get over on their own. Tucker recently did an interview where he did explain how one of the reasons why Otis and him never became tag champs is because they were over on their own. 
sometimes the, cannot stand there. Sometimes the titles are used in order to elevate people rather than the people elevating the title. I don't agree with the superhero champion that gets booed by fans. I think if somebody wrote that shit on a piece of paper, I would have thrown it at their forehead. Like, just imagine superhero champion that gets booed by fans. Like, the fuck's the matter? I don't think that's a great idea. Fucking killed me in that interview. She was like, I put on this costume and I was inspired. I think that's awful. And she sounds, she sounds like, when she speaks now with the superhero thing, she sounds like she rides in the short yellow Batmobile. (laughs) I was wondering how you were going to get there. I was just thinking of a way to get there where I couldn't actually be condemned for it. Since there is no such Fisher thing Price. as a short yellow <laughs> Batmobile. That Fisher-Price Fisher Batmobile. You know, it looks like like she sounds less smart than she used to when she's a fucking superhero. She so I definitely like, didn't want she that. Sounds like fucking, she sounds like Sunday. She sounds like after school special douchey. Like, yeah, so I like definitely didn't want that for her. <laughs> what I was hoping was, well, first of all, Nikki Cross thing I don't think can be saved for me. So I had no hopes there. So just to knock that out about my solution doesn't involve saving her. That's fucked. But what I was hoping was that uh, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley would just continue to feud amongst each other and distance themselves from the title picture because there's enough heat in that feud that it could just become a blood feud for a while. The two of them, it's become more about their animosity for one another. And uh, then it has become about the title. And this goes back to what I'm saying about when something's over without the title, you remove the title from the picture, which is exactly where Charlotte and Rhea Ripley fit. Neither of them need the title. Title doesn't help either of them. Charlotte certainly doesn't want it. The only reason they gave it to her was because they're trying to get her to become a 17-time champ, right? That's why they gave her yeah, a one-day title win. by stripping they, like two or three of her NXT title runs, but that's a different story. Yeah, they're trying to get her to 17 for some reason. I mean, I guess so that she could beat Ric Flair's record and they can have a celebration while he's still alive is what I'm assuming the whole point of this thing is. So Charlotte doesn't need the title. What she needs is the number of times that she wins it to exceed a certain amount. There's where that strategy falls in. Rhea doesn't need it right now. She's a rookie. She shouldn't have had it in the first fucking place. And the two of them feuding with each other removes it from the, pe- the, the picture. So neither one of them having it isn't the problem. Nikki having it in a superhero suit is a problem. And the worst part of it all is that you could take everything else that happened to her away and just leave the superhero, the, 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 like take the superhero shit out and just leave everything else there. And it works better. She never wore a fucking cape, never put on a fucking mask or tights, but everything else happens. And it just makes the money in the bank cash in way better. Like, let's just say regular Nikki Gross came out with the regular music, but all of that other shit happened. She matched the sneaking wins with Charlotte, with uh, with fucking Rhea. You know the the pins they didn't do the beat the clock thing. She finally climbs up when everybody's distracted. She wins the briefcase and then she cashes it in while the two of them are fighting. Nothing about what happened ever made me go good thing she was a superhero. Like all of that shit could have happened with regular Nikki Cross. It would have just looked less stupid. And I don't care if she worked on the character. How come they prevent so many other people from having their creative designs here, but not in this fucking case? Right. Like, that doesn't make it. In fact, that makes it even worse on there. And because it's like you saw this was stupid and didn't stop. It. The suit's visibly stupid and cheap. And I get they were trying to be comedic and fun and childish. But at the they same time, the you're doing it. On. Yeah, you're doing it with the briefcase and with the world title. That's two pay-per-views worth of parody. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a, you know what? <laughs> 
That's literally, and where is the fucking button at? You know what I'm going for. Mommy went a long way for a joke, don't you think? Like, they yeah, literally went, like, this has gone on. Everything that Nikki Cross has done could have been just as inspirational and motivational without a cape and mask. I'm surprised that somebody in creative didn't just tell her that. You know what? I like the superhero energy that your persona gives off. Keep and that in your keep that in your mind when you're out there. Keep and that the in your head it. as food canon. But you know, but we're not gonna put a cape on you. That's all. And, and, and even worse, not even a superhero. Almost a superhero. Spoiler, she got her ass kicked by Charlotte, hopped on that mic and said, I am almost a superhero and I almost beat you. Bitch, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, motherfucker. And then almost a supervillain. What supervillain? She ain't kicking nobody's ass. Right, she's talking about she's almost a superhero. Get the fuck no. What kind of a villain is she, she going to be? Charlotte's height. You know, that'd be the worst villain ever. She would have the intelligence of Modoc to be coming out there at that fucking height if she turns heel. This motherfucker better be mega mind. Like, you fucking out of your mind. Like, what? It really sucks. I'm not going to lie, man. It looks like shit. If it didn't look like shit, it might work better. You know what? I hate to say it. Any but other Nikki Cross and it would have been perfectly fucking fine. No, they had to make her almost a fucking superhero. Like, why do I feel like the Hurricane and Mighty Molly suits, even back then, didn't look as cheap as hers? I didn't. I don't feel like when I saw Hurricane Helms in his suit, I thought that looked shitty. Because they just throw two colors together and go, here you go. And it was meant to be more comedic. But when you look at it, as well as it being a superhero suit, it worked as wrestling attire when he got in the ring. Like, something about the way it came together made it all right. Kind of like... has way too much shit on that just does not go with her. Kind of like when you see Lucha... It's like, yeah, they're in costume, but the costume works. Her costume doesn't work. I don't know if you caught it, but at one point, fucking Charlotte was trying to pull her mask off. How do you have that much trouble pulling that bitch's mask off? But yeah, I see fucking people like Pentagon and Phoenix almost lose whole masks. Maybe she should think about having her mask painted on her face. I don't even know if that would help. I mean, honestly, I couldn't even do that. That would be one of those things in the character creation where I would just hit reset. Just broom. Fuck it. Let's just try again. I do leave that superstar air fuck that yeah i don't have a solution for fuck all when it comes to this man but she's booed that's all i know keith lee last bit of news before we do whatever we're gonna do a quick rundown but keith lee he tweeted out well today before raw he said i've decided i'm just gonna tell you guys the story myself give me a week or two and then that was the whole tweet i'm i don't know i'm getting a little then he came on job i don't know what's going on i'm getting a little bit annoyed somebody better say something soon all I know right now is uh, it was kind of funny how not too long ago Mia Yim was talking about minding your own business. And I was like, no, stuff like this, no, we're not minding our business. Why is, your, why is a former NXT champion sitting on his ass for six months? Like, what? Yeah, no, it doesn't I mean, make The any first sense. thing he does is come out and get ran through by Lashley in another two minutes. <sighs> Which, by the way, I forget who it was that pointed this out, but Drew McIntyre kicked the shit out of Keith Lee with the Claymore. And then when he was still on the ground, Bill Goldberg's music hit, and then he came out to face Drew McIntyre. And then Bobby Lashley beat Keith Lee, and then Bill Goldberg's music hit. Yo, if this shit <laughs> is like a beacon, I just need them to stop kicking his ass. Like, did you? I didn't think about it until I heard of it. Can you believe that twice that now? Oh my t- twice God. now they had Keith Lee's big Raw match end with the champion fucking him up, and then Goldberg coming out to challenge them? They literally did it to him with both champions. (laughs) 
So now every time Keith Lee gets his ass kicked, I'm gonna be worried that Goldberg's gonna come out. <laughs> that's the ultimate troll. It's funny how people were wondering if they were doing this shit on purpose before, and then something like that's right in your lap. You know what I mean? That's like a brown M M&M and M situation right there, man. They fucking had the same guy lose both times and Goldberg came out. And the funny thing about it is. I didn't think about it. I wish I would have found it out um, before Money in the Bank. Actually, after Money in the Bank. Do you realize, I think it's been, what, five? Uh, yeah, it's been about five female Money in the Bank winners. Do you realize three of them have cashed in on Charlotte? Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah, Bailey, Carmella, and now Nikki Nikki. I'm not calling her fucking Nikki Ash. Nikki Cross. Charlotte is a good candidate for my experimental angle. I brought it up on here a few times before. I wanted to do it with Brock Lesnar. But unfortunately, they never went in that direction. Maybe they could do it with Charlotte. But I always thought, wouldn't it be a good angle if you have a really dominant champion who's fucking sick and tired of the money in the bank thing happening to them? Because it's, happen- <laughs> it's happened to Brock a lot and it's happened to Charlotte a lot. You get somebody who's fed up with that shit. So the next time somebody wins the money in the bank, they just beat the fuck out of that person. And then on Raw, that person's being interviewed. How do you feel being Mr. Money or Mrs. Money? And they beat the fuck out of that person. And it's to the point where it becomes like a crosshair. Eventually, they don't even want it anymore. They're like trying to give the money in the bank briefcase away to somebody. You take it. Fuck no, you take it. And Brock Lesnar, right? If Brock Lesnar, Charlotte, it's like whoever has this doesn't want to get their ass kicked by the champion. You know, like, you know, it becomes the money in the bank curse. Because the champion's coming after you to make sure that you're never in condition. The champion has to go and have a fight in the main event. So they go into your locker room and they whip your ass to make sure that you can't come out. <laughs> you know, you see Brock Lesnar go into somebody's room to the to the money in the bank person's room. He slams the door behind them and you just hear like a lot of noise and shit and he leaves and the person's laid out. Now he's going to go have his match. <laughs> they can never cash in because the champion's always kicking your ass. That should be Charlotte now. Like Charlotte's I mean, been cashed in. You said she cashed in the three times, right? I mean, yeah, sixty percent of the female money in the bank winners have cashed in on her. That that angle set for her at this point. Yeah, what they have to do is have freaking uh, Zelina Vega win it, and then. Uh, <laughs> I love how you just pick somebody who has the worst ass whooping. Like the just, least. I I love your logic because I, I know exactly what you were thinking. Pick the person who's the least threat. Pick the person who's the least threat that the fans would give the most heat to WWE if they did that to her. Someone who, because that's what they do. They Whatever it is that will make everybody hate you is the choice they make. So what will make everybody hate? Hmm, you hired back Zelina Vega, made her miss his money in the bank, and then Charlotte just fucks her up wherever she goes. Everywhere she goes. And remember that time she did an angle where she got attacked on her her Twitch channel? Do that too. Have her playing Twitch and then Charlotte beats her up there. (laughs) You know, she could never catch Oh, I want to book for them. Come on, hire me. No, they, <laughs> they won't do that because nah, so much stuff that they Fuck fucked that. up will get unfucked up. Who wants that stressful job? Let's quickly go. There's going to be another long one, man. You know, it's their fault. Stop acquiring talent and selling and trading and buying contracts. Jesus, I just want to come on here and tell some jokes and talk about wrestling. Way too complicated running this fucking show nowadays. Anyway, NXT episode 464. They open with the end is near. I didn't know that we were on the end is near status. Like Samoa Joe carrying crosses, the end is near. We don't break that shit out for anything. That's only used like for like when you think somebody's done, you know? It's just started. Yeah, well, how the fuck are we on the end is near status? That was like the Alliance. That was like one of the Alliance songs. That was Armageddon's theme for the longest. Yeah, you know, that's like a serious theme. Fucking carrying cross. 
That's another thing. As much as people get, got heat, I don't agree with the Keith Lee thing. I never said I don't agree with the Cameron Cross thing. I told you guys that he just looks like some regular guy when he's not with Scarlett in that intro. And I don't see why that regular guy will beat fucking former WWE champion, future Hall of Famer Jeff Hardy. Or is he in the Hall of Fame already or no? No. I don't remember. He's got to be, though. The only reason I don't see the reason for him to beat Jeff Hardy is because they haven't shown that Jeff Hardy's even capable of beating everybody for the past three months. I think, what, he lost to fucking Veer and Shanky on fucking main event recently? This goes back to mainstream versus hardcore fan, though. It just looked like, to everybody in the majority, it just looked like Jeff Hardy beat some regular mean guy. It looked like when Goku used to go to the... world It looked like when Kid Goku used to go to the the Tenchai Budokai tournaments and there'd be just some big, generic, muscular dude. They're going, hey, kid, you're gonna have to face me next. And then Goku Goku kick him through a fucking wall. Like, that's what... Karen Cross looks like your generic muscle head, you know? Yeah, see, but the problem is, is when you have the NXT title out there, you don't get to say regular guy, just kick his ass. Did that he have it the first time when he was with Jeff? In NXT who shouldn't be losing to any fucking buddy. Did he have it when he was fighting that, Jeff the first time? I yeah. don't even remember. He came yeah. out with the NXT... Every time he's been on Raw, even tonight, he came out with the NXT World Championship. That's yeah, I noticed tonight. Fault says that Jeff Hardy should not be beating him. I noticed tonight. It's just he was gone so fast the first time I missed it. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he came out. They even announced the NXT champion Karrion Cross was on Monday Night Raw. Right there, they're saying there is no reason a guy who's been jobbing for three months should be beating him. But we already know how they feel about NXT. They don't care about any of that. But they need to understand it's not about how they feel. It's about how their fan base feels. And that's, that's the problem. The most of their fan base doesn't watch that shit, man. Most of their fan base wants Goldberg. They're, this is not a good fan base to be a part of. It's really not like I. You know what I mean? That's why I'm almost so detached from the WWE because their fan base sucks. Well, I almost accidentally I had the the holy fucking signature thing playing while you were burying them. That would have been great. Oh, <laughs> that would have been great, right? But yeah, I, like, I just paused it in time. Fan base is so fucking ass backwards. Like what? The, like you guys yeah. will just sacrifice the NXT World Champion just to get Jeff Hardy one win because you guys do music back. Real logical guys. So NXT 464 opens with a Joe promo, or I like I like to call it a Jomo, and uh, wow. Regal's argument to prevent him from having a carrying cross situation is basically saying that when he choked out Samoa Joe, he choked out the ref Samoa Joe, not the authority figure, which I thought was one of the most ridiculous arguments ever. That reminds me of Hulk Hogan when it was like. Not it wasn't Terry Bollea's dick that was huge. It was Hulk Hogan's, and he said that shit. Understand about the about the sex tape? I remember that shit. You know what I mean? Difference. Like Regal telling him that Samoa Joe, he choked out the ref Samoa Joe, not the authority figure, was such a missed opportunity for at the end of the night Samoa Joe to come out in a striped shirt and just whip his ass (laughs) and be like the ref Samoa Joe fucked you up, not the authority figure. You know, like, does anybody think about what they say before they say it? <laughs> you know, I would have loved for that at the end of the night, carrying across the talk of shinery. Dun, 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 dun. It's Joe. Why the hell is he wearing a rapture? <laughs> He's going to kill you. Uh, the, the ref version of him is going to kill you. Are you kidding me? Ref Joe. That's what we're doing now to excuse that shit. NXT, as much as I love you, I can't give you an excuse for that. Come on, Regal. That's the same man. I wonder why they lost the war. That would have only paid off if he would have came out in the striped shirt and whipped his ass. And then walked past Regal after he's laid out wearing the striped shirt. Regal can't say shit. I was provoked. 
You know what I mean? Rigo just looks annoyed and he's just wearing a fucking striped shirt. You can't do anything. Your champion's laid out in the fucking ring. <laughs> Your authority figure's leaving with a ref shirt. That would have been such a fucking ending to NXT. <laughs> you know? But it didn't set anything up. The only thing they really do is they mentioned Karrion Cross's raw field trip, which I'm, I'm surprised they even bothered. They just did it to be canon. They ha- they acknowledged them more than they acknowledged. It reminds me they of the... They didn't acknowledge what happened. They didn't even mention what happened. That was the funny part. It reminds me of like the Netflix. It reminds me like the Netflix Marvel shows and like the and like the Agents of Shield, where it's like no one, no one in the movie universe gives a fuck about you guys, but you guys every now and then mention the movies to stay relevant. You know, sort of what's happening. Like NXT is sort of like the TV show. Like they mentioned Raw to stay relevant. Nobody up there cares. Uh, what else do we have? We had a tag team match: Bobby Fish and Kushida. You know what that means, right? The Time Dragons. Ooh. Yes, they are the Time Dragons. You like it? Nobody's going to get it, though. No. They have to watch the Indies years ago. Because I like it, though. Already. But it's not for you. It's for me. So anyway, the Time Dragons versus Diamond Mind. If they could do Diamond Mind, which is way more stupid, the, the Time Dragons actually make sense. So the Time Dragons Time versus Dragons Roderick. Yeah, fuck it. Rewriting this card. Time Dragons versus Roderick Strong and Tyler Rust being accompanied by Hachiman and Malcolm Bivens. <laughs> Finish being Hoverboard Lock. And yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts? Pretty straightforward, though. I like the team of Kushida and Fish, though. Yeah, I do too. I'm gonna show you guys the finish here. Listen to the NXT universe. What a way to kick off NXT this week as Kushida climbs to the top. Kushida off the top with the jumping knee. Coming in with the running kick to the left arm. And then Bivens counters with a boot. And Sheeta jumps in with the headlock and then transitions over into that hoverboard for the fast tap. Tap the shit out of him. Look at Bivens. Bivens doesn't like that. That was one of those. I know I ain't got nowhere to go taps. Mm-hmm. Sure was. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, oh, before we go away from this. Just because I'm a fan of them. Let's not forget. I forgot I have it marked here. There's a very cool Kushida hot tag. I'm sure all Kushida hot tags are cool, right? There isn't. There's no such thing as not a Kushida. Strong now coming right back in, gets caught inverted atomic drop. Kushida's rocking, he's rolling. There's a cartwheel, drop kick off the hip toss. Kushida has turned up. I love his coordination. Cool sequence, you know. Sunset flip, roll through. Spin kick and cover. Yeah, awesome stuff there. Very, very cool. Uh, what else did we have happen here? We had, uh, Frankie Monet with Jesse Camille and Robert Stone against JC Jane with the finish being the she glam slam. What was that? I said, yep, she killed her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's all that's gonna really happen, you know? And then Mandy Rose is a relevant ass for sitting on the fucking mouthpaper. Certainly is, and Frankie Monet, ever since Mandy Rose has arrived here ringside, the complexion of this matchup has changed. Monet now, oh, seems to be done playing games. The temperature has certainly risen at ringside, but oh, here we go, we've seen this before. Up and down! Center of the ring for Frankie Monet into the cover, and Monet continues to be money here 
Yeah, good. They're pushing her the way she should be pushed. Oh, yeah. Slow, but slowly, but surely, so. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, first. and like you mentioned, Mandy Rose was out there. Yeah. Because, you I mean, you have to mention either things, even the, even the list of less important ones. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't go from tagging with Dana Brooke and expect me to give a shit about you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's getting into a thing with Austin Theory because of the shit that he talked the previous week, if you remember that. Yes. And uh, Gargano is convincing Theory that it's time for him to basically uh, cover things, you know, take care of himself the way Papa John does. You know, I could maybe, you know, like square off tonight. You do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do it. I do it. You challenging me? Oh, you are thick. You really are. Yeah, yeah. I'm challenging you to a match tonight. You're on. Yeah. Now yeah. go get on my dancing shoes. Yeah. See you later, big guy. Yeah. Dance. You got it. Yeah. Dance. You got it. Hey, hey, guess what? You got yourself in this one? Yeah. You're going to have to get yourself out. Like me and Cross last week, I was all by myself. Mm-hmm. You want to be like your Papa John? Oh, well, you want to be like Papa John? Yeah. 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 Well, you're on your own tonight. Okay? Go get him, champ. <laughs> oh, you got it. This match next. I love that he asked him if he wants to be like Papa John. Oh, my God. That is a funny act. Which, by the way, Austin Theory, I can't help but notice having them SmackDown Dark matches a lot, huh? Yep, his days are numbered. Must be keeping them around for a reason. It must like what they saw in the original Dark match. Anyway, Kyle O'Reilly versus Austin Theory. Good match. I really like this match. Theory's really good, man. I feel like if this was any other company, he would have already been like a top person, a world champion even. You know? It's just because he's in a funny gimmick. That's a guy you could take real fucking seriously really fast. I don't know what made them decide not to. But uh, I'm going to run you through some spots here. I thought this was cool. Very athletic of this guy, man. O'Reilly in the corner. Comes in with a good forearm. Love his forearm. Rolls in. Jumps. Look at that. Let's not forget Gargano was out here last week. Into the cover goes Theory. Hook of the leg to put away O'Reilly. See, that's a really good movement to him. I don't even know what the hell I would call that. I don't know if your best kind of moves, though, when you don't even know what you call it. It just looks good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. I feel like I feel like that's how that's I feel like that's where Michael Cole is when he's just sitting there like what a maneuver like it looked good but I don't know what the fuck to call it. Yeah, I did like Kyle O'Reilly as usual being very talented right here. He catches Theory's drop kick into what was it the uh, Alexis sort of you see? Yeah, really like a heel hook. Yeah, right there. Look at that. Comes down the way he came down there. Looked really good and he rotates over very well. Then nice rope break there. Really cool. Oh yeah, fantastic match though. Yeah, that that there is gold in Austin Theory's future for sure. Yeah, definitely. I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's coming. Stop, and look how effective. Look at no waste in motion by Theory. Rolling Fisherman suplex into the cover. Yeah, see what I mean? Like, everything this guy does is uh, solid. Very solid stuff. There's another one here. Hold on, we're not done. I won't do this for every match, but for the good ones, you gotta. Right here, this was like sort of, this like an armbar submission, and they roll into the ankle lock, and then there's the rope break. Fucking transition. This was cool here, but what I like is watch this. I'll show you on the screen. Right here. Brings him up. Brings him down to that arm bar. Theory just managing to link arms at the last possible second, preventing that arm extension. O'Reilly trying to break the grip of Theory. See, I love the way O'Reilly rolls through to his leg here, transitions into an ankle lock. 
Theory's trying to hit the ropes. Theory hits the rope, grabs the ropes there. Rope break, but then when he grabs the rope break, Kyle brings down the knee on him. That's the brutality of Kyle O'Reilly that I love. And I love how, like, as fucking Joe Rogan would call it, high-level shit, everything is meant to set the next thing up. He, exactly. he rolls him up in the he rolls him up in the into the ankle lock because he knows he's focused on his arms. He's focused on his ankle now. He grabs the ropes. He knows he's not thinking about his ankle anymore. He lets go. He leaves the arm vulnerable. Every mm-hmm. single thing he did set up the next. He almost he like he literally he predicted everything Austin was going to do in that sequence. It had something ready. Right here, this is good. He hits the rope there. Theory from behind brings him off the top rope. Brings him in onto his shoulders. Nice. See what I mean? This guy is good, man. Good. God. Yeah, and speaking of, look what comes up next. You know, good, man. A cross legged Ushigoroshi. Yeah. You see? Yeah, there is. Talent with that guy, like it's that scary because he's only going to get better. That is what they call a student of the game, right? Oh yeah, they got a good one there. Hopefully, they do something more than the silly shit. Can't be wasting time like keep that. Keep on NXT. I have no complaints. Mm-hmm. So next, I got really nervous, dude. I'm not gonna lie. I was sitting here like, yo, they're they're racist as shit. They haven't changed at all because there was a mariachi musical <laughs> thing planned. <laughs> And when I heard it, because they went mariachi musical coming up and went to commercial break, I like looked over at my wife and I was like, do they mean like, because I was like, I don't know any other kind of mariachi. They can't fucking mean what I'm thinking. Like, and then I was thinking, nah, I can't run into my fucking concern when they came back from commercial. That is the kind of mariachi band that they meant. Like they weren't fucking around. It was real. I was like, that's so racist as fuck. You would have a mariachi band there. See, you're so different than me. I assume that's exactly where it was going. <laughs> I was thinking this can be, but then when I saw them, I started to make panicked peace where I'm like, oh my God, we're going to have a fucking, even though they don't look like that's the kind of band that they would have there, we're just going to stereotype them. My word, dude, they don't look resplendent right now. Stop. No voy a necesitarlos, muchachos. I won't need you guys. I'm gonna need you tonight. That sucks. We we're about to get the mariachi band musical of a lifetime. This was gonna rival Hit Row's original thing. That was his whole point, right? He was gonna show how much better. He wanted to outdo the cipher. I'm so grateful that he didn't. If this was Raw or SmackDown, dude, that's exactly what would have happened. Right. He would have came on he here. It would have destroyed the cipher. And and the mariachi band would have gotten a play. He would have danced along with it and been like, this is music. <laughs> you know? And that would have been the feud. <laughs> what was that cackle? <laughs> this is music. <laughs> That's like what happened. <laughs> but, but thankfully, you know, NXT is more grounded and he went, fuck the mariachi band. You know, we're not going to do that shit. We do things like sensible human beings. I was going to give you a taste of the best musical heritage. Mi mariachi! 
I would feel bad if that's like a shoot, you know, like if he really is a guy who's into mariachi, you know what I mean? But that's like, it's still racist to believe that if he's not, that's annoying. You know, it's kind of like just because you're from Mexico doesn't necessarily mean you listen to mariachi band. That's like as bad as Becky Lynch having the Irish jig, you know? Oh my God, it's even, oh yeah, it's probably worse. Jesus. I just love how you can hear people in the crowd already chanting for Hit Row. Yeah, well, they definitely didn't want the mariachi band. What they should have done if they were serious about this is they should have let the mariachi band start because the people would have automatically given heat and then he would have been like, you know what? I don't need you guys tonight. Then it would have seemed a little more legit. Like they would have have made the fans feel like they canceled it, you know, (laughs) instead of the way that they did it or whatever. I mean, they sort of did try to do that because they were already giving them heat, but I would still make them try to go through with the, uh, the music. So Hit Row, they're baby faces now? Is that what this is? That's what it kind of seems like because I feel like Honestly, I think they won the crowd over with that cipher because that shit was amazing. One of the best things about this, though, is freaking Legado de Fantasma, because I guess it's American television. He could just straight up curse in Spanish. And he does. Like, he straight up just curses them out in Spanish. That's one of the most fucking amusing things ever. Like, this WWE, it, it, great. it's great that they don't understand English, or Spanish, rather, or English sometimes. They barely fucking understand English. Don't give them credit. This is high curses. Well, after that, I guess you're allowed to curse. That's you. And in 10 years, the apple is not going to fall too far from the tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You keep doing that pendejo nursery rhymes all night. I'm going to take that title and I'm going to bring it back to Mexico with me, cabron. That's awesome. Yeah. He called him a pendejo and a cabron. He called you a pendejo on fucking regular television. I love it. <laughs> awesome. We know you get a certain amount of shits and fucks. Well, not even fucks, but you get a certain amount of shits uh, when you are on regular cable television. I wonder how many pendejos you get. If they don't understand, did you get two instead of one? How many pendejos do you get? Write it down. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if that's allowed. We go find out one of these days. One of these days, it'll, it'll inevitably come up. Anyway. Um... They do get Zima. What's his name on here again? Joaquin? Yeah, Joaquin Wild. Yeah, they get Zima's ass at the end. He's the sacrificial lamb of this group. Huh? Even the dude who we don't know gets more recognition than him.
You didn't even get to play that guitar. Harsh. You can at least play the guitar before he hit you with it. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like Austin Theory is out of the fucking uh, way, huh? Could be. Yeah, it looks like the end here, man. Especially since he's doing those house shows and everything. This little scene here seems to pretty much wrap up that yeah. angle. Which sucks because I honestly like this stable they made things fun. They always had cool little scenes and interactions and shit that kept stories interesting. And when you really think about it, a good amount of the stuff that happened in NXT was uh, attributed to them and things that they were doing. But yeah, this looks like them planting the seeds here. And I think it is the inevitable end. Yeah. Oh, just calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah. What is happening? What is happening? Like, no. What is happening? What? It has been awful. Awful lately. We lost the tag titles. You couldn't be crossed. Oh, thanks for and reminding me. Well, yeah, I mean, thanks. it happened, okay? I'm just trying to be honest. And, like, why do you keep going and starting fights with people that, like, maybe you can't beat? I don't understand. Candace, I... just stop. Why are you being what? so hard on him? You're being so hard on all of us. If he wants to kiss Dexter, let him kiss Dexter. What? Oh, okay. I, I'm calling the therapist. I'm calling the therapist. I love how she just inadvertently sacrificed her. Okay, maybe we all gotta call the therapist. Okay? What? She's not an expert. What are you talking about? Don't call the therapist. Do you see this? This is her projecting. That's okay. a thing. That's a thing. We just want what's okay. best for you. Maybe we do call it. I am on your side. We're both on your side. Okay. We're your family. We are This family is falling apart. This is Dexter. Dexter, 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 Dexter. That's all we hear about anymore. And it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, that to me looks like the end. I don't think they put that there just for nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's done. They show him take his way shit and leave. They were ignoring him. You know, and he's gone. And three of them were left arguing. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace, way. That's pretty much it. Anyway. Next, you get the NXT Breakout Tournament first round match. Andrade, uh, Andre Chase versus Odyssey Jones with the finish being Jones with the Uranagi. Um, he nearly killed that other dude, that Andre Chase guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He needs to be more careful. You, He almost died. I mean, there's no other way for me to put it, man. That guy almost fucking died. Gonna bring it up on the screen here. You know what? Let's bring up the fucking... Let's get this nice and large here. When someone almost dies, I think they deserve a bigger screen, you know? Strategy here. Gloated to the... Ooh. Like, he almost died. He's like a few inches from fucking getting a day or Tommy. No, fuck that. He's a few inches from getting Sabu. I can't believe how close that came. And he falls, too. He hits hard here. Look at how he lands. We don't know that he's not hurt. That was... Yeah. Ooh. Take a fast look at it here. Strategy here. Gloats into the crowd. See what I mean, man? That's fucked up. I'm seeing way too much shit like that lately. Can't catch him, man. Don't miss him. That's what takes me so long putting this together. I literally can't blink watching wrestling nowadays. So many motherfuckers just throwing themselves everywhere. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Chase does a good moonsault, but you know what? He doesn't deserve it. Not after that. He almost died. I want to talk about your good moonsault in the same match where you almost were killed. So, moving along, Drake Maverick vs. LA Knight being accompanied by Cameron Grimes. The finish being, uh, I don't remember what happened here. Um, I know it was, oh, yes, yes, yes. Let me bring this up for you guys. 
real quick. Rather than torture poor Cameron Grimes. Look, when it comes to LA Knight, he just wants to do one thing, humiliate Cameron Grimes. No. That's all he wants to do. LA Knight is a member of the aristocracy now. Makes him a better class of human being in my eyes. And let's be clear, no job is too dirty for a lowly butler. Everyone on this planet has a level. And Cameron Grimes... Yeah, he gets distracted here by making this guy hold up the title like that. I love that he gets drop kicked into his own title, rolled up, and the cover. Look at that. And then freaking Cameron Grimes tells him to run and get out of there. But unfortunately, he doesn't do it in time. And uh, because he's the butler, he's forced to punch. I don't know how to go into the job description, but he's forcing uh, freaking Cameron Grimes to punch freaking Drake Maverick in the face. Just do whatever he says. forever to the man to the therapist <laughs> or in this case to the hog and dogs which everyone gets to first yeah right the way you go cry yourself to sleep so they announced that for the next two weeks nxt will be airing on sci-fi instead of the usa network and uh beth phoenix's reaction to this was priceless did you hear this oh i might have, i think i caught it for once, but I want to take this time to remind everyone that starting next Tuesday for two weeks, we're moving to sci-fi. Zombies. Please, no zombies, Beth. But I want to talk about a huge main event next week. <laughs> Don't you dare bring that call back. <laughs> zombies. No. Exactly. We, we don't have Sandman here to save us, Beth. No. Main event. NXT women's title match for Kel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai defending championship against Zia Lee. Representing Janja Hedjala. <laughs> you fucking stupid. So, a couple things. I guess it's going to be the whole name now, I think. One couple things. She got fucked up in the middle of this match for real, where they had to like stop the match to make sure that she didn't really kill her. That's the problem. The Janja doesn't make you bigger. You know, it just makes you make a meaner face. <laughs> still, but you're, you still hurt the same. Mm hmm. <laughs> She's taking on all 
all comers, including the likes of Io Shirai and Ember Moon, but in all honesty, nobody in NXT is like Isaiah Lee. Completely unique arsenal of offense. And let's face it, there's a fair amount of mystique about her, too. Lee trying to take down the champion, and there's just nope. House Gonzalez again, showcasing her strength. Referee, get out of the way. Oh, that was almost bad for our official as Lee. Right I love how scary and imposing Raquel Gonzalez looks when she's coming at somebody that small. I love how much shit she talks while she's kicking their ass too, you know? Like she's really good at that. Oh my god, he is stiff as fuck. Is that, I don't know when it was that she got killed. Was that it? I think it was a... Uh, was, was it that boot? It looked like it almost broke away. See, listen to talk shit. This is what you wanted. You want John Cha? This is a weapon, man. Yeah, she kicked the shit out of her. The absolute shit. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the bump was that, that killed her. Oh, I actually see um, what it is. It looks like um, a spinning Vader bomb. Apparently, it looked like it knocked the wind out of her. So they weren't sure if it, so they weren't sure if it was broken ribs or something, but like... She needed a minute. Oh, I remember that spot. Yeah, because instead, instead of the traditional one where she goes stomach first, she flipped in the air and she basically got all back. But Zaya couldn't get her hand because, you know, usually when you see a body splash, they get their hands up to protect themselves. She couldn't get it up in time. So she just ate all, all of her kale through her stomach. I got to find that now. Now that I know that that's where the spot is. Shit. I'm clicking through here to find. I guess all I have to do is look for a bunch of medical personnel. You know? Oh, I see where it is. Every, I know a lot of people were thinking broken ribs right away, but no, I think I think what it was is, uh, yeah, she basically got the wind knocked out of her. I see where it is. Wow. Watch the way she coils up right when she gets hit. Okay, we're going back a little bit to it here. Yeah, during her title range. She is in a world of trouble here. Zia Lee completely dominant at this point in the matchup. You know the champ ain't going to give amazing. Gonzalez able to counter. Hoist up and plant the challenge. Oh. And Gonzalez now with his second and third win trying with every move. Up and down. Oh. Right into the chest of Gonzalez into the cover to retain her women's title and flee. Just got Yeah. If you've never had the wind knocked out of you before, understand if you don't know what it's like, if you don't know what it feels like when you think you're gonna die, that's the moment. Yeah, she she did the oh 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 Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> that could be the case of that. She, she did the grape lady. Look at that. Yeah, She's still down cool. there. Like that. I, cause I've had the wind knocked out of me before. That is a special kind of hurt. I love how Raquel Gonzalez is still screaming across the ring. You wanted this? She doesn't give a fuck. How fucking. Yeah, after they uh, saw that she was good to keep going, she took a one on power bomb and Raquel retains. Look at how nasty she looks there. Wanting to get some word from Dakota Kai is. Referee taking a very close look here. Medical staff getting consulted. Not sure what the issue was there. The champion just lying in wait at this point. Yeah, uh, WWE medical team checking in on the challenger. I mean, yeah, she's in bad shape. Rolling in the matchup. Used a very unique, high impactful offense using her. Give her a Z pack. Strength to bounce off the middle rope, compressing. Oh, into Zia Lee. 
This is, you know, a result. This is incredible physical style between these women and Gonzalez still shouting for Zia Lee to get up. Well, again, let's go back. No, we don't need to go back. We saw it already. I'm glad that you guys are so proud of that bump. They basically killed her, you know? To kick out from that, she's barely moved oh, ever since, is. but now they gave her an awful lot of time. There, there's a continuation. There's Zia Lee, the sequel. Yeah, that didn't that makes that Tian Sha shit look really crappy. You need to go back and get more of that contact high. Have, have what's her name, Mei Ling, give you another shoddy. Okay, well, anyway. That was the end of that. Um, this ended with Karrion Cross taking out Regal. I guess you're allowed to do that, huh? Yeah, because I mean, Regal, Regal's not going to swing back. So, but it's definitely clear that uh, they are revving up for Joe versus Cross at Takeover 36. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want, and I can hurt anybody I want. For example, they got Regal. No. Do you still feel like you're in control? Who provoked you? Wow. Yeah, so it looks like that's what we're revving up for for the next takeover but it's kind of funny speaking of takeover 36 did you hear about uh triple h and sean's announcement regarding it what's that um well since the match was such a hit the last time they did it they have announced that at takeover 36 the world gets a witness at this time because we will be getting walter Ela dragunov 2 for the uk championship yeah i saw that you know what i kind of feel like they're overhyping that shit that was the thing where the three of them were standing there at the camera together and it's kind of like really did you see the first match yeah i remember seeing it you can't you, yeah you can't overhype this is that, that like that's like they were saying before when i first talked about the match that's that would that was probably match of the year it could have easily been so yeah this is a rematch just about everybody's been waiting for we almost didn't think we were going to get it. And now the fact they're picking a bigger stage to play it on because Triple H and Sean pretty much said the world needs to watch this the second time. Well, NXT brought in 709,000 viewers with a point twenty in the 18 to 49 demographic, up from the 705,000 viewers of the previous week with the point nineteen in the 18 to 49 demographic. This Ooh, is too this is super late, which will bring us to AEW. Fighter God, Fest yeah, 2021 Night 2. It feels like every night is a new special fucking event. Uh, I'll try to be quick with this. You get the five labors of Jericho first match. Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears being accompanied by Tully Blanchard. I don't like them taking away Spears' original interest. Obviously, Jericho... Uh, what was actually... What was the finish? Did he goes over with... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Spears delivered a C4 and they tried for another one but jericho snuck out of it and caught him at a juice effect gotcha um jericho's triangle drop kick gets countered with a chair shot here being that he's the chairman and all see jericho and still I takes think, uh, what, remember the stipulation was that spears could use chairs but jericho right could. and jericho couldn't because he's the, the chairman watch out behind that's oh. the intelligence of the canadian god oh, Lord. 
Yeah, other than that, the match went pretty much textbook match, from what I recall of it. Yeah, pretty much straightforward, what you expect from these two. Yeah, but then we get a big appearance. Yeah, because uh, MJF announced labor number two. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. I don't consider a big appearance, but here it is anyway. Guy doesn't do a promo or nothing. He just comes out. Yeah, dude, you're Still the conquer nowadays. Yeah. Jim Cornette tweets out to once and for all put an end to criminals and felons jumping into their ring on live TV. AEW has arrived at the solution: book a criminal and convicted felon to actually come to the ring and attempt to have a match. Genius. Of course he would. Yeah. The last guy was uh, the train wrestler. Cornette, come on. There's very little in his statement that i'm going to debate i'm going to pick and choose my battles in this one and i'm going to just say that when it comes to corner that one i'm going to leave alone all all i'll say is i mean hey it's exposure for nick gage i mean after those popularity he's gotten off a dark side of the ring yeah we're gonna run with it yeah i guess may as well i mean if, if that's what you got and i mean considering that he's friends with moxley it's two things as well probably moxley probably pulled a couple of strings and if it's if this isn't a one-off, you probably get a match with them somewhere down the line. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Nick Gage also has some friends that need jobs, and we can hire them for AEW. And if they have nephews or brothers, and if they have nephews or brothers, maybe they can hire them, make a big family angle. Call it the Nick Gage family. <laughs> Help the business better than Goldberg, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean statistically, it's not better than Goldberg. Nobody knows who Nick Gage is. I never heard of him before. Um, I started playing the clips of him here with Moxley fighting him. And uh, so that was one bullet point against him. And then going back to the majority thing, I'm a hard, I consider myself a hardcore wrestling fan. And I don't give a fuck about Dark Side on the Ring. So I can imagine how people who are just watching Raw and SmackDown or AEW even looked at it. I never watched that episode. Not just because I didn't give a fuck about Nick Gage, but because Nick Gage was partnered with Dark Side of the Ring, who I also didn't give a fuck about. So it was literally the combination of two things I didn't give a fuck about coming together and one collaboration I didn't give a shit about. It was the fusion ha up my ass. Because that's literally how I look at those programs. Dark Side of the Ring, and I've said this on here before, I have nothing against the show, but their format, their generic A&E style format of, of documentary and storytelling, not my forte. And most of these stories I know and have been told better by the actual wrestlers. Nick Gage, and I've also been vocal about this on here, I've never been a Necro Butcher guy, I've never been a Sammy Callahan guy, I'm not going to be a Nick Gage guy. I just don't like the fork and knife, pizza cutter, box cutter bullshit. So, and I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. Most people don't know who that is. And he's one of my grievances with AEW, which, yeah, the product has gotten better. But they need to stop bringing in people 
that no one knows who the fuck they are. Because not only is he not better than Goldberg as far as popularity goes, he's not better than Gilbert as far as popularity goes. Or Al Snow, or Hardcore Holly, or Scorpio Funk, or the Blue Meanie. I think I named everybody in the job squad. They're all more over than Nick Gage. And that's not even disrespect to him. That's statistically speaking. That everybody in Al Snow's stable is more known than him. Kurgan of the Oddities and Golga of the Oddities, as well as Giant Silva, which I believe might still be alive, of the Oddities, were all more over than him. That should not be a guy that they're introducing like that. And I get it. He's a garbage guy. And within the universe of wrestling and underground and in the there are some people that know him. I fucking even didn't. I don't ever hear anybody talk about Nick Gage matches. No Nick Gage matches come up on the dirt sheets on a weekly basis. And I make sure to scroll every single article, which is what takes me all of the day. And not only don't any Nick Gage matches come up in the dirt sheets, aside from these past couple of weeks, which is mainly because he got the notoriety from Dark Side of the Ring. But I'm talking like in the past seven years, that guy's name has not darkened my fucking desk. I can't give him Goldberg props. I don't know who the fuck he is. That clip we just showed is the first time I saw him up close. And I still don't even remember what he looks like. I would have needed to see him more than the handful of times that I've seen him. So in this case, when it comes to them, no. This isn't a great move. Sure, there are people within there that are like, they got Nick Gage. I'm not fucking one of those people. You know, and I think this is one of those cases where the majority here would be Goldberg over this. Because who is this guy? Just because some channel that no one watches, did a documentary that no one cares about about him. And then that was another thing I was going to complain about on here. I complained about this to my wife, but I may as well throw it on the air. Why are we doing two for ones now? They don't even have the capacity on that shitty fucking documentary series to put two different garbage wrestlers on two different seasons. You already did New Jack this season. So how come you didn't do Nick Gage the following season? You know, it just feels like they're double downing and doing like very similar documents since the stories are basically about these guys fucking. No, no, New Jack was the season before this one. Oh, was it? It felt like it was wild. Yeah, these seasons yeah, are New fast. New Jack was season two, Nick Gage was season three. Yeah, no, it doesn't really make any sense. Like I said, with New Jack, that made sense to me. This is a guy that literally he has no derive by. Nick Gage, like there was very little known about this guy for them to have him take up dynamite time. And then the dynamite time he takes, no one said anything. MJF didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. Jericho, it was just camera shot from close up to close up to close up to close up to zoom out and then fade away. It was like, what the fuck was that? I, I still don't know anything about him. You know, as someone who's a skeptic and that doesn't know Nick Gage, it was their job to get me on board there. Have him say something or do something, just something. Don't make me have to go on YouTube and look him up if I'm just watching AEW Dynamite. You know, they want it both ways. They want all eyes on the product, but then you got to look elsewhere for the information. But uh, no, this is another case where I just think we need more wrestlers, wrestler wrestlers, not stab you with a fork or any of this shit. Well, the whole point of this gimmick is he's supposed to tear him apart before he gets to it. You don't want wrestler wrestler. You want fucking deathmatch guy. I, I never want deathmatch guys. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, not, yeah, you might not want, but that doesn't say that necessarily everybody's not going to want it. Because at the end of the day, yeah, he's not big in the mainstream or even the indies. There's still that deep indies, still those deathmatch diehards. That MDK shit, that's a massive following that that guy has. Yeah, but you know, when you mix that with something like real actual wrestling, it almost feels like one of those weird blends, like when you see a movie like Zombie Bikini Chicks or something, where it's like, this was just for the sake of the sake of, you know, like, do we really need a guy like Nick Gage and his garbage wrestling to fight a guy like Jericho because of the fact that Dark Side of the Ring did a documentary? 
if you want to carry on the fact that MJF is basically trying to get rid of them before they even have a match together, yeah. It, feel, it almost feels like instead of booking things that people care about, there there are times that they just come out with shit for the sake of people to care about it. And then the people care about it for the sake of having something to care about. But at the core, it's all superficial. And that might be many things in life, but I'm just saying specifically in this case with the booking, it just almost feels like just for the sake of it. Like, does anybody really care about Nick Gage being there? There are a lot more than you know. Yeah. And like I said, I would have believed that more. Matt Riddle is a good example of someone who, before he came to WWE, it always came up on the Internet. His name always came up. He was always there. There were always clips of him. There were always shots of him. He was known. Again, Nick Gage. And it's just strange to be doing this for seven years. Read every dirt sheet and the guy doesn't fucking ever come up. And now suddenly we're all supposed to like be like, all right. The most we've seen of him is, and I was joking with Seb about this on the fantasy. Thing, the most we've heard of that guy was a few clips we've played up here. The couple where Moxley fought him and then the one where Zack Ryder was disguised as Moxley fought him is the most we've seen of this guy. You know, and of course, the dark side of the ring, what they what they tell us. But uh, anyway, what else do we have? Anything else good on this? We had uh, Frankie Kazarian versus Doc Gallows for some reason. Um, they wind up jumping Kazarian at the end of this match that he obviously isn't going to win. And then Omega does a promo. And that doesn't really come out the way that they wanted it to. I know what they were going for. I had to rewind it, though. That's how poorly it came out. Where it was like, I couldn't tell if he botched, but then I kind of get the joke that they were going for. Which was, you know, Don Callis having to finish a ridiculous line like that for him. But it just didn't, I don't know, I know you're here. Oh, Is this a here? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for all you Friday Night Cowboys to take a good look at your AEW World Champion. He looks ridiculous like that too. Looks like old Simity Sam. are taking a good look at what just went down here tonight because this is what happens when you mess with the elite this is what happens when you mess with the elite when you mess with the good brothers and when you mess with Kenny by God Omega is, what, is, is this martial law? You got something you want to say to this kid? Welcome to my humble abode, said the spider to the fly. Here comes the weird part, but they do it on purpose. Oh For months, you've been a thorn in our side, Frankie. The elite hunter. <laughs> Oh boy, how the tables have turned because the elite hunter has now become the he's become the elite hunter has now become the elite hunted. There we go. They were going for that effect. Womp womp. I guess we can't all win. Um, what else happened in this? Oh, right. Hangman comes out for the save, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Drinking, of course. 
So what is it, Paige? Are you that stupid or are you just drunk? What's <laughs> this? Oh, look out. He, got, he went right into a fight. It's like a bar fight. When I saw him oh, man. The field, the odds are not good for Hangman Page. He got and you know, you know that if Page can be debilitated right here. And of course, the Dark Army is going to come out. The cavalry is coming in, the Dark Order, even in the odds here. And you notice Kenny Omega, he, he fled from the ring. He fled from Hangman Adam Page. He wants no part of his old tag team partner. Oh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. And boom, boom, shot Larry from Hangman. And that could be for the next AEW World Champion right there. And Omega knows it, Callus knows it, the world knows it. I mean, that was cool. At least you got the hangman payoff at the end, right? Yeah. And it does look like, I believe, it is next week we're going to be getting a 10-man elimination tag match. Uh, the Elite versus Hangman, the Dark Order. Cool. Very, very cool. Um, you got Darby Allen against Wheeler, Utah. And uh, the best part about this match is Jim Ross. Yeah. Why do you say yeah? Oh. Uh, because I fucking live I love, I love Jim on commentary now. He's my new favorite thing. So he makes this botch here. You can hear him put on the brakes. JR, we saw Wheeler Yuta in action last week against Sammy Guevara. This young man turned a lot of heads. He certainly did. I, we talked about uh, W, the, the management of this, of this company, <laughs> AEW. They love this kid. Whoops. I'm glad he at least caught himself that time. W what? WB. W. He stopped right there. Like, no, Twitter ain't gonna fuck with me twice in a week. Fuck that shit. And we're back to comedy spots with Sting. This made me laugh, but not even because of the initial part. It's because of the fucking end. There's a lot of that down here. Oh, my God. Oh, my. What? (laughs) I love that Sting started it off. Who'd have thunk it? I see it, but I don't believe it. Darwin must be thinking, what the hell are you guys doing out here? From behind. Oh, Yuna. One. That's so ridiculous. What I like with with Warren Cassidy, though, is that they don't do it as frequently now. So that when they do do it, it gets a pop from the crowd. Because it's like, oh, fuck, here we go again. And that just had to be fun for Sting, though. Yeah. Cassidy goes over with the coffin drop and then he takes the blade's own brass knuckles and Superman punches him with it. I mean, I'm sorry, Darby yeah, Allen. Yeah, Darby goes over with coffin drop, but yeah, the whole um rivalry between Cassidy and Blaze that he's basically been decking him with those uh those brass knuckles left and right, so he finally got him back. Yeah. Which the crowd kind of felt mixed about them. I guess they didn't expect the heel thing like that to happen out of a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, Burt Baker versus Nyla Rose again, again, uh, and obviously Britt goes over, you know, she's Cobra Kai. It's like, what else did you think was going to happen? That might be a screenshot because like, I can't, I can't unsee that now. Like, yeah, I do love the double curve stomps. Toward a, to it a second time, Excalibur, kind of surprising. But, Whoa! Oh, the curb stomp, driving Nyla face first into the mat. A second! Oh. Oh. Wow, she hits those brutally too. 
really see if I can drive in a fucking skull into the ground. Interestingly, a little thing, um, breaking off quickly, uh, former Lucha Underground star Marty Martinez actually had been on Wrestling and Dark not too long ago. His finisher was originally the curb stomp, but they asked him not to use it because um, Britt Baker uses it. Interesting. That's so cool. So he actually that he had to go respect. back to one of his other moves. Yeah. And she apparently broke her wrist during this match, or was it already broken? Like, Yeah, something happened in this match where her wrist got busted. She's not going to miss any time, though. She's time she wrestled Nyla Rose and then gotten injured. Yeah, and she's going to wrestle with a broken wrist. I don't know when exactly it happened, you know. But at one point during this match, she pulls, she tries to pull an Eddie at, uh, against one of Vicky's clients. How great is that, right? It does not shit. Like, you pull an Eddie against a Vicky client. That's a shoot. That's got to be so fun for Vicky to get to see Rebel getting up on the rope. Britt Baker. She has that championship belt. The championship belt is uh, like a weapon. Oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. Vicky Guerrero's not going to let Britt Baker steal one of Eddie's old tricks. Lost Eaton Steel, right? Right out of the Guerrero playbook. Oh, but Nyla. Oh, such a weak kick that Nia gave her leading to that beast bomb. That's why we kick out of your finisher because you're not shit anymore. One hell of a competitive matchup here for the AEW Women's World Title. One fall. And these ladies are kicking this thing into another gear. Not another one. Nyla Rose with another beast bomb again. Brett. I love the way Britt transitions that from the beast bomb. Rolls her through. Brings the arm up. Bye. Looking for it. Looking for it. Looking for it. Lock those. There it is. Got it locked in. Lockjaw. From the dentist. And the champion. Yes. She's nodding. She's tapping. She's everything. She's done. I love how she nodded first to give the signal and then realized that wouldn't work. So she just went to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what would happen if the ref didn't see the tap. Like <laughs> so Santana and Ortiz have a press conference against, uh, what the hell are they called here? FTR. F- FTR. And uh, Santana, again, with another golden promo. That guy is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and it's amazing. I love it. Check it. You see that? That's my mother at 15 years old after having me. You see this? This is my mom's first apartment. A shithole in the Bronx. You see this? This is where my mom had to fight the city and take slumlords to court just so that we have a decent place to live. Tony, there's only three things in this world I care about. That's God, my family, and professional wrestling. And the only thing left to do, July 28th, Charlotte, North Carolina, is show up and beat your ass. Oh, that's going to be such a good match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that will be homecoming because, yeah, FTR will be coming home for that event. So, oh, that's going to be a banger. Yeah, they sure will. So next we get Andrade's uh, new executive consultant. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new executive consultant to Andrade El Idolo. Chavo Guerrero! Wow! Chavo Guerrero! Chavo Guerrero! From Ireland, from one of the most famous 
Originally, JR, he was brought into AEW by Vicky Guerrero. Well, there's a strong bond between the Guerreros and a, and a lot of multi-generational Mexican athletes. Pro so that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool for me. It's cool, and I think it's cool for a lot of people because we haven't seen Chavo in a long time. Mm-hmm. It's not like he just shows up everywhere. Like we haven't. I, I can't remember. It's probably been God years since I think I've seen Chavo. Yeah, now here he is. I'm so that definitely works. It looks. Good. You know what it is, and what made me so it, it actually brought a smile to my face. He looks so much like his dad. Like Chavo Classic. Wow. I I looked at him, and all I saw was Chavo Classic, and I had the biggest grin on my face. So, uh, Death Triangle has issues with their arrival here. Mr. Andrade! I don't know who you think you are. You see, last week, we heard our name in your mouth. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the record, let it be known that Death Triangle hides from no one. Bam. Thank you for coming. Thank you, thank you. Seriously, thank you. But, Phoenix, Penta, you are good. But, with Andrade, we are great. Look here, listen. With Andrade, with me, People love some raza. Conmigo. Pueden lograr un imperio. Pueden llegar a la cima. Porque me doy cuenta que se encuentran ahogados. Look at me. I am elite superstar. Look at me. <laughs> Look, guys, what he's trying to say, because I know we all understand, but Pac, you only speak one language, so I'm going to explain it to you, okay? And I don't mean that as a dig. I just mean it. This is the way it goes, man. You guys are all talented. We are, there's no question about that. Everybody here knows that. But when I look at your waist, and when Andrade looks at your waist, it's not shiny enough, but it should be. It should be. So we want to change that? Start listening to this man right here. I like this view. Felix. Yeah. I have a Stylistically, Ambro Hawaii is great. Una pregunta. Why do you work for Pac? Penta. Phoenix. Now you work for Andrade, el ídolo. Andrade, I'm not sure what planet you're on, but Penta and Phoenix, they don't work for me. You see, Death Triangle, we're a team, a family, a brotherhood. Do you understand? Y para que tú entiendas, nosotros. Somos familia. And, and you know what? We are the real face of the Latino. 
¿Y sabes qué? ¿Cómo por qué vamos a hacer equipo con alguien que no tiene nuestro nivel? Alex. Why would we want to join a group with you when you're not even on our level? Uh-oh. Well, Penta has like a very little arrogant Tranquilo. Look at Tony. The other Tony. Everybody. <laughs> Por Andrade. Everyone. Lucky. 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 Free court headed out to try to keep these two, these two groups separated. And then they do; they successfully separate them. How disappointing! Like they actually are good, good security. Boo! Buy your security from WWE, cheap. Uh, so I guess the final thing is the IWGP United States Heavyweight Title Texas Death Match. John Moxley defending his IWGP U.S. Championship against Lance Archer, being accompanied by Jake Roberts. Finish being the upset because Moxley winds up losing the title here. I didn't expect that to happen. It's choke slammed onto a barbed wire board, and then basically because one of the parts of a Texas Death Match is in a sense a last man standing match, Mox can't answer the ten count and. Archer gets his U.S. title back. Mm-hmm. And there were all the crazy bumps in this as well. Like here, where he beats up a fan that's clearly a plant fan. You're like, who's that? Throws him on Moxley. He was a plant. What do you mean you don't know who he was? He was clearly a plant. But you can't sell it like it's a plant. Well, you gotta be like, look, he beat up a random fan, but then not expect random fans to get involved. You know? And then right around here is what I like to call... I know all you kids like this kind of shit. I like to call this fork you. <laughs> oh, the chop block by Moxley. Taking Archer down to one knee. This is an entirely different match than I, I envisioned Tony coming into it. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected this from John Moxley, like you said. A different level for him. Oh! A different level of... At once, the, the feeling of being at once, being dangerous, and not giving a damn. Yeah, that dragon screwed leg whip, man, just tore that knee. Moxley, oh, he, he's not content, is he? Oh, did he already get forked here? Maybe I went too far. Yes, I think he did. Yeah, but uh, while you're looking for that kind of interesting thing, um, I didn't realize until this match was over, I believe Archer and Moxley are the first two wrestlers to ever compete in back-to-back Texas. Moxley with a fork in hand. Oh, good. I don't even want to watch this. There it is. Good God almighty. That fork gets stuck right in the face of Lance Archer, who's bleeding profusely. His face quickly becoming a crimson mask. This championship match will continue through the break, but don't worry, we'll stick with it in picture in picture. No, because we're jumping forward. John Moxley, it's like you said, JR, it's legal. This was a bad chair bump here, this double chair bump. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Man, we thought, we know Charlotte's going to be special next week, but this is going to have to go some. Oh, no. Look at this, look at this. Oh, my God. All the... 
edge of the chair, right to the... That's how that guy jumped up and down like it happened to him. Look at this again. <laughs> angle right here. Hey, man, sometimes you be feeling that. There's no way you can defend yourself from, from that. Okay, I remember the that one day. Can Moxley rise to the 10 count? And then we got the uh, the finish that you were talking about. Wouldn't be good if we didn't show that. It's a community fork, and now Moxley. A community fork, Jr. <laughs> Good God. In trouble. Chokes slam through the damn barbed wire. And that's what does it. Yeah, hell of a match. These guys uh lived up to their hype when it came to this match, which they always delivered when it comes to, like when they really dubbed it, they've done these new DQ or Texas death matches. And then here comes Lee Kulelo or whoever the fuck he is. I don't remember this Lee-Kulelo. guy. Man. Remember Lee Kulelo. I don't remember him. He must have not been in there. Yeah, he's um, he, he won the both of He's like, we won the rest of the Will Lance Archer be in next week when he has to defend that title in Charlotte and fight for the Fallen? Yeah, Archer's 6'8". This kid's... Yeah. I didn't realize he was that big. He's, he's immense. Man, what a showdown this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen. We- I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll- kind of a big deal at the same down though, because now Hickle the first active Bullet, member, Bullet Club member to show up on Dynamite, even though it's Jay White's Bullet Club, but still. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, next week it is, uh, well, this Wednesday, coming Wednesday, it's Hickle versus Archer for the U.S. title. Yep, and afterwards, John Mock showed some respect to Lance Archer. He held his hand up and stuff. Very classic. That's a big win for Archer, too, especially because the last time he became U.S. champion, it was um, when we went through that period where Moxley basically had to surrender of the U.S. title. So he never actually got to fully beat uh, Moxley for that title until that night. Mm-hmm. A new Japan title changing hands in AEW. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah! We got a lot of really cool things. We're not done. There's a lot of awesome stuff left tonight. Thank you for being here. We're just getting started. Please, I hope you... Please, I, I just want to tell you a little bit about what's coming. First up, the first match we're going to have is going to feature one of the top wrestlers in AEW. On elevation, his name is Jungle Boy. We have some great matches, and ladies and gentlemen, returning to elevation tonight, Pac! Pac will take on Chuck Taylor in our main event on elevation. That's a huge match, but you're also going to have a special commentator. I'd like to introduce a special commentator. Before I do, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a performance center in AEW. This is the performance center. The arena. I come here, I bring the show here, but ladies and gentlemen, we have the best young wrestlers in the world, and this is where we showcase them. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. And I'd like to introduce you to your special commentator. He's also going to wrestle a little bit later tonight on Elevation. Yeah, well, there you go. That's pretty much AW was brought on 1.148 million viewers for night two with a 0.44 in the 18 to 49 demographic. So they're up yeah. even higher in the millions from where they were last week. They continue yeah, to they're rise up. Rate, I believe. Yeah, absolutely insane. And uh, yeah, we're almost done here. Let's wrap up this quick bullet points of SmackDown. I don't want to go through too much. Austin Theory had a match against Odyssey Jones. Hopefully Jones didn't drop him. Aaliyah fought Indy Hartwell. 
as a dark match on SmackDown. Uh, those are really the only relevant ones. John Cena came out, right? We got good old. It feels good to have John Cena once again returning right. back. It's so to, refreshing. Yeah, so good old Cena. Let's get that up on screen here for you guys. Up and be heard. No more Thunderdome. No more LED screens. We are live and we are in your face. And there is noise on each and every side of this arena. Yeah, you know how the John Cena promos go. But to me, what really got me in this was the Paul Heyman promo. Heyman strikes again. Shut it down. <laughs> Somebody want to explain to me again why they took him off talking smack? I'll wait. Yeah, who knows? It's just one of those things that's making the fucking sound effects so well. I can't even do that shit. That was great. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, Sami Zayn against Finn Balor. Uh, finished being the coup de gras. Coup de gras, the shit out of him. Funny moment where Michael Cole botches and he calls the fucking blue thunder bomb a Michinoku driver. Again. And McAfee doesn't let him get away with it. He kind of does, but he kind of <laughs> doesn't. Finn Balor. Balor Club. 20 abs. And Sami Zayn, though, felt it coming. Oh! It's an outgo driver. Planting Balor and a kick out. Combination of Michinoku driver blue thunderbomb. Sami thought he got it all, but he didn't. A kick out by Balor at two. The internet says you messed that up. Nonetheless, Sami Zayn has ended this thing. He didn't let him get away with it at the end of that shit. Like, no, motherfucker, you're not getting out of that shit clean. There was no combination. Fuck you. Fucking tried to do combination my ass. You fucked up there. Oh, my God. That's what I like about McAfee. That's what he does. Like, he does fan shit. Like, he does shit you would do if you were in that situation. Because nobody else would let him out of that clean. Mm-hmm. And then you get more poor Corbin, babyface Corbin. How much money did I make? I actually lost money on this venture. The guy I found on the internet to build the website, well, he ghosted me after I paid him. And then I think he stole my identity because my credit is gone. No credit cards. Nothing. Oh. Kayla, I had to ride the bus here today. Have you ever been on a public bus? It smells like curdled cheese and gym socks. What's happened to me? We all want to go big. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Heartbreaking. <laughs> and uh, basically, they do a segment where the dirty dogs come out, Nakamura and Cesaro, and it leads to a bro. I forgot the dirty dogs exist. 
So did everybody else who has respect for the business. Yeah, we don't got time. I'm skipping that shit. That sucked. And what the fuck happened? All of a sudden, there was like, was half of SmackDown in a different location, I guess? So apparently what was going on was that um, they were doing some of the SmackDown from an event called uh, the called Rolling Loud Music Festival in Miami, which, um, bad idea, guys. People are at a rap concert looking for wrestling. I don't know if it's a bad idea. It looks really good on television. Of course, this is Wale that came out to introduce everybody. Three hundred thousand people. So y'all in for a treat tonight. My name is Wale. Hopefully, some of y'all know me. Yeah, and anyway, he introduces the street profits. Yeah, it was against Gable and this guy. And not Tucker. Mm-hmm. It was a hip-hop festival thing, like you said, and they had that match. Finish being, they kill Gable with a spine buster. Yeah. Or it was just like they didn't even bother to write a fucking finish for this thing. The other match they had here was a Bianca Belair rematch against Carmella for the women's title. Um... Again, I don't want to go too much into the detail of these matches, but the the look of this place, whatever whatever the hell they decided to do here, like I just wanted to point out, it has a really good look to it, you know. Yeah, it's a rap festival. Oh, that's one of the EST you're saying. Yeah, I'm, you have to forgive me that I'm unfamiliar with my rap festivals. So it's a, it's a sight to me. They ran in. No, go ahead. No, I said, so it's a sight for me, because I've never really seen these. Yeah. See, the problem, as somebody who's been to plenty of concerts and festivals like that, the crowd could not have given less of a shit. It felt like, like they, they were not. see wrestling. Yeah, it really felt like they didn't. I wanted to hear them pop they, or be into it, but they really weren't. Yeah, they, they were pop. But, but also, look at the size of that crowd. You wouldn't hear it if they did, though, when a crowd's right. that big, you know? Like, look at the size of this shit. This is crazy. Yeah, that crowd... Look at the scale of this shit. I still think it's good that they did something new and different, you know? Yeah, it's different for sure. They were kind of, they they did what they could, but they were definitely facing a little bit of an uphill battle when it came to that crowd. But that was a sight, though, for sure. Like, I haven't seen, probably because I haven't been to a concert even for years before the pandemic, I forgot the scale of some of those crowds. Yeah, it really is quite crazy. And this is somebody who's been like Vans Warped Tour and freaking Rockstar Energy Mayhem Fest and seen those huge crowds. Like, yeah, it, it is a sight if you've never seen it. It's ridiculous in person. So then you get Owens with the tank girls. Good luck, guys. They're working on their tank. We get more sad Corbin. Look, man. I want to apologize about that. I'm in a bad place. I really didn't mean to insult the way you dressed or, or how you look. It's just a bad habit. It is a bad habit. A bad habit of being a jerk to everybody. And you've had that bad habit for like, what, eight years? You can't be surprised if, if nobody feels bad for you. Right? You kind of brought that up on yourself. Okay, man. I'm really struggling with you, man. I feel like you're one of the guys. You can help me out. Can you forgive me? I know it's a lot. 
Is that the same shirt as last week? No, it, it's different. It's a new shirt, but it, you got a stain on that one, too. I'm not proud of it, dude. It's spaghettis out of a can. Oh, Corbin. I'm a mess, man. Here. Try not to be a jerk to people, maybe, you know? This is really going to help me out. I hope it does. I can do a lot with this, man. All right. Take it Thank easy, you, man. Dude. Thank you. Look at this. This is my favorite part. All right. <laughs> You're right. No. <laughs> like, no. I'm not agreeing. They took his money and he got shot by the fucking tank. <laughs> Couldn't be farther from okay. Oh, man. That was awesome. Edge promo that goes too far. Ooh. That promo when you go too far. I enjoyed it, but it definitely <laughs> fucking edge, man. Let me bring this up for you. Hold on. And I'm in your way. Seth, you have no inkling the Pandora's box of violence and mental pain that you have opened. I learned from the most evil minds in the history of this industry. I was in the brood. I was in the Ministry of Darkness. He name-dropped the Ministry of Darkness. You have no idea the depths that I will sink to to get the job done. Yeah, he would go back to coming out of fire in the brood. And now he's putting the bar chairs in people's mouths, cranking them back and making them look like puppets and shit. You made him name drop the brood? You know how far you gotta go back to name drop gang rails group? And you still come out here to talk shit after that? And I've got my brood on the back of your surgically repaired neck. I will not hesitate to pull the trigger. Bang! <laughs> bang, bang! A pop, 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 pop! Poof, there goes your neck up in smoke! <laughs> what an asshole. Hey, hey. That's a phrase. Yeah. Poof, there goes what your neck. I said neck. about not putting my hands on you? I'm a liar. No hesitation there for Edge. And Edge with the right hand. And I'll pound it away at Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins said Edge has been a scumbag to him. Edge says, I'm a liar. i got to get my hands on you right now for everything you cost me. Yeah, Edge. He could be Universal Champion today if it wasn't for Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins could be as well if it wasn't for Edge skipping the line in his eyes. And Rollins now beating down Edge. And Edge. Edge kills it. I love that Cole called it the execution. I haven't heard that name in a good long time. Right. I popped when he called it. I was like, oh, he called it its name. All right. Well, anyway, after that, 
you had uh, Zelina Vega and the Tony Storm debut match, right? Yep, and they have switched Tony back to a face, apparently. For what reason, though? <laughs> you assume they need a reason. Like, she doesn't need to be a face, you know? You think they thought that through? Oh, well, the finish is very unusual. I'm going to run it on screen and we can talk about it. Took the belt off. Tony Storm did. Oh, my Lord. So that's a new finisher, apparently. The Storm One. That is uh, the new. Yeah, that's the new Storm Zero. Well, they call it the Storm One. A little bit to trap. Oh, they call it Storm One now, huh? Vega cannot. Did put Tony Storm away, but right back on the attack. First, the belts are what, what distracts her. From Zelina Vega. Yeah, incredible athlete is Zelina. Now Tony Storm, though, powering Zelina Vega. Watch here. Those behind. Waist lock now. Standing switch by Storm. And one by Vega. Oh, just undressed her. Took the belt off. And Tony Storm did. Oh, my Lord. Vega face first. Storm now into the cup. So, yeah, that is the Storm 1. Dope looking move. Uh, it looks a lot harder to set up, almost to a point where from the angle that they're doing it, I can't understand it. It it looks like a move that's it, it looks like a move that's built more like a counter. Like you're not gonna necessarily be able to just set that one up. Because the way she had to do it is she had to duck around, hook her neck, and then flip her over. Yeah, which is kind of weird. For anyone who needs the comparison, of course I'm gonna have that for you, but this is Tony Storm. Uh this is her new finisher, the Storm One. Very unique looking move, it was like. Just to run it back one more time. It looks like a reverse very it looks like a version of um Randy Orton's backbreaker, but instead of going for the backbreaker, she flips you over and almost into a cutter. Yeah. And then the new one. Well, I mean that's the new one, but then the old one, which was pretty much just a tiger driver. Yeah. But that was Storm Zero. Yeah, that's the one that they took off of her. Tony Storm oh! setting her up! You know what it could be? There's just too many people doing moves that are there's nothing but a fucking, you know, it's a power bomb, really, you know? There's a lot there's of a power tiger bombs driver. Out there, yeah, this is probably for the best, you know? The Storm 1 gives her a, it makes her, it gives her a move that stands out. Because yeah. like, you can't say you've ever seen a move like that before. So we had uh, Jimmy Uso against Dominic Mysterio. And uh, once again, the Usos cheat their little asses off, huh? Let me uh, bring some of this up here. Bear with me a minute. I know it involved, uh, yeah, it was a reversal combination, and he basically, Jay helped Jimmy cheat, right? And show the idiocy of this fucking ref. What? Let me go to that real quick, fast forward to it. Dominic and L from Jimmy with a super kick. And now Dominic rolls through, stacking up Jimmy Uso, two count, Jimmy's got a kick. This is a good pinning combination Dominic here. Takes out Jay. Little payback there. Right-handed Jimmy. Dominic up over the top. Caught. Yeah. Roll. That was a little sloppy. Roll back through. Counter to a counter to a counter. Jimmy up to the this. shoulders. And Dominic slides down. Jimmy trying to hang on. And look at now, Jey Uso. Shane to this pass. And how did the ref not see his whole body? Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> what? Horrible vantage point there. You were looking in the general direction. You had to see something. So do you hear what they cut off of Roman's speech? Yes, the best fucking part, because they're idiots. So Roman comes out. He does the acknowledge me thing, which I love. You there. 
sitting at home. Acknowledge me. I love the way Heyman popped up in the shot at the end of that shit. <laughs> he said, you there, like sitting at home. Muscle, he was like a puppet in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Acknowledge me. And then his head just slid in from the side like that. <laughs> Yo, that would be the greatest fucking UNICEF commercial ever. For 50 cents a day, you can acknowledge me. Fucking Heyman just slides in. And here comes the part. Let's jump ahead a little because we're running fucking horribly late. Which, by the way, SmackDown is without the replays. The same insults. John Cena. If I wanted that, all I had to do was search online for 2005 John Cena. It's the same thing over and over and over. It's like missionary position every single (laughs) night. And they cut that out. You casuals are okay with it, right? Right. They cut out the missionary position joke. That's why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Like missionary position. Unwholesome fucks. No. (laughs) No motivation in missionary. He should get a new shirt that says man on a missionary. I buy it. <laughs> Write it down. Instead oh, of head of the God. table, it should be head at the table. Oh. Acknowledge me and mini me. Anyway, so he declines John Cena's challenge. What the fuck? And then instead, we get Finn Balor. I'm not here to acknowledge you, but if you're not interested in John Cena's challenge, Maybe you're interested in mine. Wow! What the fuck happened with the John Cena thing? Why is it Finn Balor? Yeah, they're going to figure out some unnecessarily convoluted way to work at the summertime so that he's still fighting. Yes, yes away while you still can. It's only a matter of time until they do too much yesing and then they tell them that they have a surprise for them after the show and film it all over again. (laughs) Cleveland seems to want it. Spoiler alert, he says yes. Jesus Christ, they're taking long. I don't got the time for that shit. But, uh, this is actually going to be very intriguing, though, because if you look at uh, their history together, this is the rubber match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Finn's first night on Raw, he pinned Roman to get a Universal Championship match, and then the next time they wrestled, Roman got the, got the win. So. Absolutely. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. Oh, yeah. We're almost there, Tony guys. Storm, congratulations on making your Friday night SmackDown debut, and you got the victory here tonight. Now that you're on SmackDown, what can the WWE Universe expect from Tony Storm? Well, if we look at the history books, I went to NXT UK, climbed that ladder, went to NXT, climbed that ladder, and now I'm here, Friday night SmackDown, ready to climb this big, big ladder to the SmackDown Women's Championship. Expect to see good things. See, they're going to de-push her now because she acknowledged NXT. 
Yep, that's it. You're garbage to them. Gonna be losing no, no, but she's gonna be losing to Zelina Vega and fucking Eva Marie every week. Yeah, and John Cena and Roman Reigns have been f- facing each other on SmackDown. There was even one where it ends with the AA. He hits Roman with the AA. Um, don't have time and to I really go into it. Jay, I think he don't catch Jimmy so where he gets the win. But yeah, right, right, right. Um, don't have time to go into all that tonight. But SmackDown brought in 2.4 million viewers. You see, that is the highest ranking show above Raw by far. Massive jump. 0.50 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic and keep in mind that that's lower than usual Smackdown doing bad is better than everything else 2.4 million viewers 0.50 previous week was 2.148 million you understand what i'm saying so yeah is it a point now where it's like when i look at the ratings like smackdown i don't even count them because they're in their own league at this point like yeah. nobody's touching them all right, this is it. Last five minutes. Last week's Raw did 1,923,000 viewers. So they're ab- below 2 million, but 0.57 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Out of the 1,923,741,000 are the ones that fit into the 0.57 rating of the 18 to 49 demographic. So just to put that into perspective, uh, Raw just the part that pulls in the rating is higher than all of the NXT rating combined and mo- and a lot of the AEW of, you know so these are still the monster shows Raw and Smackdown it's still a long journey here to go um it opens with the whole Nikki Cross motivational shit which makes Charlotte and Rhea come out they decide they're gonna have like a triple threat uh at SummerSlam Sheamus has a match against Damian Priest, which I did miss seeing him around. Glad he was around. Thankfully, Damian Priest goes over. We get one picture. And hit the lights. It is the reckoning again. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have the reckoning guy around, right? Yeah, that's true. Oh, thank Jesus. Or the girl. I'm sorry, I forgot that that one was Mia Yim. I forget which was yeah. which. She's the one that was supposed to debut on SmackDown like three fucking months ago. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure that when the time's right, she's gonna explain everything. <laughs> That's what I keep fucking hearing from the two of them, right? But anyway, uh, Priest goes over here. We get a picture in picture. This was to show the trailer to whatever it was. wasn't successful because I already forgot what it was. Like I was watching the picture in picture. But picture in picture back, at least for that one thing. Yay. See how ineffective ads are? I don't even see what the fuck I watched. That's what I was talking about earlier. Brought it back. Styles and Omas go over to Viking Raiders. Jinder's lawyer. His name was Bill Hassani Esquire. <laughs> that's such a fucking white guy's name with an indian middle name who wrote this shit i can't tell if they were being funny or stupid bill hassani esquire see 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 this, this, oh, they is, did, this is where the problem comes in with those fans those casual fans all they problem. did was take all they did was take bill s preston esquire from bill and ted and change the middle name to hassani they took bill esquire from bill and ted yep, and made him bill hassani ate it up I am Bill Hassani Esquire, and I am Ted Theodore Logan. What do you have fucking with Veer? Veer versus Drew, where fucking Ginger passes him a chair, and Drew Claymore's the shit out of it. And then Claymore's Esquire. Bill Hassani Esquire. I wouldn't even go try to pronounce this shit. Asani Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan together. We are wild. I'm not even gonna finish this one because it would have been it would have been bad. Fucking do it. We ain't got all night. <laughs> we got all night, and I wasn't gonna say stallions. 
That'll be the little air guitar. <laughs> anyway, fucking Bill Hassani Esquire. I love this shit. This is it's like, I don't know who cares less than Ross. But Natalia and Tamina go over Eva and Dewdrop thanks to fucking Lily Lucian. Oh, thank God. I was so happy. Because I swear to God, I, I was worried for those two at first. Not fucking Eva and Piper. I was, I was worried for fucking Natty and Tamina because I was like, y'all already lost to a made up tag team once. Actually, twice. Yeah, I would hate for them to look bad or weak in any way. So it's a good thing that the doll saved them. I mean, I, you know, saved us. Which all I'm saying is, this is what the third week in a row. Remember that thing when they said uh, she wasn't gonna wrestle? She's wrestling. Why? But lied about that too. I think that's a bitch. Carrying Cross goes over Keith Lee. Carrying Cross isn't safe with those Saito suplexes. He dropped Lee practically on his head the second time. He taps Keith Lee out. That's what you get for tweeting before Raw that you're going to tell us everything in a couple of weeks. And it was so stupid because you're putting them in a situation where both of them lost last week. So why are they in it? You should be putting them both in matches where they're obviously going to win, not putting them in a situation where somebody's going to lose two weeks in a row. Either Keith Lee or the NXT fucking champion. Mustafa Ali and Mansoor go over Mace. And are they still Mace and T-Bar? Yep, still Mace and T-Bar. Okay, so no one can have a finisher called the Mace or the T-Bar. Got it. (laughs) If they have that finisher, they're not long for this world anyway. There's a very dramatic and emotional hurt business reunion. And I'm not talking about the four of them being in the ring. I'm talking about when Bobby Lashley fucking stacked Cedric on top of Shelton. <laughs> Once again, unifying them as a fucking team. He dominated him on to fucking, Ced- on to fucking Shelton. Yeah. They definitely that gave them some some up. some hurtful business. You know, he destroyed them. But the good news is we didn't see Bill. So, 10 on 10. Who, Bill Alfonso? Not yet. It would have been better if we saw Bill Alfonso. At least he would have brought the whistle. Mustafa Ali and Mansoor have great chemistry with one another. They actually both pull each other out of out of danger at one point or another. And slowly, Mustafa Ali is becoming a reluctant babyface. I guess, right? Is what they're doing here. Yeah. He he really helped them. They're gonna be good guys together. Yeah. Also, Stasis pointed out, you know, Lashley doesn't sweat as much anymore. He used to wear a bandana to cover all his sweating glands and shit, and be now the sweat's not there anymore. He's dried up, isn't he? <laughs> maybe I guess. Maybe, maybe that's just because my maybe that's just because my head can that makes me laugh. I don't know. I thought he changed his diet or he's in better shape or something. He's not sweaty anymore. Probably not burning himself out so fast. So, but yeah, he's sweating way less. That motherfucker used to look like he was shined. Morrison goes over Riddle thanks to Omos distracting Riddle by destroying his scooter. And apparently they're using the fucking stupid sticks as pyro. Yeah. AJ beats Donna defeated Riddle basically, and then uh, Styles clashes him. Apparently, Orton has been moved to the inactive list for some reason. Yeah, I saw that. I, didn't, I heard he's going to be back in the next week or so. What else yeah, happened on this week, Raw? So. Um, last real thing, honestly, that was important was they had uh, Nikki Cross get the shit kicked out of her. All right, how did I forget? <laughs> I was, it's funny because I'm like looking at like real talk like I'm just looking at my notes and it just stopped after Styles Clash I was like what did I do alright I stopped giving a fuck but yeah basically um, your Raw Women's Champion got the dog shit kicked out of her and then lost a week after winning the title 
and then decides to give a dramatic speech saying she all was almost a superhero and she almost won the match and now she's char- char- challenging Charlotte next week and I'm like oh my fucking god hated why it. you don't just hand anybody money in the fucking bank literal money in the bank right I, I, I know we had the little running gag of what she's doing on her own storylines we need to snap this bitch back into a real storyline right yeah <laughs> oh, I'm crap I'm not having fun I'm not gonna lie to you there man the second I saw her grab that briefcase, I was like, yep, it's down fucking hill. The only, ex- you know it's bad when the only acceptable thing is for her to fail the cashing. Because that's the only way she comes out of it clean. No, I disagree. I think that my version where we do everything the same, except that she's not a superhero. Oh, yeah. No, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's obviously miles better. But I'm just saying, when that, the fact that she is a superhero, she has to lose cashing. Yeah, well, that's already done. Awesome. Like she, she's almost a superhero. She almost cashed in successfully. Just keep it going. Just failure after failure, and she just comes out with that inspirational speech. I am almost no, no. and that's how they went off raw <laughs> with Charlotte basically kicking the dog shit out of Nikki. Yep, that was pretty much it. Another long one in the books here, right? Look at that. We're hitting that six-hour mark. If we were to go another six minutes, which we will not. Uh, yeah, holy crap! Good lord. We are wrapping up here, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not. Don't forget, we have all kinds of extra content coming your way for the rest of the week. Tune in to see all of that. Some wrestling related, a lot of it not. Uh, Next week, Talk Brunch Live, Monday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, following Raw on both Facebook and Twitch. You can find all of the links at talkbrunch.com. Of course, audio replays available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all other popular places podcasts are found. With that, I bid thank you to our live chat room and our live feed including George and Stasis Dreams and King Quest, Bloodluster, uh, Zerd, Zerd Ferdius, uh, Lou Thunderbomb, Manning Wilkins, Om Santi, Miss Lenity, Cabigon, Skizzy Skiz, and everybody listening across all of their various mentioned platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 471, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. For myself and my co-host Destin, Soul Blow Frazier, we're out of here. I am 29 next week and I am psyched. Y'all in. Shut it down.